As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. He didn't get out of the cock the duty car! Somebody to Tonka Obwachimi Yalo. I made my family disappear. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Everything's polluted. The environment, the government, the schools, you name it. Come on, Kohagan, you got what you want. Give this people air. Kawabunga. I am not arguing that with you. Goddamn airport! What, you got shit in your ears? Nothing more foolish than a man chasing his hat. Fuck you! Everybody everywhere will say Clint Eastwood is the biggest yellow belly in the West. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. (laughs) Welcome, everyone, to a special edition of Voices and Visions slash Directors Club for a truly joyful annual tradition of going back 30 years to examine the year in cinema in depth, at length, and hopefully with some fond memories along the way. Uh, It's something I hope to continue to do every year until we reach 1999. And I could never, ever do this alone. That would be quite dull. So five years ago, I asked for some help. We have two of my favorite Chicago critics joining me. As always, we have the uh, host of Christmas Movies, actually, the cool as a cucumber, Colin Suter. Hello. And the host of Movie Man is the exuberant Eric Childress. That's me. <laughs> so it's basically now a big Now Playing Network party up in here. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we're back at it again. Uh, I've decided that for the remaining years, I'm just going to keep a Google Doc together with notes of every title I watch. i got to get a little more organized. Because um, as I'm getting older, my memory is getting worse. Oh, me it too. Happens. <laughs> it happens. Me too. That's why, I mean, I start watching these movies like in the summer, like before <laughs> we do it. And that's why I take copious notes because I can't. I'm looking back on movies that I did not take notes on. Yep. And I'm like, what did I think of that again? I don't remember. <laughs> See, I, us- I usually start try just try to keep it a little fresher just like once we get done like award season. And yeah. that's when I just kind of kick it into gear. Yeah, and I definitely binge more you know. after awards. Season. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so we just got into our DeLoreans, and now it's officially 1990. How old were each of you? Anything that stands out in terms of growing pains, memories? Well, I was in high school, uh, wow. a, a junior in high, a junior and then a senior, uh, working at a movie theater. So I'll be saying that a lot uh, during throughout the show of movies that we played at my four-screen piece of crap movie theater um (laughs) and yeah girl problems social problems all kinds of problems that teenagers have and yeah so i was 15 or yeah 14 going we have 15 in was i entered 19 no well 14 going on 15 Ah. as i entered 1990 so freshman sophomore year not uh my joyous time no (laughs) in the world um i you know things picked up junior year so like once we get like into like 91 things pick up a little bit better a little bit more yeah. but 1990 i just you know i'm thinking about that summer and the stories we'll get into as we talk about all these movies and whatnot and yeah i always say that if you enjoyed middle school or high school you did it wrong so. <laughs> there are parts of high school i liked but it was mainly it had to do with movies and music or right. you were born with a certain genetic code that made it a little more palatable <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Yeah, well, all I can say is that this is the year that I first started listening to something called AM Talk Radio. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Mm. Uh, it's, it, is that it's, still around? I it think, is. Yeah, okay. I it think is. so, in some form. <laughs> uh, and it was January of 1990, a radio host named Nick DeGilio revealed his favorite films of 1989. And that kind of, uh, hearing him on Stephen John, I think he, he was filling, or 
he was on Steve and Johnny's show revealing all of his favorites. And that's kind of when I started taking notes and eventually would turn into the, the full-time movie freak that I, that I am today. Um, but I was 12, so I'd be entering junior high school, right? Or was that 13? I can't remember. No, maybe that's it was what, no, that sounds about yeah, right. I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. So there was some dark stuff, um, to say the least. <laughs> but uh, I've always said that like 1985 was the f- year that I fell in love with film as entertainment, and 1990 was the year I fell in love with film as catharsis and a way to feel more connected. Uh, and we'll get to a title in particular that I think we all know is responsible for a huge change in my life, I would say. Uh, and uh, we're, we got a lot to cover, as always, guys. Mm-hmm. This is fun. And then we'll end it with our favorite picks. Uh, like uh, We'll just go like top 20. You know, sure. You know, that's that seems to be a good number. Cool. Where shall we begin? Well, Something I, light, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, let's start with Henry. <laughs> okay, so we're starting. We, we go month by month in this thing. We're starting in January. Oh yeah, and we should list, talk about our process a little bit, just like the website, yeah. in case people want to look at it for reference sake. You know, box office mojo. Try to go in order of release date, yeah. right? Basically, and. Uh, I think there are probably a few titles maybe not on the our list that, I don't know if anyone remembers, certain titles might bring them up at some point. Yeah. Mostly go by release date. Yeah, and we're using the list off of Box Office Mojo because that gives us box office numbers, so it, it's legitimately you know domestic releases. Uh, so there might be a movie that is listed on IMDb or Letterboxd as a 1989 movie or a 1991 movie, but it were released... In in the states in 1990, so that's what we're going on. Correct. Um, and there's one movie on this list on the front page right here that I, that falls into that kind of gray area category because it actually so. made Nick's Nick's favorites of 1989, which because I think I'm getting well the one we're about to talk about. Okay, uh, and that would be Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Sure, it's good to talk to you, Henry. You're not judgmental or anything like that. Open your eyes, Odie. Look at the world. It's either you or them. Did I stutter? Give me the $50 and get out! Don't do that, Otis. She's your sister. Oh, we're, yeah, we're jumping in light. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it sets the tone what for the whole film? year as far as I'm concerned. Um... I definitely have a, a clear memory of seeing this movie. I did not rewatch it for the podcast Neither because I. I don't want to. Nevertheless, it's a great movie. Um, but I remember I was in uh, this must have been my I guess I must have been a senior uh, when I finally saw this on video later in the year. Mm-hmm. And I had a block of time in my school day where I really had kind of like a 90 minute or a two hour like break. So I I had I was in the AV club, which means you you deliver a VCR to a classroom and then you're done for <laughs> for yeah. 45 minutes or uh-huh. an hour 50 minutes, Good and times. then after that was lunch. So I was like, well, I kind of have time to watch a whole movie during the day. Uh, one day I watched Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. <laughs> that was the movie I watched in high all school, all by yourself, all by myself in the AV room, uh, and I was clearly like a lot of people just not prepared for it. I it was so raw it was so scary it was so unsettling and real and just viscerally disturbing in every way I walked around school with just in a daze <laughs> I, I couldn't look at anybody I couldn't just think I couldn't concentrate I was like what did I just experience I never want to experience that again and um, but I say all of that with as a compliment to it 
I mean, it achieved what it wanted oh, to achieve. Sure. It's a horror movie unlike anything I've seen since. I, I just I imagine like every teacher suddenly turning into Michael Rooker while you're oh sitting in God. class and just like <laughs> you're freaking out. But yeah. out of curiosity, what happened the next time you delivered a TV? Uh, <laughs> Otis, plug it in. Just smash it over somebody's <laughs> yeah. head. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, no, I saw and it it's a Chicago cable. movie. I saw <laughs> yes. it on cable. Yeah, it, it is. I saw it on cable late one night while my parents were asleep, yeah. and the home invasion sequence. Oh. Uh, it scarred me for life. Like yeah. I, I, to this day, it's like something that won't leave my head. Uh, so I, I, I attribute post-traumatic stress disorder to this movie. No, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. but but yeah, like uh, the fact that it was shot in Chicago, and I, my dad and I have driven down Lower Wacker Drive. Mm-hmm. because I, I, I know my dad had seen it too, and we talked about it, and just kind of went, "This is just wrong," but it's so effective. Mm-hmm. And and yet at the same time. A lot of this is based on real events. Not they don't think they didn't take place in Chicago. It was shot in Chicago, but uh, Henry Lee Lucas was a real dude. Yeah, and he did a lot of these crazy things, and it's really disturbing. And certainly, um, his friend Otis. Good lord, what a mm. despicable, horrible human being. Yeah, good lord. Um, yeah, this one will forever stay in my memory, and it's one of the most powerful movies about serial killers I've ever seen. I really don't have a lot to add. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I certainly don't have a story like Colin does. Uh, I saw it years later. Actually, mm-hmm. I, it, it took a while for me to for, to to get to it. And what what can you say? It's not it's not a pleasant watch. No, it just no. it just isn't a pleasant watch. And uh, yeah, it's it's in that category of like the Requiem for a Dream and like films that I am, I know are really good, but I just don't feel the need to mm-hmm. revisit. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the last couple of Halloweens, I've thought of putting it on, but I'm just like, you know, Why? I mean, there's no. nothing fun about that. I mean, like, yeah, I, mean, I yeah, want to yeah. have a good fun. I'm, I'm scary. Yes, can be fun. And fun scary can be fun, but like, there's nothing fun about that movie. And right. Yeah. But John McNaughton, great filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Yes, did a lot of good know, stuff yeah, over the years. He used to work more. Yeah, yeah, great. Wish, wish he worked more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know. I, I I did not rewatch Leatherface Texas Chainsaw <laughs> Massacre three. I did. Uh, did you? I didn't I get did. to. Okay. I didn't get to that one. But it's been re, it's been released on Blu-ray recently. Uh, again, right? Don't have a lot to say yeah. about <laughs> it. Uh, one one of the great teasers. Oh right. Some tales are told, then soon forgotten. But a legend is forever. Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Vigo Mortensen in this? Vigo Mortensen, yeah. There's some, I don't know why the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies attract talent especially the later <laughs> yeah. ones you know yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. like obviously mcconaughey and zelliger are now two oscar winners are in that that one that still i don't think has come out on blu-ray it was supposed hmm. to come out from shout factory and then it got like delayed because there were lawsuits and stuff like oh, that because they don't want hmm. that movie out there yeah <laughs> you know which is I, I don't know why i mean it's bad but it's just it's like, worse thing for them yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and vigo basically is in that realm he yeah. plays one of the psychos and uh, the lead in the movie is an actress named Kate Hodge, who had a. You know, she was actually in. A, she's actually in a Chicago Critics Film Festival movie called Beach Rats. She's the plays the mom in Beach Rats. Oh, huh. um, and she was on a t- television show uh, called She Wolf of London, which I watched. Mm. And uh, she's the love interest in Rapid Fire, the Brandon Lee 
movie. Oh, so right, right. I'm, you know, yeah. a little okay. bit of a fan of her. So I, I wanted to I'm go sure back sure. and rewatch it. Mm-hmm. It's just nothing there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's the it's it follows the exact same trajectory as the other movies. It doesn't have the you know the greatness of the original or the the exuberance of the second one, the, the nutty exuberance of the second one. Mm-hmm. And it's just it, you know. They find the family. They they chain them up. They do horrible things in front of them, and then they escape. The Great, end. yeah. You know, a well, more here, a more joyous horror comedy experience. We're going to talk about next. I was going to say, yeah, uh, Tremors. Yay. was just the first big surprise of this year. Um, a lot of fun, and it holds up. The fun, like uh, I watched it uh, over the summer, and. It's it it all still works. I mean, Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward are still a, a yeah. wonderful pairing. Um, it's a great case to be made for practical versus digital effects. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a lot of really well done effects in this movie. I mean, the the I mean, they really pulled off you know the whole concept of these worms that mm-hmm. are underground. They're like like the worms in Dune, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they get attracted to you know humans walking on the on the on the surface, and so you can't walk on the surface. Otherwise, you'll you'll get these worms chasing after you, and it's a it's a really fun concept, and and they they have a great time with it. This tiny little dirt town that you know, um, full of eccentrics and 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 gun nuts and mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, oh, Michael it's Gross, Michael Gross, and uh, Reba McIntyre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you, you bastard? That's, that's hilarious. That's made a awesome. career out of Tremors. I mean, Michael oh, that's Gross right. That's how this became a franchise. He was in all of them. Yeah, right? in the direct-to-video way, and yeah, yeah, I mean, you'd forget about those pretty much. But the original, yeah, it still holds up beautifully. It's it's yeah. it's an it's an incredibly fun movie. Uh, the old horror trope of getting all the people in one little location and how are they going to survive and outwit him. Um, I thought of the movie a lot when A Quiet Place came out. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, clearly an influence there, and I'm sure Krasinski would would admit to that too. Uh, has one of my favorite FU lines in movie history. I just that when Kevin Bacon just. <laughs> Yeah, just, yeah, that, just I love that so much. And my favorite line reading from him is, "Would you shut up?" <laughs> yeah, I saw this in the theater with friends and my dad, and we all had a blast. And you know, anytime there was a good horror comedy, my dad was on board, and this was one of them. And yeah, but the the chemistry between Bacon and Ward here is wonderful, and it's just yeah, it, it works on every in every way. Who was the director of this? Again? Ron Underwood. Who yeah. next year would do City Slickers. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Heart and souls later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So cool. we'll, we'll be mentioning Fred Ward's name a lot this year. Uh, yeah. I think. He's, yeah. He's good. A ton and of movies. Not so. Yeah. Exactly. And now comes the time where I recommend a bizarre oddity that isn't entirely successful, but Brain Dead. Have either of you seen Brain Dead? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's got Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton. Bill, one of yes. the reasons why you know got excited to watch it. But this was one I. Remember renting from the local video store when I lived in Indiana. Years later, I saw it, and to put it bluntly, it's just a mind fuck. <laughs> it's just a ridiculous, <laughs> weird, twisted mind fuck of a movie. And I like those kind of movies. I like puzzles. Uh, it kind of plays like a goofier, less coherent Shutter Island kind of, mm-hmm. kind okay. of a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I would never go on record as saying it's a great film, but it's like a Twilight Zone yeah. extended episode, and you have. Um, Bud Court being weird and wacky, shocking. Um, but if you're into like b- movies about brains and neuroscience and just like, you know, what is reality? That sort of thing. That's kind of my jam. How's every little floating thing? There is a limit, even to the imagination. 
Halsey was working on something big. Cornerstone technology. Where our greatest creations meet our deepest fears. People are so anxious to change their faces. What about their personalities? Their very souls? You are about to go beyond that limit. <laughs> the new you from Eunice. But even the greatest discoveries. You have a special brain, a very special brain. Have a price. You need those numbers. Your life. One in brain dead. She said anything about brain dead. So I, I like this movie well knowing it's not perfect. It's kind of flawed it's kind of you know messy i only took one note when i watched it and that was somebody saying that's my fucking brain <laughs> that's all i was like that's yeah all right, that's all you need to, rem- to yeah. remember this came out recently too on blu-ray i think for the first time and uh, i think it, it i thought it did I'll maybe i have to look that up yeah but i think i should just pick it up because i like it okay. <laughs> It's not high art, but I, I recommend well, anything it. with Bill Paxton. I will watch. Yeah, I yeah. didn't. I didn't happen to watch this one uh, for this show, but uh, long. It's like time eighty-five ago. minutes, and you know, yeah, it's simple. Yeah. It's I, yeah. I saw it so long ago, and I saw it like kind of fractured, so I don't remember a whole lot. It's a fractured about movie. It. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. All right, so that's it for January. Uh, I'm just looking yeah. down. I don't see. I don't know. Well, I I I do. I'm a, I'm a big Jane Campion fan. It's interesting oh, because right. like I thought. For some reason, I always thought An Angel at My Table was her debut, and that came out first. But apparently, this is this came out first, technically. Um, but borrow your list there. Yeah, Let's I just uh, my computer is not coming up. Let's hmm. See if there's anything here. I mean, I think Jane Campion's made a lot of really great, groundbreaking sort of feminist works that like are sure. just really interesting character studies with a lot of heart and pathos. That uh, it, for the most part, it's like it's the same same feeling I get when I watch a Mike Lee movie. They're just very authentic. And, you know, the, there's really interesting portrayals of disturbed people, but also trying to fit into the world in some way. And that's certainly the case with Sweetie and An Angel at My Table. It's just kind of about awkward people. Mm-hmm. And I like those types of movies. And, I mean, this is clearly like a debut. And certainly her films got better. And then we'll obviously get mm-hmm. to, you know, the one she won the Oscar for in a few years. But I still like Sweetie. I think it's okay. worth a look. No one has anything to say about internal affairs? That's right. Yeah, I, I did not get around to rewatching okay. it, but um, I this was uh, like it. Yeah, it was Mike Figgis uh, directed it. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Gere hadn't done it, hadn't been in anything in a while, and mm-hmm. so it was st- the start of what would be his comeback. But he would, you know, that would blow up later. We'll get to that. But uh, like I remember dirty, it being pretty good. Yeah, dirty yeah, cop movie. Yeah, no, yeah. it's it's a solid movie. Uh, Andy Garcia is another person that would come right. up a few times. Laurie uh, Metcalf's in it too. Laurie Metcalf plays the the, the partner right in the film. Um, Faye Grant from V is in it. That's why mm-hmm. I watch it and uh, shows a little more Faye Grant than I was used to. Um, <laughs> but no, it's 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 it's, it's a solid uh, it's a solid cop, dirty cop movie. Yeah, kind of how I feel about Unlawful Entry. You know, unlawful Entry is a little more of a guiltier yeah. pleasure. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. All right, so we move on to February then. I guess. Cool. Right. So. All right. Um, so one of the movies that is, has multiple release dates, release years associated with it is, uh, Cinema Paradiso. And, uh, here in the States, it came out February 2nd. I believe it was like soon after it won the Golden Globe for best foreign film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I remember seeing it. Uh, I, I remember one day taking my parents' van out and just like heading north to. I, I wanted to explore other suburbs, and I just like took the van. I just like I'm just going to go for a drive and and 
land somewhere. And I'd never really been to the North Shore suburbs before. And I, I and I, that's why I discovered the Wilmette Theater. And I thought that was cool because Wilmette was an art house theater. <laughs> and I'd seen it ads for it in the paper and everything. And I had no clue where Wilmette was. I had no idea what, what that suburb was. And I was like, and oh, now good. You, there's now a, you work there. Now there's, <laughs> no, yeah, now, well, Winnetka, but yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah, I get them next door. all the time. No, I know. They, it's, but, uh, but it was like cool because I was like, oh, there's an art house movie I can, theater I can drive to. This is awesome. Yeah. And they show foreign films and things like that and i was kind of into that so um so that was that, that was my memory of seeing cinema paradiso in in the theater and uh watched it recently a lot of it holds up a lot of it's really just schmaltzy that yeah to the degree that i like kind of go mm, that's a bit much um <laughs> main, my main problem with it is the actor who plays the, the little kid as a teenager I he's, agree. Yeah. He, he's just like the weak link. Yeah. The, 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 the like dream boat sort of <laughs> mugging for the camera. Mm-hmm. Like he's got that, yeah. like almost like blinking his eyes, you know, like in the come hither sort of way. And I'm just like, dude, pull, just, uh, pull no, yeah, no, yeah, just yeah. Uh, get, find somebody else for this part. Um, I like the little kid, but I don't, right. I, yeah. Uh, and I like all the stuff. That with, between the little kid and 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 the projectionist and like all that stuff that is stuff beautiful. Is the best for sure. Yeah, and I, I I think there's a lot of wonderful stuff in this movie, but some of it eh, I could do without. Yeah, I like this one. Never 100 percent loved it. Um, yeah. it's a little slow, but yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I, I like Italian neo realist films are just a little bit of a blind spot for me. But I obviously I relate to. I mean. We all worked in a movie theater, right? You worked in a movie theater? Video stores only, yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I just, the the relationship, like you said, with the projectionist is definitely the strongest stuff. And when you grow up falling in love with movies, this kind of speaks Mm -hmm. to you right away. And the final payoff at the end when he find when he plays the the, the reel of all the (laughs) scenes that were edited out is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's just delightful. (laughs) I will have more to add about some of these movies. No, I know. I know. I mean, oh, I know. Besides sure. Leatherface, of course. <laughs> I actually, some of my notes for some of the comedies, though, coming up are just, yuck. That's yeah, it. That's right. all I got. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, uh, Paul Brickman uh, had oh. his follow-up to Risky Business. A nurse went to work on my brother. Would you like a Pellegrino? Is that beer? You're really sweet. I'll get you a juice. My mom went to work on her career. I am interested in food. I love food. I know food. I eat food. Lunch. In that one year, everything seemed to change. Now hold still. Don't move. You know, I don't know what your story is, but why don't you hit the streets and find a nice little ten-year-old, and then you can really go to town. I really don't want you in my house if you can't treat us with some degree of courtesy. It was the year my brother and I became men. It was the year my mom found out. Uh, men, men don't, don't leave. leave with Jessica Lange and Arliss Howard and Joan Cusack, Chris O'Donnell. Charlie Corsmo, a little kid actor who's yeah. uh, kind of burst on the scene this mm-hmm. year, and um, I don't know. I, I got I'm really mixed on this movie. Oh, mixed? Huh? Yeah, Interesting. Okay. I'm, mm. I'm, I I, I don't, don't like. buy the Joan Cusack stuff. I don't buy her character. I don't buy any of it. I don't. 
buy that she's attracted to Chris O'Donnell. I don't buy. She's a manic pixie dream girl kind of I don't character. Like, and, and, and not in a way that I like. I just, I, there's something like kind of forced and mannered about her character and about how she asserts herself in mm-hmm, it. I mm-hmm. just, and uh, the stuff, I just think, I think there's so much strong stuff in the first hour of this yeah. movie. I think it falls apart whenever uh, the um, Joan Cusack character comes in. I just, uh, the way she just magically cures Jessica Lang's depression um, isn't yeah. something I I I I, I, I couldn't I buy that, that either, and I just was like, Ugh. and Chris O'Donnell's a dick in this movie, and I just drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, no, but like, I mean, I know he's kind of supposed to be, but uh, but in a way that I was like, I kind of don't care about him, um, and it just feels like there's some missing scenes that would help. Maybe that I just I don't know I I I was kind of disappointed when I when I watched this movie last time I watched it, it still works for me okay I I now feel bad that I didn't get a chance to revisit this movie because I <laughs> this is the one that was really high on my list that I wanted to revisit but yeah. I, it's not hard easy to find yeah. it isn't and uh, it's I not screen- on Blu-ray I watched uh, it on Amazon be. I rented yeah. it on Amazon okay. I got I wouldn't say. This is true consistently for the whole movie, but there are James L. Brooks like moments in oh, sure. this, you know, that really work for me. And I, yeah, I, lo- I love Jessica Lange in this. And I She's think, great, you know, Charlie Corsmo. And I, I can, I can see, you know, finding the Chris O'Donnell stuff. Eh. <laughs> he's he's never been like the most appealing presence in general for no. me. Uh, just more more of a tool. But, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Chicago Zone. Yeah. Sorry, Chris, if you're listening. Uh, yeah, I, I, I. But I want to like it. I, I know mean, that's the thing. It's like, like the, I love Joan Cusack so much. Yeah, and I want Paul Brickman to make more movies. Me and too. I, uh, Not with this review. <laughs> he's a great director. He absolutely is. I mean, he, oh, he, sure. he's got lovely. There's so many lovely scenes in this movie, and the Thomas Newman score is phenomenal. Oh, yeah, I, yes, like, yeah, that, yeah, it's yes. really beautiful. Like some great sequences. Yeah, and towards just, the end, I get choked up with when they're when they finally when you when they all reunite in like the doghouse or something outside. Is it out? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that, that's a great scene. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's it still works for me. I I don't know. I know. It's not risky business level amazing. No, no I just I just remember really having I, I just remember having a really good screenplay. I, yeah. I, don't know, I mean yeah, I, I, I didn't have those issues with the characters uh, that that the Colin did, and I just I, the balloon stuff is the only thing that I remember kind of going. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that thing. And it was like, oh, okay. And isn't Kathy Kathy Bates is in this too? Oh right? yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but like all the stuff, like I really feel like that the whole stuff with the lottery stuff that goes on in the movie with the kid mm-hmm. that really i mean not that that happened to me but i <laughs> that situation i can I, see I've you seen relating that. to uh, that like, in I, some I, way i i understand exactly what that mm-hmm. kid's yeah, going yeah, through yeah. right now yeah um so i really responded to that uh but it has it has been a few years since i watched it and i've just built up in my mind just like yeah that's a really good movie that not a lot of people see and and clearly it's not because colin hates it no 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 <laughs> Watch it. You might. You might love it. I no, just. I, I, just I agree with. Yeah, Joan, Joan Cusack is not the cure all for depression. <laughs> it's, it's not, I, as much as I like for to yourself, think, sir. I don't know. Well, 
Let's see. She's well, when, when Jessica Lange confronts her finally, I'm totally yeah. on Jessica Lange's side. Yeah, I'm just yeah. like, yeah, who the hell are you? Like, what's your deal? What's your problem? And yeah, you never. That's never, fine. Mm. That's good too. Yeah. Well, yeah. but isn't, he, isn't just, Chris but, O'Donnell under? Uh, is he 18 or? He, under? No, he's like way underage. He's like 15. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that that is problematic. And, she, and then <laughs> and she tells Joan Keys like, why don't you go find yourself a nice 10 year old instead? Yeah. Like, what do yeah. you what you know? I'm just like, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why. That's, I that's why I don't buy it. That's why it's interesting. Any port in a storm. Anyway, um, <laughs> heart condition, yuck. Ugh. Why? You really, that one you watched? Uh, yeah. Did you go back to that one? I, I, Just because of the Hoskins and mm-hmm. Denzel. Yeah, no, I was curious. Yeah. It's a weird movie. It is a very weird movie. It doesn't movie. know what it wants to be. No. It's like, yeah. it thinks it's about racism, but it's, it also wants to be wacky. And yeah. mm-hmm. uh, it's got the weirdest score of the year. It's like all these weird chants going on. A lot of ghost movies this year. A lot yeah, of ghost right. comedies, yeah. kind yeah. of. Weird. 1990s version of the thing with two heads. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, this is awful. No, it's it's a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh God. Do I have to talk? <sighs> How far are you going here? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't want. Think to. of speaking of awful, awful comedies. But we're skipping year. over one thing here. <laughs> you, okay, What's the one so thing we want? You're not talking about flashback. With Dennis Hopper. And oh, we missed that one. We yeah. I, I rewatched that. that. Okay. I need women. I need drugs. I need drink. I need something, man. It was supposed to be an ordinary prisoner transfer. I'm a federal agent, and this man is my prisoner. So, brother, I am just like you, a prisoner of the system. But this... Can I bring you? How about a hacksaw? <laughs> Only kidding. <laughs> ...was no ordinary prisoner. I went and slipped some acid in your mineral water. <laughs> What did you say? Hey, don't you worry. I'm not going to let you trip alone. I dropped a couple of tabs myself. In the next two days, John Buckner, FBI, will have his identity stolen. You know, you look like... It's kind of Midnight Run esque in a little. Oh, it's bit. oh, it's it's Midnight Running all over the place. Okay, and and that's when it's at its weakest. Mm-hmm. Actually, I mean, I think the setup is is really good. Dennis Hopper is and this old this hippie, uh, a revol you know kind of a revolutionary guy or like he thought he was, and people really followed him. Uh, but people have forgotten about him, and now he does. He's taken on this. He's being. He's caught. Someone drops a dime on him. He's caught. The FBI picks him up and is transporting him to jail. Kiefer Sutherland plays the real conservative guy that the FBI agent, and he hijacks him. He, you know, he. Right. Okay. Uh, uh, Switching drugs identities, him. kind of. A yeah. Thing. He he drugs him and whatnot, and then he takes his clothes and whatnot, and that and that's where it starts to get a little interesting because you think it's going to be just a series of mistaken identity mm-hmm. stuff. He ends up running into <laughs> two uh, hippies that have be, kind of become like, like baby boomers and whatnot. That they kind of be. Come yuppies a little bit, uh, played by Michael McKeaton and Ray- Richard Mazur. And their stuff is really funny. Like, there's something on the jukebox called Inks. What is that? <laughs> um, and so, and then they kidnap him, and he's like, okay, this is going down a route I don't really mm-hmm. want to see. But then it, it starts to get a little interesting because then it delves into like Kiefer Sutherland's past, and you find out that he actually grew up on like a commune kind of area, oh. and that he you know, has kind of rejected, pushed that part of him inside. Mm-hmm. And then when the two of them start to come together over that, it becomes a bit more interesting. There's a whole subplot with Cliff DeYoung as a kind of a, a corrupt agent who's trying to run for uh, public office now. And he's, that stuff is very over the top and not particularly good. But the stuff between Hopper and Sutherland still won me over. The, that that middle section of the movie, and Carol Kane is also very good in the movie, um, 
And yeah, it, it ultimately works for me. It, I mean, it's it's trying to be Midnight Run a lot, mm-hmm. and when it shifts away from that, it actually becomes something a little bit more interesting. So it's, it's not a giant recommendation, but it it did win me over. Well, that's oh, good. cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I I skipped over it thinking it was just I don't know. Um, just I I for some reason I prioritized this next movie we're going to talk about because I'd never seen it and I heard it was. I- it was. Yeah. It lived up to its reputation as being a truly awful film. It, and that's how, loose, did, how did this get made? Yeah, Loose Cannons. Uh, Dan Aykroyd and Gene Hackman, directed by Bob Clark. You have very strong-looking thighs for a white man. I like that. Yeah. But nothing could prepare him for his new partner's personality problem. Will your cat always be coming on assignments with us? Oh, just very special ones. A multiple personality problem. Ah! Are you guys really cops? I'm a cop. I don't know what the hell he is. You feel lucky, punk. I'm annoying you, aren't I? That's a teensy little bit, really. Wacky buddy cop comedy about mental illness. and A couple years ago, Jim, you were talking about how you don't like Dan Aykroyd comedies, and this is definitely one to point to. We got one next year that I just don't even want to go near. Yeah, well, this is, I mean... (laughs) The first, like, the first 10 or 15 minutes of this movie, not terrible. <laughs> no. And I was, like, watching going, oh, this is, an o- this is okay. I mean, it's not good, but it's not terrible. But once Dan Aykroyd first does his first multiple personality, personality. Yeah. That's it, when you just go, oh, no. In the, oh, in God. The, in oh, the bar. No. Yeah. I was like, this is totally problematic. Oh, awful. I can't watch this. And <laughs> horrible dialogue in this thing. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. That's There's what, like a lot of poop and pee jokes. Yeah. And, he gets coming out of Gene Hackman. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's not even, so sad. Yeah. Oh, my God. Gene Hackman had a minor string here where he was doing like really lame cop comedies he's, mm-hmm. he's got one i think it's the next year where he does one with mikhail barishnikov oh yeah that's right oh god i think that's i think that's 91 you're, company you might, yeah i think you're right, right. yeah, yeah. Um, please never watch this movie people it's no. offensive <laughs> no just offensively bad it, it, it could offensively be. bad or offensive because there's a lot of stuff we could talk about. i think there's offensive might come up a few times on this show <laughs> well yeah uh, I, I think so yeah, offense, and I'll just I'll well, just like the mental just, mental health. Okay, just like yeah. turning multiple into personalities, like, not funny. No, it's not. It's well, not. It's, it's not. I mean, this movie isn't really about that. It's just yeah. there's a guy who just likes to do wacky voices and characters. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, that's right. not. Yeah, he's, it's not yeah. an accurate portrayal of yeah. it in any way. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's gross. <laughs> yeah, um, I tried watching Madhouse. I know you're a fan, right? Well. Okay, let's okay. let's pump the brakes a little bit. Back in the day, I thought it was really funny. Yeah, I did rewatch it again after you came and go on. No, I just I couldn't finish it. Oh, you didn't finish it? No, oh, okay. I was just like I couldn't. I was like I I got nothing here. I I'm just like man, somebody somebody was in charge of this movie. Yeah, somebody had to make this. Where does it go like bad for you? No, it, like, it just was ten... I, it was not that it went bad at one point where I just had to turn it off. I was just I was so disinterested okay. in how even bad it was. Okay. It was like I was like I can't give this my time anymore. I gotta okay. I gotta I gotta go. I didn't give it my time. Yeah, I I, I, I gave it my time, <laughs> and I'll just say that my enthusiastic review from 1990 not as enthusiastic anymore. Yeah. Um, it, it's um, it's it's. You know, I, I think casually racist comes up a lot in, <laughs> oh, God. In, in these things. And like Kirstie Alley's sister, I don't even know if you got to Kirstie Alley's sister in the movie. Maybe. Allison LaPlaca, who basically was in like every 
canceled Fox show at this time. Uh, <laughs> she plays Kirstie Alley's uh, sister. I mean, this is right in the, the, the middle of NBC's Thursday Night lineup. Mm-hmm. So this is Cheers, Kirstie Alley, and Night Court, John Larroquette. Okay. Uh, and yeah, I mean, her, her sister is married to um, a gentleman of Arab descent, mm-hmm. uh, and she's a gold digger. So there's a lot of casual mm. oh, name dropping of what he is because he won't give her money oh, kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Um, so there's that. And, you know, Dennis Miller, back when I thought Dennis Miller, I still like Dennis Miller. Mm. You know. Yeah. But. Playing the wacky best friend, right? He's not even that wacky. He's not no. even that wacky. He, he's almost a straight man compared to Larry Kett. <laughs> right, the movie. right, right, right. Um, there's, there's a couple moments that are, there's a good line here, a good line there kind of thing. Yeah. But. Um, you know, I you know I don't I don't hate the movie. Okay. I mean it's yeah the casually racist stuff, eh, you yeah. know. But <laughs> uh, but no, I, I but I watched all the way through. Okay, <laughs> you're a better man than I am. I yeah. guess. Was Kristen no. ever in a good movie besides the Star Trek movie? Run away. Run away fast as you can. I don't I mean, I maybe I should maybe good is too strong a word. Yeah, I don't uh, think but, I ever saw uh, that one. You never saw Run with Gene Simmons so. and the Mechanical Spiders? No. no Tom Selleck? No, you never s- wait. I've seen you it. Ne- you never seen Runaway? No. Oh. Oh. There's there's some I've missed along the way. That was 83? 84. Hmm. 84. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's also yeah. I mean I like Michael Crichton. Well, no. yeah, but this, that's not the way to do it. <laughs> okay. right. it's a movie. No. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. No, but, it's but, a ridiculous it's, movie, but yeah. it's kind of a guilty as you, it's yeah. worth it's worth sitting down and investigating. Yeah. So the the next film that we're going to talk about here, Quentin Tarantino thinks it's Tony Scott's masterpiece. Revenge? Yeah. I'm going on a vacation, man. I'm not going to work for anybody, all right? <laughs> it's good to see you. Anthony Quinn is a man who loves his power. This is Mireya. My wife. This is Jay. My friend. Oh. He's told me a lot about you. She was the last thing in the world he wanted. Do you think my wife is beautiful? Hi. Hello. What do you want me to say? Of course. What are you doing here? Well, the truth is I was... Until she became the only thing in the world he wanted. Do you feel the way I feel? I don't know that I have the right to feel anything. Because a woman like that... Forget about right or wrong. Do almost anything to keep her. When love turns to obsession... For a long time, I didn't let myself want anything. This is what we don't do. We don't forget who we are. We don't forget where we are. You think that you're taking another man's wife? There are no rules. I love you. Shall I have him killed? Uh, no, I found good. it. I found it pretty dull. Didn't care about the romance between these two people. They're making limeade, and it's supposed to be sexy. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, is it lemonade or was it? No, they were doing something with limes. I can't yeah, remember what they were making. Well, it was probably like a margarita, right? I don't know. It, was, it probably was. I, th- I felt like they were doing something else with it, but I can't remember. What I remember about this movie because I remember I, I, I've always thought it's a very ugly movie. Yeah, and I, you it's know, one one really thing ugly. I like is revenge, but this is actually a very ugly movie. And, yeah, and it's uh, kind of anticlimactic. Like that. Oh, it definitely is. And it, just it, like, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're, I mean, you name your. T- I mean, we there, we had a good movie called Revenge that played our film festival. Indeed, a that's a much better that's movie. a much better movie. Uh, but this one, like the first half, I mean, it takes a long time to actually get to the point where someone's actually going to do revenge. Right. You know, it's like an hour. And, in, and, yeah, and Madeline Stowe was taking off her clothes in every movie she was in at this point in her career. Yeah, and every character is like, "Isn't she beautiful? Isn't she beautiful? Isn't she?" I'm like, "Well, compared to every other guy in the movie, yes." It's she's. I mean, she's of course, a striking, I, I understand. You know, that, but it's just like presence and whatnot. Enough already, guys. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> and Kevin Costner is cost. You know, he's doing his yeah, Costner yeah, yeah. thing and whatnot. This um, kind of broke his 
box office streak that he had going. It did. Um, yeah. He gets it back. He though. gets it back big Pretty, time. Big time. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk uh, who's um, the actor that he was? He was in. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Oh my gosh, RoboCop. Miguel. Miguel Fer- Ferrer. He's George good. Clooney's cousin. He's the only thing I like. I want. I want to watch a movie with his character because he's really interesting. He just yeah. shows up, kind of as a hitman character. Yeah. And he's interesting, along with his sidekick John Leguizamo. Like I, I, I oh, want to see that Leguizamo's movie. movie. I want to see the movie with those two guys going around hanging mm. out. I just, I, I, yeah, I was like, why does Tarantino love this movie so much? I know there's two different versions of it, and actually, I think the director's cut is shorter. I think so. Might be one of those cases, yeah. but eh, yeah, I, 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 it felt, off. I had no need to. I mean, I, I'm versed enough in this movie, rem- remembering it to not have yeah, to. It's not very it good. No, it's not. Same with Nightbreed. Not very good. Yeah. I'm actually a fan of most things Clive Barker, but this one is a bit of a mess. It's kind of fun to see Cronenberg act. Yes, that's the best thing in it. That's the best thing in it. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I'm not one of them. I'm here to destroy them. See, I've cleaned up a lot of breeders. Families like cesspools. Filth making filth making filth. And I did it over and over and over again. But it was all leading me here. I was born to destroy Boone and the breed together. You're crazy. No, I'm death. Plain and simple. I think um, this is the only Clive Barker thing that I like. Yeah? Yeah. I've I think not- the lead is pretty weak. Uh, I mean, I'm, Well, Craig the, the, Sheffer's always weak. But it's... Yeah, and the, 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 that's true. Yeah, the the creatures design are really cool. Yes. The, the town of Midian's really cool. I like yeah. you know, I, I like elements of it, but just it never came across as a very satisfying experience for okay. me in general. Yeah, like, I mean, I I'd, I'd sooner watch Lord of Illusions again. <laughs> See, Lord of Illusions loses me halfway through. I think Lord of Illusions is interesting, and yeah. then it, when it kind of gets into its third act, it loses me. I can see that. Yeah. sure. but nah, this one's again another case of director's cut. I remember seeing the the like they did a version of it at the Portage Theater where the cut they showed had all the footage that was like still VHS quality. Yeah. Right. I was just like I remember that. What? I'm watching a whole <laughs> other movie all of a sudden. It was re- and it was you couldn't hardly tell what was going on. But now you can get the actual restored version on yes. Blu-ray from Shot and Factory. I'll, I'll give that a look at some point in the future. I, I still haven't sat down to watch that version. Yeah, it'll take two whole hours, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah it's I'm long. curious yeah. about it because I like Barker's work as a writer, especially. But I just really like the world building. Yeah, I really like the the the, the idea of it, and it's uh, very Del Toro esque at times. Certainly. Uh, especially with some of the creatures here. Yeah. So. It's cool. It's mm-hmm. I mean, I I'm just it's always been like two and a half stars for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you guys watch Mountains on the Moon? Do you guys see no. that movie? No, I I did, not. I, I did not. It's an interesting movie. I think Ebert um, really liked it. Yeah, a lot of people really liked it back in the day. I think yeah. today I don't think it would play as well. It's very it's like pro colonialism. Like it celebrates oh. it, you know, to the degree okay. where it's just like, oh, really? Um, it's too bad. I mean, it, it it's directed by Bob Raffleson, uh, shot by Roger Deakins. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, those are so it looks, yeah, it. It, it, it looks great. Uh, the you know production value is fantastic. Um, but you just kind of watch it going, oh yeah, I, I can see why this is still kind of buried. Is Patrick Bergen? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Um, uh, the one I wanted to bring up really quickly is speaking parts. I'm a huge okay. Adam Egoyan fan, um, um, and it's 
It's been a while since he's made something substantial, that's for sure. But it's it's a really interesting slow burn of a movie that's a lot like Sex Lies and Videotape. A mm. lot like it. Or Vim Vender's The End of Violence. It's kind of just about mm. the distance of that's cr- you know created with modern technology, and especially video cameras. Mm. So it's got that going for it. It's mm. really interesting. There's a character that works in a video store, so of course he's a lonely, isolated nerd. <laughs> and there's an aspiring actor and um, a woman who just lost her brother, and they all sort of you know intermingle in sexual ways at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 almost like his blueprint for exotica like clearly he would go on to make an even better version of this with exotica uh so if you like exotica i would recommend checking this out for sure it's 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 very interesting all right um well i i know i certainly didn't watch two steven seagal movies back to back for us not to talk about hard to kill (laughs) um go for it (laughs) (laughs) oh kelly lebrock is in kelly lebrock is in when they were dating or married I can't remember if they're married or dating at the time. I remember kind of liking this one. Really? I think so. You should watch it again. Okay. Well, you'll change your mind real I quick. I can't remember which Steven Seagal movies are actually okay-ish. That's, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the list. Above okay. the Law. Yeah. Is, that, no, that is, one's the best is one. solid. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I have a soft spot for Out for Justice because I think William Forsythe is a really crazy villain in that movie. Okay, I'll watch that one. Uh, and Under Siege, of course. Yeah. You know, okay. So like, no, that's, 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 that's the list. Okay. Uh, these middle ones that we're going to get into in 1990, not so much. Okay. Um, and the Hard to Kill, Hard to Kill has a real weird pro Oscars slant to it. Like the opening of the movie is actually set during like the night of like the Oscars. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's really weird. It's like you, Steven Seagal is a cop and he uh, is like on this case. He hears, uh, William Sadler, who's uh, running for office, he hears him and part of some big gun deal or drug deal. I don't remember what the deal was, but it was bad. Hmm. Okay. And he gets him on tape, and then he goes to a liquor store, and of course, someone tries to rob the liquor store, and then he beats the crap out of because that's what you do. I remember him being in a coma with a beard at one point. That's, that, that's how it, ha- it eventually happens is that people yeah. know he was on the case. They try to they kill him, they kill his wife, almost kill his child. Uh, then he's in a coma. Kelly LeBlanc is like the weird nurse that kind of watches over him and is kind of like sexy. Like, to, like she's like weird, like weirdly no, sexy. No, not her. Yeah, she's like weird. No, well, to, yes, physically presence, yes. But like weirdly like doing like weird sexy talk like to him and stuff. And it's like it's weird. Uh, and then, of course, they, you know, later on. But anyway, uh yeah, it's just it's a it's a boring movie. Oh, okay, it is. A, I mean, is it, I remember you know, renting it and thinking this is interesting. Well, it's but like every, you know, every once in a while he breaks someone's arm. Yeah, you know? I mean, <laughs> that's, which is what he that's his that's the only move he really has. Mm-hmm. Uh, so was, he was kind of lazy back then before he got okay. giant and fat and you know sued and everything. And gross. Yeah, okay. uh, but no, it's just it's just a boring because like nothing that middle section nothing happens. Right, like nothing happens in that whole middle section. He's trying to press a piece together and then he you know he beats the crap out of William Sadler at the end. Mm. You know, so. Do, does, that, does anybody in the film spontaneously combust, though? Oh, that's no. right. Spontaneous combustion by the great Toby Hooper. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, no. No. <laughs> yeah, no. No, it's not. Define the great just, Toby Hooper. Yeah. I like a lot of Toby Hooper's movies. You're going to upset Patrick Bromley if he's listening I'm to I'm one this. of the very yeah. few people in the world that loves Invaders from Mars. And that's just uh, it's personal. There's personal stuff mm, going sure, on behind that We're going to get to a few of those this Trip yeah, 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 yeah. But I love I'd, the I love the original Invaders from Mars very much. So oh sure, yeah. That I I, I like them both. I'm weird. Like um, 
But we can skip over that and get to the movie that in March c- has consistently put me to sleep, and I can't Jeez. explain. I can't explain why. I don't. Know. I am convinced that like opium somehow comes out of the screen into, and I inhale it because I always fall asleep when I try to watch The Hunt for Red October. I don't mm. understand. I, I don't that. understand it either because <laughs> I fall. I fell asleep at the theater, and I tried watching it, and I fell asleep again. I did watch it. I finally completed it, <laughs> and I like it fine. Congratulations. It's good. It's good. It's good. I don't think oh, it's no, great. Oh, no, it's good. Oh, now it's, it's good. good. Oh, well, no, I think it's yeah, good. That was a surprise. Wait, yeah, I, geez, wait a I minute. did not see that coming. <laughs> well, I'm just talking about my first couple of experiences okay. with it. Um, I, you're not alone. I When I saw it in the theater, I was... I couldn't follow it because I just, I don't know. I, I just like, I, I've never, I was expecting, it was like, oh, John McTiernan, he'd made Die Hard. This will be yeah. like Die Hard on a submarine. Right. This is going to be awesome. And it's got Sean Connery and Alec Baldwin, who's this cool actor. He's been in a lot of cool movies so far. And by the way, this is like, made, this is the movie that pretty much made him a star at this point. He's been mo- right. mainly in supporting actor yes. roles. This is the one that kind of propelled him to And then uh, he started that immediately. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's the Red October. This thing could park a couple of hundred warheads off Washington or New York, and no one would know anything about it. Captain's name is Ramius. Trained most of their attack boat skippers. The Russians call him the Vilnius Schoolmaster. Just before he sailed, he posted a letter in which he announced his intention to fire his missiles on the United States. I, I just wasn't ready for a Tom Clancy kind of uh-huh. thing. Like that language, that, that uh-huh. sort of, uh, yeah, I'm not a Tom, I'm not yeah, a Tom I just, guy. it was like, I, I kind of tuned out after a while. It wasn't until recently when I, I rewatched it again and uh really got more involved in it and really was able to follow it and really i i enjoyed this movie uh quite a bit now so yeah it's pretty good awesome. and it just came out yeah. in 4k just it like literally just this week 4K. this week I think. um you know i've I've, i just i have a kind of a personal fun history to this movie because um it was like the book came out i don't know, like in 88 maybe mm-hmm. something like around that time and uh, my mom, who worked at the Veterans Administration at the time, uh, was always going to like gift shops. She was always she would bring home movie rentals from the VA, and I would oh, watch wow. them. And I would then she'd bring them back to work and whatnot. Uh, but she was always trying to get me to read this book, The Hunt for October. She's yeah, she's just always trying to get me to read this book, The Hunt for October. And I was just I was busy with my sports and school and whatnot. I, was like, I don't have time to read stuff that's not on the. It's my assignment list mm-hmm. right now, you know. And she's like, oh, okay. And she never, she didn't buy it for me, but she kept trying to get me, get me, get me to read it. And then one day I'm just like, hey, mom, guess what's coming to the theaters? <laughs> the Hunt for October. <laughs> Let's go see it. And mm-hmm. my mom and I went to see The Hunt for October, and I, I, I was totally into it okay. back then, uh, and still am. I mean, 30, 30 years has not, uh, has not waned with this movie at all. I think it is beautifully directed it's really tight uh i grant you everything about tom clancy because i did out of respect for my mom did start to go go back and read the book afterwards and it's it's clancy's tough Mm -hmm. he is because it's it's so technical yeah it's so technical and the movie 
has that in it, but it cuts through that to get you the characters and the intrigue and mm-hmm. uh, all the different. Like, I mean, it's a movie with so much geography and so many moving parts. Uh, it's very and that's dense. why, and it's, I think it's so beautifully uh, directed and edited, uh, and has a, you know ends kind of a great period in McTiernan's career, right? Before things really went off the rails afterwards. But uh, Connery is good in it. Baldwin is great. In the movie, I mean, he's still, I think, the best Jack Ryan we've ever had. It's very interesting the transition from Russian to English in this movie because they like literally zoom in on somebody's mouth. Yes, which was, which was a trick that a lot of movies were, was doing at the time. Mm. Um, McTiernan did it in something else, I think, or or it was done. In, it was actually done in the next Clancy movies. I think it's done in Patriot Games as oh, well, really? where yeah, they no zoom in on some a mouse or a, you know or some object or whatnot, hmm. and then they go to you know the other thing. Um. Yeah, and I still remember the the actor who plays the the saboteur in the movie. Uh, okay. okay. Uh, years later, I would see him uh, with a friend of mine who was a huge Red October fan, and we would see him walking around the the film festival. And every time we walk, we saw him, we would just go, "It's the goddamn cook!" <laughs> <laughs> every time. <laughs> But and, no, I, and, I, and I think the movie's great. And you're hosting mm-hmm. a screening of it. I don't know if people will hear this in time, but yes, yeah, but will. I will at March 11th if you're listening right now, and it's not oh, March yeah. 11th yet. It'll, it'll be, no, it'll be out by then yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Colin, oh boy, we can step out of the room for a bit. <laughs> <You're> just, <laughs> yeah, do a monologue. You're gonna have to stop me in my tracks, probably. Um, I don't want this to go on forever. This is a but very special movie in a lot oh, of ways. Okay. Yeah, um, just like Coup de Ville. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Joe. What's with the shoe? Those are my soul. Yeah. Until one day, he found out his life was over. I'm not sick except for this terminal disease. That's right. You have some time left, Mr. Banks. Live it well. And that's... Joe Banks? When his adventure began. You and I might be able to help each other. I want to hire you. Jump into a volcano. Total red carpet situation. It's wine, women, and song in the sweetest little paradise you ever saw. A real journey. Are you Joe Banks? Yeah. Warner Brothers presents Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Joe, Joe, Joe Banks, in the story of a man, a mountain, and a miracle. Take me to the volcano! On March 10th, 1990, uh, Saturday night, um, I was a very sad teenager, having one of those sad weekends. And for some reason, I wanted I, I well, not for some reason, I wanted to go see uh, the, 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 the movie theater uh, near me finally got Henry V, the Kenneth Branagh movie from 1989. Right. And I was like, oh, cool. I can finally see that movie. It's been it, it made it out to the suburbs. Great. So I went on that night uh, to go see it. And about, I don't know, half hour into it, I just just like. I am not, I can't do Shakespeare right now. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just not in the mood. I'm just 
I, I don't know. I don't know what I was so sad about, but I guess, you know, like I'm junior in high school to pick something, right. you know? Yeah, I mean, no, there's, there's plenty like, of things. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so I left the theater and I was like, well, this Joe versus the Volcano is starting at 7 o'clock. Uh, it's gotten mixed reviews. Ebert really likes it. Dave Kerr likes it. Dan Geyer and Siskel, two and a half stars. But it's written by John Patrick Shanley, who wrote Moonstruck and Five Corners. I'm just going to put my brain on this for a while. And, you know, I had low expectations going in because, I mean, I mean, mixed expectations. I wanted it to be great because I've Shanley and I, of course, I love Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Um, but the trailer just wasn't great. It was not a you that's know, true. Yeah, I remember. It that, just yeah. was kind of like looks like fluff. So I was like, well, it's you know, I'll just go sit in this because I'm more in the mood for something light than something heavy. And I just remember the feeling of the first the opening sequence. And I was like, this is amazing. This is unbelievably funny and unique. And I I was laughing my head off because Tom Hanks was so miserable. (laughs) And it was but it was like a funny it was like poking. It was like a funny misery that I was like, this is hilarious. And yet I know exactly how he feels. And it's kind of I'm kind of like able to laugh at my own misery because he's even more miserable, and it's in a really <laughs> funny, absurdist kind of way. Yeah, it starts off very Gilliam esque, very Gilliam esque, very Fritz Lang Metropolis yeah. kind of thing yeah, yeah. going, and which is like the last thing in the world I expected from this movie. And then it just kept it it just kept uh, getting it just kept speaking to me more, and the characters were having conversations that I hadn't heard in movies before about the big questions of life and, you know, the door to the universe is you and, you know, uh, everyone you meet is asleep. Um, and all just like, it wasn't, this movie gets a lot of the, the criticism I hear from this movie is that the pacing is off for a comedy and it's, and I don't see that because I can't see it. I'm not saying it's not there. I'm just saying I, I, every scene in this movie matters to me. It doesn't, it's not every, it's not going for laugh out loud gags in every moment. Mm-hmm. Like it is kind of in the opening sequence. Um, it's a movie that creates its own world. Um, even though it's, it's grounded in, in, in New York and Los Angeles. Um, but it is, uh, still unlike anything I've ever seen before. And it's been kind of an obsession with me for, for the past 30 years. I, I'm, I, I, I've been thinking about this for the last month. Like, how am I going to talk about this movie when we get to it? And I just like yesterday, I'm like, I've been, I'm obsessed with Joe versus the volcano. I have been for the last 30 years. It's a movie I never, uh, have gotten away from. It's always been there for me. It's always been this source. I, I've got a lot of stories associated with seeing it and with other people who have seen it and connected with it. And you could do uh, a whole podcast. I really could. Yeah. I honestly could. Um, um, I and all the little I notice something different in it every time I see it. I notice an echo. There's a lot of visual echoes that go on with it. You know, the zigzag symbol is the chief among them. Um, a lot of dialogue uh, that recur recurs and and this, I've I've read so many think pieces on this movie that dissect it and analyze it. And it's like, man, it's so unfair the way this movie was marketed, and it's so unfair that a lot of people dismiss it. Um, yeah. As just, you know, this part of Tom Hanks career where he wasn't making a lot of hits and he was doing a lot of, 
you know, uh, some would say, you know, mediocre movies. Uh, this and is it's my Meg f- Ryan's best performance. It's, like, I really I, feel that way. Like, I agree her, with that. I agree with that too. Um, it's my favorite Tom Hanks movie, obviously, the way I'm talking. Um, and watching it again last night. Uh, for the first time in many years. You um, need a refresher? Yeah, no, I was just like, I want to end this 1990 thing on a high note. There I saved go. it for last, and we watched it on my big screen, and it was just like, yeah, you know, this is this is my movie. This is the one. If I, if I, if I could choose one movie to watch before I die, that's my last movie, because you never know. Like, I don't know if you guys think about this at all, but it's like you drive home from what a screening of a mediocre movie, movie uh-huh. like and you just go, God, I hope I don't die in a car crash, and that's my last film. I honestly <laughs> never thought that. Really? I, honestly, I, I never thought that. I've had that feeling once in a while. I think this would be the one. I, I, I think, you know. Well, um, I've, I've, I've said so. this before, too, because like when I first saw it, I was like, that was pretty good. It was pretty good. And then, I know. Yeah. And then years later, Colin showed this at one of his screenings, and that scene where he says, thank you for my life, mm-hmm. I was like, I got to really hold back some tears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really do right now because I it's, just, the whole movie just clicked with me. I fell in love with it the way Colin did. Uh, so thank you for showing this again and, mm-hmm. you know, reiterating its incredible originality to me and like saying this is a special film because it is a very special film. Um, I understand people if they don't connect with it. Certainly, I know Patrick doesn't, and that's fine. But like, I I am totally with you. I adore this movie in so many ways. It has all. It's a very existential movie, but it's not like this. You know, it's not like a Richard Linklater kind of a preachy existential movie. No. It's 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 it just says so much. You know, the yeah, the whole world is asleep. The whole brain cloud thing. It's just it's it's profound. It's funny. It's got everything going for it. It's and I totally love the romance in this. Uh, I it's, it's 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 one of my favorites of the year by far, for sure. This is one of those movies that only gets better as you get older. Yeah, mm. you know, I feel and that I, that's how I've always kind of felt about this movie. Every time that I've gone to revisit it, and yes, noticing new things and picking up on inflections of the dialogue in ways that you know they they talk about like because when when i saw it i was 15 or 14 at the time and i was you know going for a tom hanks comment joe versus volcano what a cool title what a cool Mm -hmm. i've never seen a movie like that before uh and the the opening all the stuff is hilarious we didn't even mention dan hedaya his his dialogue in the movie was a frequent staple among us in in high school yeah (laughs) <laughs> I know he can get the job, but can he do the job? That came up a lot. Yeah. Uh, I'm not arguing that with you. Every yeah. time we were filming something, I'm not arguing that with you. Um, but but you know, but I the first time I saw him, just like like I had the same reaction you did, Jim. I was just like, it's pretty good. Like yeah. I because I was going for a comedy, right? And I, I measure comedy by how often I laugh, and there are some big laughs in the movie, oh, for but sure. it's a very a melancholy it's a very mm-hmm. you know and and you know and ultimately the more you think about it like this is a movie about a guy who's going to commit suicide yeah you know yeah. when you yeah, when yeah. you really think about it and uh the, the ending of the movie i them you know i i i am just like oh i wish he had a better button than that uh, because everything up to that point i'm just like oh my god like i'm, I'm happy but i'm sad and mm-hmm. every all this stuff just like oh oh, oh okay uh that, well, so it was produced by spielberg he's not another reason that. i saw yeah. it another reason i <laughs> right. saw it obviously yes, of course um but yeah no i just i think this is a movie that people should revisit annually uh because i think that another year in your life goes by and you listen to what people are saying in this movie 
uh, it's going to strike you in very profound ways. And I agree. Meg, I think it's the best. I mean, Meg Ryan plays three characters mm-hmm. in this movie. And, and she's so great well. in every single one of them. Hanks is terrific. Ozzie Davis. Mm-hmm. We didn't mention oh, uh, that that whole sequence that is, is hilarious. Is luggage stuff is great. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fantasy of so in so many manners. I mean, that, that shopping sequence, who wouldn't want mm-hmm. that? You mm-hmm. know, you get, you know, you're going to go out on a high note and here's all the money you want, and but you're going out to kill yourself in the name of capitalism yeah yeah you know i mean you think if i mean think about that it's yeah. just it's yeah it's it's a great film okay yeah. okay the podcast is over yeah, yeah. <laughs> right i know just watched joe versus volcano yeah we're good yeah house party's fun house party was a big deal um, yeah it was because we had just had a whole decade of teen comedies white bread Very suburban nice. teen comedies yeah, yeah. Um, finally, the black audience got a teen comedy, and uh, you know it, it is kind of fun. I mean, it is kind of a nice energy to it. Yeah, anytime Robin Harris shows up, mm-hmm. it's, it's very funny. Yeah, he, I think he died that year. Didn't he, he did. Which yeah. we'll get to that in a, a little bit later in the show. But yeah, no, it's it's a it's a fun movie. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's nicely directed. Kid and play actually. You know, they, they, there was a couple movies around this period where they had you know some chops and you know chemistry and whatnot mm-hmm. and uh yeah it is, it's funny and it uh it's got a battle rap scene in it yeah. which now that's more in vogue and, yeah but uh you know, and this, this is, is the era, this is the era of hip-hop i like the most anyway yeah. so it's you know it's less about like look at all the money i got now yeah you know mm-hmm. yeah it's fun so this is more fun mm-hmm. i was disappointed that i could not find bad influence anywhere I really wanted to go back and revisit this. This is like the James Spader, Rob Lowe. Who's the girl in it? Lisa Zane. Okay. Um, and re- this was Rob Lowe's comeback movie after getting in trouble for the sex tape he made with a 16-year-old girl. Right. And there's a sex tape in the movie. Yeah, right. And that was the, the <laughs> kind of, yeah, it was very meta and everybody jumped on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was on the cover of People magazine, you know, just kind of explaining himself. I, I remember this clearly. And, and, and he got good reviews in this because he's playing a you know major yeah. dick in this film. Um, and, uh, which was like the best role for him to, to make a comeback out of. Um, I wanted to, I really wanted to see if this thing held up or, cause I remember liking it, but I couldn't find it anywhere. Or unless it's, I wanted to pay 30 bucks for a DVD on Amazon. I, it's hard yeah, to which, find. No. Yeah. And Curtis Hansen's one of those unsung directors where I That's just, right. I really like mm. a lot of his stuff. Yeah. A lot. So. I remember liking this movie too. Mm-hmm. I, I I think these types of quote unquote erotic thrillers. I, I mean, I don't know how erotic it is necessarily. No, but, no, not really. It's not really that erotic. I mean, it really comes down to like one scene, this, and then he yeah. gets in trouble for it. And yeah, but enough. I like the I like the dynamic of like two opposites sort of you know colliding, and and you know there's like a Hitchcockian element, like a strangers on a train yes. kind of a thing going yeah. on between these two. So I, I I remember being a huge fan of this, but it is hard to track down. I'm surprised. Yeah, I mean, Fight Club is another movie. Yeah, you, oh, totally. it's the mm-hmm. slick, the real slick mm-hmm. operator, you know, gets in the head of the more stuffy business type guy and is like, I'm going to yeah. show you how you're not living and whatnot. And the thing is, is that it's a very slickly made movie and uh, um, in, enjoyable on that level. It, I mean, mm-hmm. it mostly works as a, as a thriller, uh, but it is, I mean, bec- not just, you know, maybe it was a little more edgy from 1990 but we've seen this scenario so many times Mm -hmm. uh that it's not a movie that holds up as well under that scrutiny uh because it is very predictable very predictable oh i'm sure yeah yeah but spader not you know not playing the sleazoid for a change is also right you know right interesting 
I'll just mention that there was a movie version of The Handmaid's Tale that came out this year. I just mentioned that because there's a you know hit TV show now. But uh, I, I never saw it. I'm just mentioning it. I haven't it seen for, it either. Yeah. Ever? No. I watched it. Oh. Okay. It's, oh. It's not good. Okay. That's what I've heard. <laughs> That's, That's probably I heard. why I yeah. never. I'm, and by yeah. funny, I've never seen the TV show either. And which apparently people uh, think tr- is exceptional. I got through one season of it. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to continue in this one. Just because yeah. it was so rough. Yeah. I hear it's it kind of gone not a little, not off the rails entirely, but people are just like, oh, it's not as strong as it was the season one and two. Uh, the movie is not good. It is mm. so is so unfocused. Um, it, it, it's it's not that. I mean, Volker Schlorndorf directed the movie, and it's tight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just it's just it's so flat. I mean, it's got it's got the costumes and uh the the if you ever if you ever want to get creeped out, Robert Duvall having sex. This is oh. the movie for you. Ooh. Like full like fully clothed, Robert Duvall. Kind hmm. of like maybe missing where things are supposed to go, kind of thing. Whoa, 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 it's whoa. so creepy. Yeah, well, there's a whole. I mean, Natasha Richardson plays the bride that you know ends up with the commander, and then when he gets down to his business, it's just like she's like at a table and like his figure, he's commanding, and it's just like I don't, I don't think you're hitting it, dude. I just that's all I kept watching. Because like, like two, there's two scenes in the movie where he, 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 you know, he smashes, and I'm just like, I don't think you're, I think you're missing something there, pal. And it, and and Duval's you know, grunting a little bit. Oh, no, it's don't not, make me find the sound clip for this. Yeah, please. no, you should. Um, no. I'll send it. I'll send it to you. Um, no. Yeah, it's just, it's just not. I mean, it's it's. I'm always kind of happy when I see Elizabeth McGovern in something, and she shows up oh, in sure, a couple sure, movies sure, this sure. year. Um, so she's in that, and she plays kind of the, the sassier handmaid who escapes and is still sassy. Isn't she in Love at Large? Yes, uh, yes. it's a movie that I didn't get to, and she's in another one as well that uh, uh, we'll get to later in the year. Alan Rudolph's um, an interesting filmmaker. Yeah. He's someone I'd like to uh, I like, look into I'm further. There's a couple interested. I've liked. I like so, Songwriter, which is just released on Blu-ray like within the, within the past year. Alan Rudolph is like the filmmaker that everyone tells me is great and I, every time I watch I'm just like I don't <laughs> respond to this guy's stuff yeah, yeah. I'm kind of the same way I this... like a couple of his films that I've seen but I know he did like a horrible Breakfast of Champions adaptation if yeah, I'm not yeah. That. Um, but yeah Love at Large is his kind of I don't know what it is, but film noir. <laughs> film noir. Tom Berenger's terrible. Oh in God, it. he's oh, horrible. In he this. just like <laughs> picks this really gravelly voice, yeah. here, but he's not consistent with it at all. He like sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. Harry, nothing like what he has to tail a cheating boyfriend. I'm feeling frightened and unloved, naked to the world. But the boyfriend is a husband who's two timing his wife. Son of a. While she's two-timing him. Don't turn your back on him, Mr. Dobbs. Harry. Unless you want a hole in it. Oh, I like that. And hot on Harry's trail is a lonely detective without a clue about love. I mean, we can discuss that book you're reading. If you were born stupid, you're now having a relapse. All um, I remember about Love at Large was renting the movie and taking it with me on a bowling tournament I went to. <laughs> and then, like, in the hotel room. Of, oh, <laughs> like, like, I got the, I brought, We brought a VCR, and then I brought Love at Large. jeez. Oh, <laughs> It wasn't a good night. No, no, that is not a good night. <laughs> yeah, no, it was disappointing. Yeah. I didn't oh, care man. for it. <laughs> uh, um, so, Lord of the Flies. Now, this is a weird movie for me because I remember when I was young, I was right. like, "This is pretty heavy. This is pretty intense." This is, I, I never saw the other uh, version of it. 
And when I saw it as a kid, I was like, God, this is like the worst scenario. Like being surrounded by a bunch of dickheads yeah. on an mm-hmm. island. This is my worst nightmare possible because I was dealing <laughs> with bullies at the time. Yeah. Uh, so I think it affected me way more when I was you know, 12. Would you have not joined with the bullies? I mean, because that's always we get, you get into the scenario like or would no. the bullies not have had you? No. Would you have gotten hit in the head with a rock? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, watching it now, it's not very good. I think it's really well directed i just wish the, the kids were better actors bad, yeah the kids are not good actors no, yeah. in it. No, but but i think there's like good directing in it but yeah. i mean it's it in looks terms right. of, you yeah. know yeah. uh in terms of craft and editing and all that but uh i never had to read the book and i never like you i never saw the other movie so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's yeah, pretty forgettable. It's the but. stuff like Lord of the Flies that prevented me from reading Hunt for October. It was like, I don't want to read it anymore. Um, yeah, no, I, I, Lord of the Flies is one of the signed texts yeah. in high school, and I read it and then saw the movie and was like, that piggy scene's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like, well, I'm like, oh, that's nasty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No! Yeah, and, and then just bloody face and, yep. yeah. yeah. Now, we go to a, now we get to a very special film. Okay. All right, here it is. My official Nuns on the Run t-shirt. All right. Where did well, I get this from? Mm-hmm. I got this from a guy named Roy Leonard oh. on WGN. As a member of the AM radio contingent in town, I'd like to add a little bit of the bird for all of those terrible things they said about AM radio. They said it was only for old people <laughs> or for a very small kids or baseball fans. Well, we know it's for baseball fans, obviously. But, uh, you know, I really don't think they're correct. AM yeah. radio is different from FM radio. They're, and the biggest difference is there's a lot more talk on AM. And, and their show is mostly talk. And the fact that, let's be honest, if there is any originality left in radio today, it's on AM. And uh, we'll get to how I got the T-shirt momentarily because it was the first time I ever called in to review a movie. And he sent me this shirt along with a Hulk Hogan punching bag. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world destroy you? Those are awesome. The Weebles, yeah. Yeah. Love those. Um, The movie's not good. No. (laughs) It's not very funny at all. No. Uh, It was hard to track down, too. We rented a VHS from Facets. uh, Wow. That's the only way I could find it. Yeah, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I'd never seen it, and I was like, "Well, I'm," and I can see why I've never seen it. It's not yeah. good. I'm wondering if, having gone through the Catholic system in in many ways, mm-hmm. uh, this movie plays a little bit better because um, there are things in the movie that are very Catholic centric. Sure, that yeah. I think do are, you know are, are pretty good jokes. I didn't. I haven't. I didn't watch it recently but uh but back in the day i mean those was, moments are few and far between they though. are yeah <laughs> it's a lo- i mean it's like 110 minutes or something yeah, it's, it's, a it's, long, it's a long movie it's really long uh but you know you know any movie that has eric idol and robbie coltrane will draw i mean well robbie coltrane not i mean because i didn't know who robbie coltrane was at yeah. the time yeah i didn't uh, but eric idol obviously and yeah i just like anything that that had to do with funny nuns at the time just i responded to <laughs> so funny nun cast funny nun cast there you yeah. go that's what we need from you mm-hmm. all right now blue steel now there's a movie i yeah. kind of love now it's really good yeah it's, I, I i don't think it's flawless but it is bigelow I, in peak filmmaking form. i will say I there's mean, a little bit too much slow motion a little, little, little bit choice, mm. choices to just cut to like when violence is taking place it's everything it's in slow motion but i man 
I don't know what it is with me and like the blue tint. <laughs> Movies yeah. would have that. I'm just like, I love that mm-hmm. look. Uh, and Jamie Lee Curtis is great in mm-hmm. this. And Ron Silver, what a year for that guy. Nice to meeting you. Seeing anybody? I think you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Megan, give me an answer to this. I don't understand. You want to keep secrets? It's related to the other shooting. Does it fit the pattern? Right there into the bullet casing. This guy must know you. Why me? It's just starting between you and me. Oh, God. Got nothing to go on, Megan. We have to stop him. People forget about when they think about, like, the the women badass Mm -hmm. action hero. I mean, not not that she's an action hero, but I guess, but um, because I I think it was Roger Ebert that kind of described it as sort of like, in like the Halloween tradition, that is the killer that won't die kind of thing. You have Jamie Lee Curtis in this situation again, because, I mean, how many, how much does Ron Silver take in that movie. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, it, it, yeah. You know? Oh, for sure. No, um, he gets shot a lot. <laughs> he gets shot a lot in the movie, and it's it's very, uh, but it's very effective. I mean, it is it is wonderfully yeah. done. Uh, it's nice to see Clancy Brown in a role where he wasn't a dick. Exactly. You know, I think yeah, it was the first yeah. time I had not seen Clancy Brown playing a villain in a movie, so that was, I like that. Uh, but no, yeah, no, this is, Blue Steel's a solid yeah. mm-hmm. movie. Catherine Bigelow yeah. is just um, a great filmmaker, and this, this watching this now, post Me Too, I'm just like, yeah. That's yeah. A, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Exactly. I I, it's been a, maybe about a year since I last saw Blue Steel. Um, but can I go back to Nuns on the Run just for a second? Because sure. just for the historical context for people who like to listen to this, if you remember the controversy that came up with Siskel and Ebert, Regarding Nuns on the Run? I don't. I remember there was controversy, but I don't remember what it was. Yes, they uh, uh, panned the movie, like like panned the yeah. movie, like really horrible reviews, uh, and then Fox cut them off for a oh, while. Oh, that's right. Fox oh, wow. stopped giving them <laughs> clips for their movies. Holy cow. Uh, it, was a big, it was sort of a big thing. Fox has had a weird relationship with Chicago critics. We had to deal with them. Um, in huh. a couple about a decade ago, when they were they were only showing movies to a few select people in town, mm. and we had to f- push back on that. They were only allowing people like us to see Thursday night screenings, uh, but but not just us. Like eighty five percent of the critical body in here in Chicago, and we pushed back and we won that fight. Oh, good. So yeah, all right. Um, either of you watch either of the Lombada movies? Back to back, my friend. Did you really? I did. How, where incredible. did you find this Lombada? I, I could not find. I, 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 I couldn't find. I found it, it online. You should have asked me. Uh, I sent it to you. Okay. Because I found. I found a way. To, I'll still to watch it, it. Even though we. Even though we're, when this podcast is over, I still want to. Did still you watch, watch the Forbidden it. Dance? Though? I did. Oh yeah. From the jungles of the Amazon to the heart of America, only one dance can turn feeling into rhythm strangers into lovers passion into fury she is hot the romance behind the dance the danger behind the beat the magic behind the music 
the forbidden dance, Lambada. Passion has a rhythm all its own. <laughs> Go on, and I'll counter with Lombada. Oh, my God. Uh, this was the one that did not come out in theaters in Chicago anyway. I'm sure, okay. it, I'm sure it was released somewhere. But um, but uh, my theater, we had the other Lombada movie. That's why I have the button right here. Uh, wow. I'd, I had to wear this while we while we played it. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, nice. Lombada, the Forbidden Dance. Uh, was the other movie, and these the reason why these two movies were made, uh, Golan and Globus of uh, Canon fil- uh, Films fame. These are the two guys, the two uh, Israeli guys, yes. Yes. Um, uh, who founded the schlocky studio that produced all kinds of schlocky movies throughout the 80s. And now they were going to, uh, uh, they were both founded separate studios now, and we're going to race to make a Lombada movie. Uh, and see who could get it theirs out first. Yeah, well, they had a falling out. They had a falling, <laughs> they had a falling out, out. Yeah. and um, and they both came out at a, pretty much the same time. Uh, Lombada the Forbidden Dance uh, has a more outlandish storyline of the two uh, <laughs> okay. because it deals with uh, Brazilian rainforests. Yeah, um, and trying to save using the Lombada dance to save the Brazilian rainforests. Both movies are very socially conscious. Yes, although it, it, it basically just pays lip service to the the rain for the plight of the rainforest for about thirty seconds. Yeah, it really yeah. does not have its heart. Its heart there. Not really. Um, and I wrote in my notes, I, I guess I, I can't really elaborate on this, but I guess these I just wrote that these are the most anti-Brazilian people ever made. Like this movie every <laughs> hates Brazilians, really, is what okay. this is. Um, oh, there's no. like one Brazilian friend with Jedi mind power of some kind. Um, Sid, Hague, can summon, Sid Hague is in this. He oh can gosh. summon the sound of a lion's roar to divert cops so he could escape. It's like this weird, like, like what the Wait, hell? Referring, is this, this is the guy that's hanging with her that... Like, I think so. Yeah, her dad or her guru or whatever he is. In the, I like what I'm, is he in that movie? Yeah, I don't know. Like, like I kept calling him the witch doctor. <laughs> At one point, one scene, uh, Carrie and I watched this together, and uh, the, we we played the Jason drinking game. And because there's one scene where <laughs> the woman, like the main character's name is Jason, and the woman says his name at least 15 times in one scene, and yeah. we kept we were we really were drinking every time. What were you we, drinking? I kept, maybe Manhattans. Okay. okay. Um, so yeah, by the end of that scene, we okay. were just like, uh, which may be wow. why my notes aren't so clear on it. <laughs> the director um, of this has done some weird shit. Yeah. Joysticks, oh. wacko, Satan's cheerleaders. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, man. Seek this one out. It's okay. fantastic. It's not just about, like the witch doctor in, in the movie that you're referring to. Like, I, I mean, oh. I, I, every time he shows up. Oh, my God. Yeah, it, I just kept thinking of the, the trolley boy from Hot Fuzz. And just every time he shows up, I just went, yarp. <laughs> just like every single time. Wow. Um, and, and, and also, I mean, the, the lead actress in the movie, the Lombada dancer in the movie is Laura Haring. From Mulholland Drive, Mulholland Drive yeah, yeah. who which you know that you know, so like I'm like <laughs> I remember seeing the Forbidden Dance. I'm just like she's attractive, and then <laughs> nine years later, ten years later, I'd be like, oh, okay, <laughs> um, fantastic. Um, now the other Lombada movie, the other Lombada movie, just called Lombada, just called Lombada, um, is about math. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this, I mean, this this is a movie if you wanted to combine a dance movie with Stand and Deliver. That's what this movie basically <laughs> is. It's right. you know, it's the it's a, a hot teacher 
uh, who uh, has a math, math class or geometry class or something along those lines, um, trying to get the kids interested in math and whatnot. But meanwhile, the main student in the movie who's played by Melora Hardin, who would go on to eventually be Jan on The Office. Oh. She's Steve Carell's uh, boss that hates him at first, but then they start having an affair. Right, right, Jan, right. okay. Yeah, yeah. She's the lead, like, hmm. the like the 27-year-old high school student in the movie who has a thing for the teacher. So that was a little bit of icky stuff already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know, they go to the Lombada club and or dance club and sees hot teacher dancing and whatnot. And then she's of course hotter for him. Uh, and there, there are dance offs in this movie. <laughs> awesome. uh, the, the, this really could have been called breaking three. I mean, honestly, this is right awesome. in that exact. Okay. I mean, th- this is same director. Yeah. This is literally two. canon and, and, and all the definitions that apply to it. Uh, and then, you know, you would think that a, a dance movie would end with a big dance sequence, but no, it ends with a quiz off. <laughs> um, oh my God. Send me the link. Please. Oh, yeah. No, it, it, right. it literally ends with a sequence that I swear to God, I thought it was going to end like Billy Madison. Like, <laughs> it's just like there. <laughs> They're having the, the like the, the the they finally got the uh you know the, the the kid that's you know not doing well in school and like he's rebellious and whatnot and they get him to give like the big final answer on Man. stage and everything um and that's how the movie ends oh my god you know and he saves the the school uh, with the thing yeah no this yeah. is Colin this movie is I, uh, the whole movie I'm just like Colin I, I hope Colin, Colin's watching this I, right I, now I tried I tried yeah. I couldn't find it. And it's, go- uh, and it's goofy. I mean, it, Forbidden Dance is like just stupid and serious. Yeah. And like this movie at least knows it's in that break in tradition okay. a bit. It's it's bad. It's poorly acted. It's kind of icky and, you know, but, you know, some case occasionally sexy and, you know, okay. and stupid. Right. Since okay. we're podcasting from Illinois, feel free to just take some edibles and enjoy a double feature of the Lombada movies. You might mm-hmm. have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like your old pal Eric did. Yeah. <laughs> back to back, I watched these. Oh, God. So there are uh, three movies this year that went on to be an enormous successes uh, that nobody saw coming. Uh, these were like out of nowhere hits that were just like just kind of took every everything by storm. Uh, and the first one is uh, Pretty Woman. When I was a little girl, I would pretend I was a princess trapped in the tower, and then this knight on a white horse would come charging up and rescue me. Could you tell me how to get to Beverly Hills? Sure. For five bucks. You can't charge me for directions. I can do anything I want to, baby. I am lost. All right, okay. You have change for 20? For 20, I'll show you first. You kidding me? I come here all the time. Well, color me happy. There's a sofa in here for two. Close your mouth, dear. What is this girl? Does she work? She's in sales. Touchstone Pictures presents the story of a date. Isn't a date? It's business. That led to a deal. I have a business proposition for you. I'm going to be in town until Sunday. I'd like you to spend the week with me. (laughs) That's becoming a dream come true. Richard Gere and Julia Roberts, the rom-com that. You know, still gets referenced and talked about to this day in in movies and pop culture and everything. Um, 
And, and this was not a movie that was forecasted to be a, as big a hit as it was. I mean, it, 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 it grossed $178 million and it starred two people, you know, Richard Gere, you know, we talked about internal affairs, but that wasn't a big hit for him. Um, he, he really hadn't been in a hit in a, you know, probably since officer and a gentleman, I think. Uh, so we're talking like an eight year Mm -hmm. gap where he really didn't have much going on. And Julia Roberts was not Julia Roberts yet. She had been in a few films, um, probably most notably Mystic Pizza was probably her big, you know, sort of break. Unless she just been nominated for Steel Magnolias. Oh, right. Okay. So okay. Yeah. Prior. Okay. So, so, okay. So she's kind of a name, but not Julia Roberts right. yet. This is the one that would tr- change that for her. Um, so there's no reason to think that this would go on to make, you know, more than like 60, 70 million. It's a, you know, little frothy rom-com about a hooker with a heart of gold. And, uh, Richard Gere is a guy who hires her for a week for like 3000 bucks. Um, and, uh, you know, but this thing just blew up. Um, and they both that, you know, their careers just got either back on track or just launched into the stratosphere. Um, uh, the movie itself, uh, uh, it's, it's got, no, it's got some charm to it. I, I, I don't dismiss it entirely. I can see, you know, when you watch it, I can see why it's, it's kind of, uh, still sort of celebrated in a way. Um, it's, it's too long. It's, it's uh, two hours. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a good two hours. There's like a longer cut out there, uh, available oh, wow. for it too. Um, and I, I think, you know, there, there's some nice moments between gear and, and Roberts. I think they have some good chemistry, but it's interesting the way I was, when I watched it recently, it was, I was kind of like listening to gears dialogue and thinking how this must have read on the page because he plays everything nice, but the, he could have easily said the exact same dialogue and played it as a total dick mm-hmm. and it would have been a totally different film. Yeah. Um, and I just it's it was uh, which is why <laughs> casting him is so was such a a a, a good choice um, because you know he's this is not a movie that holds up culturally and no. it would never get made no um, no, no, no but if you can kind of get past that there's there's some rom com charm to it um it's, but but it it is by no means. I, I we were kind of referring to it as the kinder gentler vice squad um, Ooh, <laughs> oh man because this movie wow. it doesn't it does this there's nothing gritty or realistic about the hooker lifestyle in this film no at all it's no, like no, no. that like julie roberts does not is not convincing at all and neither is laura san giacomo although I, she would be more convincing but they're just too cute and too mm. like especially where they find them yeah, well, exactly. You know, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. And they don't have pimps apparently. No. And it's like, really, you're you're on that strip and on Rogeo Drive, and you don't have a manager. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, mm. So anyway, it's a hooker with a heart of gold. And, yeah. Uh, Is there any it's other kind? <laughs> apparently not, according to okay. movies. Uh, Rom com fairy tale that I just never really enjoyed. I just I I'd never really done it outside of the soundtrack. Yeah, it has some great pop. It does tunes, have some great songs for does, sure. Yeah, beautifully used recently in Long Shot. Very much so. And I just never it never did anything for me. I mean, my mom loves Richard Gere, and I always mm-hmm. just went like, eh, not for me. I understand why he's appealing to the ladies and whatnot, mm-hmm. but he never really did a whole lot for me as an actor. And uh, Julia Roberts, yeah, nice teeth. 
<laughs> I just I never really and until until obviously later down the road. I, yeah, Aaron Brockovich and there's a couple other performances I like from her, but uh, nah, never never really cared for this. Never, it, it's a never movie did. of the time. It's a movie yeah. that caught yeah. just you know like Colin was saying it just caught a moment in people's need. Understandably I guess. so. And I, guess. I, I I still think that the two of them are very charming together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean it's not. I mean although the movie was supposed to be grittier. Yeah. Um, the movie was originally called 3000, which, you know, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and was supposed to end with her being addicted to drugs and being cast aside. You know, ah. that doesn't le- give everyone the fantasy that they want. Um, and yet there's a movie that still comes up. You know, people still reference the movie. People favorably reference mm-hmm. the movie. Oh, I'm kind of curious where the Venn diagram sh- of people who consider themselves woke today and yet still really like Pretty Woman, <laughs> I really want to see. I want to talk to those people. Because yep. um, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it's a movie about a guy buying a woman, mm-hmm. you know. And he, he, okay, can't buy me love. Oh, my! Why'd you? Why? Sorry. Yeah, I know that's another trigger. Sorry. Trigger warning. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, it's, I, I. I I get it for the time. Yeah, I, 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 I understand I why to. it clicked at the time, yeah. I guess, and why it's people a, it's a, like it. I mean, it's a complete fantasy, and sometimes yeah. people just want the fantasy and the politics and the wokeness of it be damned. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Gary Marshall. Oh. Meh. Yeah. Yeah. Now, here's an interesting movie, Shock to the System, which, mm-hmm. along with um, a movie we'll get to soon, one of the first books I read and I got from the library just because I'm like, oh, this is a movie title. <laughs> And I'm curious about the source material, and it's it's interesting watching it now because it is very American Psycho, very much. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the same way, it's like taking down corporate politics and just uh, you know Michael Caton uh, essentially wanting to climb the corporate ladder by being a sociopathic murderer. Essentially, what the fuck are you doing in my office, assholes? You don't know the first fucking thing about power. Fucking assholes. What the fuck are you doing in my office? It is too expensive to maintain this thing. Did you hear me? I said go away. It's not the computer. It's you and your goddamn desk. I've never understood why you need a stair machine when we have stairs. What in the name of God is Henry Park doing in my office? Fuck him. What? There is a man in my office. Fuck. He's really good in this. Mm Mm-hmm. It's very short. I remember it's like 85 minutes yes. long or something. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I wouldn't say it's a great film, but it's certainly interesting. And I certainly think it's worth seeing for Michael Caine and certainly just as like a precursor to something like American Psycho and what it was trying to say at the time. About, yeah. You know. yeah, I agree. I, I think the version I watched, I watched it on Tubi and I'd, I saw it in the theater and liked it. Um, yeah. uh, I think they're showing an edited for television version because he kept saying freaking and oh. it was kind of like. I don't think he'd be saying freaking in this. Like, it wasn't just bad ADR. Like, maybe, after the fact. I don't know. Maybe. It's an R-rated movie, so it's it is like, an R. Yeah, so it's yeah. like why it, 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 it sounded like it was dubbed in somehow. Huh. So I, I don't know, but uh, it's, it's it's worth watching regardless. So yeah, yeah. I, I would say worth it's worth watching. Um, it it didn't hold up for me as much as I liked it back in the back in the day. Sure, uh, but I can this, understand that. But this is kind of like my favorite version of Michael Caine. I like the mm-hmm. the diabolical. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> He's trying to get his wife to do, you know, exactly what he wants her to do to murder her mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Like that, that stuff I enjoy immensely uh, out of, out of Kane. 
Um, Elizabeth McGovern. Elizabeth again. McGovern in the movie. Yeah, the movie kind of ends on kind of a another kind of anticlimactic note. Sure. Like it builds up to a suspense, and then it just kind of it kind of pulls out. away from yeah. it, and then it's kind of over. Mm. You know, and it's just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's still all right. It's, it's all right. still. I mean, yeah, yeah, I would fine. not yeah. tell people not to, to look at it, but mm-hmm. okay. Here's another shocking hit, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't one one of the ones I was talking about, but yes. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> really? Okay. No, I mean, I, I I'm not surprised this was a hit. Our family grows. The city itself will be our playground to use as we please, rewarding ourselves and punishing. Our enemies. We've been looking for you, Miss O'Neill. There is a new enemy. Freaks of nature. Together, we will punish these creatures. What the heck was that? Looked like sort of a big title in a trench coat. Yeah! I love being a turtle! I saw the cartoon when I was young and I thought it was fine. I We're talking it. about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The yes. Movie. The movie. The first movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, when I was, when, when I saw it as a kid, I was like, again, I think it's all right. <laughs> I didn't think mm-hmm. it was awful. I didn't think it was great. I just was somewhere in the middle on it. Uh, some of the dialogue I just thought was bad. Um, it was just, it was kind of weird to hear Corey Feldman's voice coming out of a turtle. I don't think it was bad. It was just weird mm-hmm. <laughs> for me, you know, as someone growing up, you know, it's just, it's just an interesting choice to have him voice one of the turtles. Um, and, uh, I do like, uh, Elias Kateas in it. I think he's pretty, mm-hmm. he's pretty, pretty solid. There, there's a lot of downtime where they just sort of hang out at like a farmhouse for yeah. a while and not a lot happens again. Like I'm, it doesn't really hold up as strongly for me. It's not something I would go back to. And I mean, I think, I think certainly the, you know, the, just the turtle animation, the, the puppetry, uh, it's pretty strong here. Like they really did a good job bringing these turtles to life and, and, and including splinter too. But, uh, shredder is a villain kind of forgettable. Um, I don't know. I'm again, like I'm more in the middle on this one. I don't think it's great, but I don't think it's like a total waste of time either. It's fine. Ish. I got nothing. You got nothing. <laughs> um, I think I think Roger Ebert said in his review of the movie that this is probably the best possible version of a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie that yeah. you could ever make. Uh, and I think that's that statement holds up today mm-hmm. in, in regard because I think that watching it they again, tried again, haven't they? Like recently? well, they did. Yeah, but they're all CGI turtles oh, and whatnot, okay. and the, the new ones are Michael Bay's company produced them, oh, and God. they're I mean they're they're terrible. They're really terrible. No. Uh, but but this one. While it's certainly not great, I liked it a lot when I actually first saw it because I was just I had no expectations going in. I'm just like mm-hmm. I really enjoyed myself. And now it's not so much, but the the suits I think are really good. Oh yeah, I, th- no, I still for think sure. the suits are really good. Coteus, I agree, is good. I really like who's is Splinter. Is that the rat? Yeah, Splinter. Okay, I think that He's puppetry work like is, a Yoda character. Yes, I like all the stuff with with Splinter. I like because mm-hmm. I like the the puppetry aspect of it. It gives you kind of a Jim Henson sure. feel to it. Um, the, the movie itself, yeah, I mean it's it's just silly. It and is. It's not you know if a kid wants to watch it, it'd be like yeah, sure. But yeah. you know the the sequel is bad. The, the there were two the more, there were two more turtles movies. Secret of the Ooze is the second one. 
And then there was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three, which only I remember for because they play the theme for Tarzan. Oh man, Boy. we get to we get to watch some Vanilla Ice action if you want to watch Secret of the Ooze next year. Like Is they Vanilla did, Ice the, in that? Yeah, the I turnaround that. for that was fast, wasn't it? Like they just cranked out a sequel like the next year. Oh yeah, well because mm-hmm. I mean, this movie's a hundred and thirty five million dollar hit, yeah. so they I mean it was New Line, so yeah, there's like well, get them another one out there. Mm. Oh well, I'm gonna probably watch Secret of the Ooze. Okay. <laughs> right. We move on to April. Uh, I yeah, I guess we can skip Opportunity Knox because I, I I don't have a whole well, lot to say about other than it. it being set in Chicago. Yeah, that's really that's one of the cool things yeah. about it. Robert Loggia's in it. Uh, it's yeah. it's like the Dana Carvey show. It's like really let's you know he just does his wacky voices and wacky characters. So if you like him yeah. from Saturday Night Live, you might like the movie because I actually have a couple of friends that really like this movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's just a dumb con man movie. It's nothing yeah. special. Yeah, it's not. I mean, no. No. no, I mean it's better than Master of Disguise, but I just remember hearing the story about like him and the director not getting along at all. That the scene where I think it's I forgot her is name. it Daniel or Donald Petrie? It's one of the Petrie boys. I think, I think. so. But uh, the 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 female lead Julia uh, Campbell, Julia Campbell, very good, very very lovely. Uh, she gets to smack Dana Carvey in one scene, and because the director and Dana Carvey didn't get along, he kept just asking for more takes. Nice, because we all know. That your major life decisions aren't made in the boardroom. They're made in the bathroom. Yeah, poor Dana Carvey got slapped around a lot in this. That's yeah. that's that, that's the takeaway from this. But it, no, it's pretty bad. I, I rewatched and it's it's bad. Julia Campbell, who would go on to play one of the villains in Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Yes, very good, very good. Okay, now we can move on to April. Yes. Okay, okay. Let's, sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, I Love You to Death. Oh, thanks, Colin. That's so nice of you. Yeah. And then, oh, there's also a movie called I Love You to Death. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yes. Well, I, yeah. yeah, this one is uh, something else. Because Rosalie Boca is a scorned woman. Divorce and no, never. Dead first. Good. He deserves to die. And Joey Boca's days are numbered. Why didn't you tell me you were going to blow up the car? Well, I thought it would be a nice surprise for you. But Rosalie isn't taking any chances. Did you shoot him or not? I think so. How you feeling, Joey? And has enlisted the help of her mother, her closest friend, and two complete strangers. You hired drug addicts? Who did you expect me to hire? The Red Cross? They seem like very polite boys. To make sure the job's done right. He's got a bullet in him. Duh. Oh. Really? No wonder he has a day. But with people like this trying to kill Joey. Please bring Joey back. Rosalie. <laughs> he might just live forever. Kevin Klein, Tracy Ullman, Joan Plowright, River Phoenix, William Hurt, and Keanu Reeves star in I Love You to Death. I don't love it. I think the pacing's a little off. But I gotta say, when William Hurt and Keanu Reeves show up in this movie, I am laughing hysterically. That they, they really do run away with the movie. They really do. Um, Absolutely. And I love Kevin Klein, and he's very charming. And he's, you know, he's, I he's like him when Kevin. he's not trying to tell me he's Italian. <laughs> Stop <laughs> saying you're Italian. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah. That that part that stuff drives me nuts. But when <laughs> once once the actual like murder stuff kicks in, like that part of the movie, then I'm I'm much more on board yeah. with it. Yeah. I don't know anyone who would want to have an affair with Victoria Jackson, but 
Well, not <laughs> that's now. Just, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> not yeah, crazy. I mean, back then, I guess okay, maybe, but not a crazy Victoria Jackson now. Yeah, uh, I like this movie a lot more than you guys. That's all right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I understand uh, why people do. I, yeah, I just, I, I never. Yeah. I always. I think this movie's funny all the way through. I mean, I think it, it takes a long time to get to the actual them trying to kill him mm-hmm. and stuff. But I like. I think a lot of that stuff is really funny too. I like his the, the philandering stuff that he does. The whole sequence where she's trying to feed him the pasta and oh, he God. just can't <laughs> they can't kill him and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff is hilarious. Really and funny. I mean every everything once they start trying to kill them, I think is really Mm-hmm. Funny, right up to the William Hurt stuff, and he's mm-hmm. got the, the bullet hole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he's just losing it. And uh. I think I think Klein is hysterical in this movie. Um, it, it it doesn't wrap itself up great. I granted the the, the stuff. He's very not, forgiving. After, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I mean, well, it's based on a true story. Yeah, that's movie, wild. Movie's based on a true story, and I think that probably happened, uh, if I recall. But uh, no, I mean uh, Tracy Ullman and Joan Plowright, I think are funny. River Phoenix is. Oh, when movie. he has a little Fu Manchu mustache. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Heather yeah. Graham shows up briefly mm-hmm. in the movie. It's just, yeah, I, I, we'll get to another River Phoenix Keanu Reeves movie in a year that just, like, blew me away at the time. Mm. But uh, this, it, it's worth seeing. I think it's funny. Yeah. And then the first uh, starring role for Johnny Depp was this year. John Waters, to to my list, John Waters Crybaby, um, which is my second favorite John Waters movie. I can uh, see why it's very charming. Yeah, it's well, it's, it, I have pretty square taste when it comes to John Waters because I'm not a fan of those early, you know, right. female trouble Pink Flamingos movies. Polyester. I watched them once. Yeah. yeah, no, I like Polyester actually, but um, uh, Crybaby, I love. I, 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 I think that movie is just a lot of fun. I remember being sort of taken aback by it by just how musical it was. I mean, Hairspray was a musical in a sense, but it was more, you know, uh, you know, the music was more just played, not mm-hmm. sung. This was like a full-on musical. being pretty blown away by that when I saw it. I, I was the only one who worked at my movie theater. We had it, and I was the only one who liked it because I got, I knew who John Waters was. I got his sense of humor, and everyone else was like, this piece is garbage. Why do we have this movie? It sucks. It's fucking terrible. Like, I kind of liked it. I yeah, I kind of liked it, too. And I, this, is, this is an interesting year of going to the movies with my mom and choosing interesting movies, and this was one of them where it was just like, Oh, this is going to appeal to my mom for the music, clearly, and the time period. And, mm-hmm. you know, she grew up and knows all this stuff. And, um, I, you know, obviously was, uh, I like Johnny Depp, and this is a great year for him, too. Uh, and yeah, I wasn't familiar with John Waters the way I am now, but watching it recently, I was like, this is just a lot of fun and really charming and really cool characters throughout the entire film. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd say this is upper tier John Waters for me as well. Yeah, with, for, without question, I yeah. am totally with you on on all that. Uh, yeah, and I, everything you just said is pretty much my thoughts on the movie. I, I like it. I think it's fun. It's funny. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. good music. Really mm-hmm. good music. Yeah, yeah. And then, oh man, from uh, the opposite to end of the spectrum. <laughs> now for something completely uh, now, different. Now, here's a movie that John Waters could have made uh, because it's disgusting. It's perverted. It, it, I mean, perverse, disgusting, and just full of offensiveness uh, throughout. 
you don't eat it like that. Let me show you. Oh, imagine you are sucking the little fingers of a lady or... No, you wouldn't understand that, since you'd never get that close to a lady. Who'd want to get that close to you, for God's sake? I wouldn't be so interested in her fingers. Hey, that's the sort of remark I'd expect you'd make. You'd just be intent on whipping it in, whipping it out, and wiping it on your jacket. Peter Greenway is the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. And you can just insert the clip from Christmas movies, actually, if you want. Yeah, we <laughs> talked about this on our last episode. Did you now? Uh, yeah, with, with Peter Subchinsky was here. It was, course, it, was, uh, it was a riot. It was a riot. I was yeah, laughing. Uh, because it was in the 1001 movies you must see before you die, and that's part mm-hmm. of our segment on our show. So, uh, And we happened to watch that uh, recently, and... Uh, it's a crazy movie, and I I kind of love it. I do too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing. On yeah. this one. I, I watched it, I absorbed it, and I moved on. Okay, okay. yeah. Um, but it was crazy. It, I mean, I just and I again, I talked about this before, but it was um, on, on my other show. But uh, that it was insane that this movie actually made it out to the suburbs. Like it made it beyond the hard mm-hmm. house circuit and actually made it to the suburbs. And I actually went and saw it in the suburbs. And I just, and then I saw a midnight show of it uh, about eight years later and uh, someone brought their kid. So, mm. yeah. Mm. Okay. All right. So, so moving on. Another movie that people, or another movie where the, you know, the, 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 the central conceit is like, you know, mental illness is kind of funny. Crazy people. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Wow. Not, not a good movie. No, it's not. Um, like, I can see where it's going. Like it's trying to be this clever satire of advertising at first. Yeah. It's funny for like fifteen minutes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and that stuff again. Like when they're when they're basically like doing parodies of ads and things like that. Oh, it's really, it's actually really funny. That part's fun, and yeah, and then he gets committed, and it sucks. <laughs> it's yeah. really a downer and really gross again. Like, and it's just like, oh, these people can help us make great ads. Let's do it. Let's exploit them, and you know, try and make it funny and. I don't know. And then a romance between Dudley Moore and Daryl Hannah develops. Like, what? I never understood. It's, it's a movie every time I've seen it, and I've always watched for like the first 15 minutes because the ads are general, generally funny, oh, yeah. especially the one involving the movie. Oh, right. You know, okay. that, that yeah, one yeah, yeah. is always, I've always thought it was <laughs> hilarious. Like a movie that like, like you've got so much going for it right now, mm-hmm. and just get, it's like the screenwriter just gave up. And it's like, uh, and, and then he put him in a mental hospital. I don't know. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Wait, what? Wait, go back to no, right? Like that, and that's the first thought they have is to put him in a mental facility. I didn't like, understand that at all. They don't just fire him; they put him in a mental yeah. facility. Doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, where would you like to go next? Because there's a couple coming up here that are total gym fests. Or if I had a, yeah. if I was programming a film festival, I would include a couple. Well, Miami Blues. Um, oh yeah, that's one of them actually. Alec, yeah. Alec Baldwin. Uh, this was produced by Jonathan Demi, and it's got kind of his stamp all over it. Oh yeah. Um, directed by George Armitage, I want to mm-hmm. say. Nobody seems to know who he really is. Frederick J. Fringer. You call me Junior. Sergeant Hope Mosley, homicide. Herman Gottlieb. Or what he does. I was an aerobics instructor. Oh, I'm a cop. I used to rob people who robbed people. Had a lot like Robin Hood? Except I didn't give the money to the poor people. Or exactly whose side he's on. That's my prayer! Stop him! Stop! Somebody please help me! Oh. Go get him! Thank you, officer. Yeah, it's great, lady. Business seems to be good. Of course, there's always room for improvement. 
running around playing cop, assaulting and beating people. Or become it. Please, Rain, everybody freeze! You ain't no cop. Miami Blues. Jennifer Jason Lee, the first of two hooker performances from Jennifer Jason <laughs> yep. Lee this year. Um, maybe there's three. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's it's a really, uh, you know, he he's about as anti-hero as you can get. Oh, uh, he's sure. a bit of a, he's not kind of a Robin Hood kind of figure, is he? But Not real. No, I mean, he, he gets out of jail and, you know, immediately, eventually steals the cop badge and then pretends right. to be That's right, yeah. a cop. Uh, pretends to be Fred Ward, who's got a criminal. Yeah, but who's got a thing with his dentures in this film. Um, and uh, Jennifer Jason Lee is another hooker with a heart of gold. Yes. Uh, and uh, they end up moving in together, and he she doesn't really know about his his life as a criminal. Um, it's a I I like this movie. I still I still enjoy it. Um, it's you're not quite sure like what if there's like a a, serf, a satirical point that it's trying to make, but. There's, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Think so either but no. but uh, you know, by the end, I'm just kind of like, man, that was a really dark, quirky movie from this period that uh, Demi could have directed. Like, there's so many touches uh, from him, including and it's the, the first, violence, including the violence, and yeah. and the way a lot of the scenes are directed and blocked, and uh, just kind of the quirkiness of the characters. And uh, it was the first time I remember hearing the song Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum. Mm. And I remember Certainly just... Certainly not the last time you'll hear that No, movie. <laughs> God, that, movie, that song is way overused in movies. <laughs> but I love it. And I remember going out and you know buying a, the, the 45 single at, at a record store one day. Because I, I was just... I love that song. I, I couldn't get enough of it at the time. Uh, and I bought the book. I was really into this. Mm, I, yeah? I can't remember if when I saw it specifically. It might have been another pay-per-view experience for me. But... Mm. Uh, yeah, I I really like this movie a lot, and I still do. I think Alec Baldwin might be my favorite performance from him, actually. And uh, you know, Jennifer Jason Leigh is adorable. <laughs> She's kind of clueless, but mm-hmm. not you know not in an annoying way. I mm-hmm. mean, I I guess I buy the fact that they connect as strongly as they do. Um, and Fred Ward is very memorable in this. He's really great to me. This does play like a like if Jonathan Demme did, like did an Elmore Leonard adaptation. Yes, Elmore Leonard's a very good comparison. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's more about like this you know crazy sociopath who doesn't really have a lot of feelings, other than you know he's just a selfish criminal who wants to you know take somebody's identity and essentially get money. That's all mm-hmm. he wants to do. Uh, there's not a whole lot of motivation behind it. Uh, but everything kind of comes together really well in this movie. And like, even, even the confrontation at the end plays out in a way that's, you can, you might think it's anticlimactic, but I think it works. Mm -hmm. It's really subtle. And it's just like, you know, it's not like a giant shootout kind of a thing. It's Mm -hmm. more of just like a final confrontation in the kitchen that actually, I don't know. I I find myself a little strangely moved by the ending of this movie. And I I can't can't say why it just works. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is, it's, it's kind of, you mentioned Demi many times. It's kind of like if you gave Ray Liotta his own movie from Something Wild. Oh, sure. Yeah. You that's know, a good way and let it. him, yeah. you know, just go run roughshod and mm-hmm. whatnot. And, uh, the, 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 the petty stuff that Baldwin does to get money in the movie and then giving the dress to uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. That, that's one of my favorite bits in the movie is like, yeah. he gives her the dress and she's like, you know, could you turn around, please? You know, and then she puts mm-hmm. on the dress. She's really shy, and then it's like, okay, it's time to go. <laughs> it's yeah. right off. And, you know, it's just uh, little touches like that. I think work so well. And uh, Armitage, who has not done a whole lot of stuff, but he did Miami Blues and he did Gross Point Blank. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's well, right. Which yeah, I yeah. really like a lot. 
Uh, so I like. I wish he would. He did more stuff. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Hi, guy. You don't remember who I am, do you? I'm not sure. You think about it, and I'll call you later. No wait. And now it's about to turn deadly. Hi, Judy. This is Richard. I'm in your apartment. Hi, girls. You butt into my room whenever you want. I'm your mother. It's my right. See, I can tell you have a beautiful mouth by the way you form your words. Look, just don't let this guy know who you are, whatever you do. Let's talk about where and when we get to meet. I'll be wearing a sexy white dress. The lady in white. You are not leaving this room except for school. Do you understand me? No phone privileges. No nothing. Hi. This is Richard. Lisa. Nick gave this a rave uh, on, on, I think it was the Saturday morning movie review show that he used to do with Roy Leonard. And so I asked my mom, can we just go see this movie <laughs> that we know nothing about other than Nick just like saying it's a cool thriller? Um, and we went to it at the River Oaks Theater in Calumet City. And it was a completely empty theater. So we're like, oh, man, this is this is eerie. Um, and they really didn't do a whole lot to promote this movie. So this is just basically like a little discovery thanks to Nick. And I, I won't lie, as a 12-year-old that's sort of starting to think girls were more interesting than guys, I've, I kind of liked movies about uh, you know women. And certainly this is a coming-of-age story as well. And it's a really interesting one. It's a really creepy one. And it's uh, called? Lisa. Okay. <laughs> I always do that, don't I? That's kind of my, my trademark at this point. I thought, I thought you were just building up to it. I know. I was yeah, waiting yeah. for it, but then I was like, no, yeah. he's not. I know. And you're also being my two dads fan, I assume, right? Uh, I, it's fine. <laughs> okay. I watched this this morning uh, because uh, I we were going to record this two weeks ago, but I got sick, and uh, now it's March 1st, and so I looked up well what was new on Tubi.tv this morning <laughs> because they're really good. That's a good website to look at for yeah. free movies, and they're really organized. You could look up the year, and it gives you exactly the mm-hmm. movies on like, Amazon. Done, I've they, done that, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was like, oh, my God, Lisa is now available oh. as of March 1st on Tubi. I'm oh. going to watch it this morning. So I watched it this morning and it's not bad yeah i mean i think people can make the argument that it's it's it's, it's kind of i think silly, it even played i think it even played on lifetime channel for a while and like i would so say the, lifetime the yeah, first, very the first hour yeah, yeah hour yeah. 15 is very lifetime but that final 15 minutes i was clinging to my seat and like kind of reacting out loud there's, in the theater and i was just like oh my god this is really intense there's good knife action and oh the final yeah scene, I, think. I think it's a good movie about mother-daughter relationships too and that's come, what come, makes it work yeah is that like yeah. i think that's a really believable relationship that absolutely have. and you know i this was also the time i was like i really like talking to people on the phone till like two in the morning so i don't know that might have been another element that sort of like swayed me into like really getting into this story and the mm. way they communicate is really interesting and it's just a creepy creepy movie it's funny i searched far and wide to get because you were so passionate about this movie and i so wanted to watch it for you and so i searched far and wide to find it i found it and i got it on my computer and i forgot to watch it (laughs) i I forgot to watch it it was hard to find yeah it was very hard to find i found but i found a a site that was streaming it let's just say and uh and i I put it on my computer and i'm just like i'm gonna watch it it was like a clean copy too i'm gonna i'm gonna watch this and I just I got caught up watching Lombada and Steven Seagal and <laughs> you know some other stuff on Tubi and whatnot and I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I forgive you. Okay. I know this pain. Why do you lock yourself? 
Mansur Aya, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I can't don't speak. ask me. Mansur, yeah. Um, this was one of my f- earliest experiences seeing a foreign film and renting it from a video store and becoming really enthralled by it. Uh, it's got a really cool score uh, and again very Hitchcockian and <laughs> again very De Palma, especially when it comes to like voyeurism and people watching each other and that kind of stuff is very interesting to me. I, I just think it's it's a cool movie. Um, about really two imperfect characters crossing paths in a very interesting way. Uh, it's really good. It, it becomes a really sad tragedy too that mm. kind of works on me. I mean, again, it's a movie about like a loner who's trying to connect with somebody, but doing it in a really invasive, awkward way. Uh, and just, you know, it's definitely problematic in that regard. It's just like, you know, this guy really wants to connect with this woman, stares at her and gets to know her life that way. But, um, you know, she has, also kind of um, weird intentions involving her significant other that play into the proceedings as well. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not too familiar with the director's work, but I'm very curious to watch more of this because mm. I really like, uh, really like this movie a lot. It just sort of envelops you yeah. by the end. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, um, yeah definitely worth checking out. So. I have one thing to say really quickly about Spaced Invaders. First time I ever called on WGN... I knew my friend Sean was listening. I decided to use his name instead of mine for some reason. I don't know why. Um, I just said, hey, I'm Sean, and I want to review Spaced Invaders because I just saw it last night with my friends. And God knows why we saw it, because it's horrible. Um, it remains one of the worst movies I've ever seen. We didn't laugh once, if I recall. I could barely get through it on a rewatch. But because I reviewed Spaced Invaders on WGN, I got a Nuns on the Run t-shirt and a Hulk Hogan punching bag. Thank you to the great Roy Leonard. Uh, this, Yeah, this was the first time I ever called on WGN was for this horrible, horrible comedy. Speaking of callbacks, I forgot to mention, one, going back to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, did you catch who plays the... Uh, there's a there's a young punk in the movie. Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Oh, That's right. Teenage Mutant. And it was funny because... This happened. There's another movie we're going to get to where I noticed and like was that, and then yep. I go to IMDb and like it was, and, <laughs> yeah, and have like Sam Rockwell. There's like a brief mention, like moment with him at Lurie, like he sells something in the underground or whatever. I'm just like cigarettes. Was that cigarettes? Right, <laughs> death sticks. Um, and I was like, was that I'm like? And then I went to the you know it was, and then he shows up later and actually like he like spills the beans on oh right you know right. I'm like that's a there's Sam Rockwell. Yep, right there. He points cool. out like where the uh, exactly the hideout is. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you didn't want to talk about the first power. 
Jim, oh, you that's seemed right. like you were so jazzed to talk it's about that terrible. movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. It's really bad. I watched it because I'm just like I, I was remember thinking, it being bad. This is a but... Lou Diamond Phillips Satan thriller. Yes. Kind of yeah. Thing? Okay. Yeah. I was thinking it was another like another body switching kind of a movie when I it kind it sorta is a little bit. I mean, he's able to like get in like the homeless woman and yeah, you know, it's, he just like wrecks havoc on Lou Diamond Phillips's life. And just does it's just another shit. boring movie. It it's is just really another bad. boring ass movie. But at one point, it's worth seeing for just like turning a ceiling fan into a weapon. Like yes. he just like grabs the ceiling fan off the ceiling, yeah. and then it's still spinning, and he comes after Lou Diamond Phillips with the ceiling fan. It's just really funny. Right, it's a funny image. Okay, this is, this is when we were trying to make Lou Diamond Phillips a star. Yeah, and failing, he's really bad in it. Yeah. Okay, so uh, moving on to May then. Um, so. Got uh, Almodovar uh, had a movie, Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down. Mm. Um, I didn't get to that one. I well, this to. was the year that started uh, the NC-17 rating, and I want to say that this movie was one of the movies that got the NC-17 rating. I think eventually, I, eventually. I don't think it was. I don't. I think it was unrated when it came out, and okay. they eventually got the NC-17 rating. Okay. Um, it's a pretty sexy movie. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. Is this the one with oh, the sure. toy in the bathtub? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, like, yes, yes, yeah. yes, it is. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then a really sort of underrated little cop movie with Dabney Coleman uh, called Short Time. I really like this movie. It's, Incredibly underrated. Yeah. Detective Bert Simpson is one week from retirement. This is not a good idea. And he's not taking any chances. Ready, Tiger? I hate you for this man. He wants to spend some quality time with his wife and send his kid off to college. Can he please finish grammar school first? But a mix-up at the hospital will seriously affect his plans. It appears you have a rather rare blood disorder. We're afraid it's terminal. Terminal? Terminal? Now, he thinks he's got two weeks to live. Your life insurance policy is only good if you die in the line of duty. It means you've got to get, you know... And one week to get himself killed. I want double duty. Are you all right? What do you mean? You seem a little tense. Tense? This is, you know, and it's again, it kind of calls back to Joel. Joel small, he thinks he's going to die. Yeah. yeah, he thinks he's going to die. Right. He's, like he has some kind of brain cloud. But um, yeah, so he thinks he's going to die. And to get insurance, he starts be, acting reckless on the job uh, <laughs> and, you know, starting to, you know, see if he can die on the job. Then he gets more. Uh, his family, family gets, gets more money, insurance. Yeah. So and that's a really funny Reoccurring joke is every time he gets out of a bad like action scene, he gets a Medal of Honor, and the look on Trey Wilson's face <laughs> yeah. when he's presenting to him is priceless. Right, uh, right. And really, this is one of the, this movie has one of the great car chases of all it time. Really that does. really surprised me. I forgot oh yeah, about that. Oh my god, is this a great car chase? Yeah, and and, and it's. You can't get this movie anywhere, I don't think. No. I mean, it's like really. I mean, you, I watched it on YouTube. It's all on YouTube. Okay. Um, and it's worth watching. I mean, it's it's really funny, and and the, that I 
I can't stress uh, like how good the chase scene is in this movie because he's trying to wreck the car that he's in. Yes. <laughs> so he good. really does a great job of wrecking yeah. this car. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I was, I'm, I'm, glad I, I'm glad I watched this one again and, and yeah. rediscovered it. Yeah. What you just said, Jim, I mean, it's the fact that Dabney Coleman has a lead role yeah. in yeah. the movie. And yeah. that's, I mean, that alone is cause for celebration as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this movie, I mean, made no money. Um, it wasn't really well received at the time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, everything is, I mean, it is just, it's funny and the, 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 I mean, not, I mean, there's some decent action just generally in the mm-hmm. movie. I mean, the car chase is a standout, but there's some generally solid action stuff. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a funny movie. Yeah. When we skipped over that, I'll just briefly say that I have a memory of is uh tales from the dark side, oh, which is not too? good. It's not good. However, okay. The image of a black cat coming out of William Hickey's mouth will never leave my my memory. I just think that's a hilarious image. I kind of like this movie, actually. Yeah, I, yeah it's not great. Um, I saw it in the theater with my uncle. I remember actually. the cat segment the most, obviously. Well, you remember who's <laughs> in the first segment? <sighs> Julianne Moore? Julianne Moore and? Mm. Not the star. Well, I mean, he kind of is the star of it, but... Christian Slater is. Yeah, I know he's in it. Steve Buscemi. Oh, that's right. Steve Buscemi is the one who is commanding the mummy. That's right. Uh, And then the third segment is James Ramar uh, and Ray Don Chong, which Mm -hmm. also has a nice button to it as well. I I I kind of like the. I really like the cat segment. Yeah, I did. I really like the cat segment, and I think that the the bookends the the mummy one isn't great, but it's kind of fun to see more in Buscemi mm-hmm. in very early roles. That's worth seeing for the cat segment. Yeah, I think yeah. the cat segment is pretty great. Another reason why we watched Joe versus Volcano last night is because the movie we watched before that was Last Exit to Brooklyn. Oh, oh fun no, times. Colin! Oh, oh no, brother! Good lord! Fun times uh, because we we doesn't it's another oh. movie that's almost impossible to find. Uh, but we got the VHS from Facets, and it's been sitting here for a long time. And you told me, Jim, that it's it's based on a book by the writer of Requiem, Requiem for a Dream, and I was like, "Well, great! Uh, thanks for sapping oh, my thank enthusiasm." Thank you so much, there. Hubert Selby Jr., for just scarring us all. Good lord! Brace yourself. I don't want to know anything. This film holds you in its grip. They're coming out. On the mean streets of Britain, a strike. You want to give in now? Is that what you want? No! No, we want to work! In a neighborhood with three strikes against it. You think she's just fat? But she's fat. She's fat. Then she's a virgin. Now no more she. Oh, Bella, bella, bella! Boys, you got something on your minds? Light. Based on the controversial bestseller by Herbert Shelby, Last Exit to Brooklyn. Kind of like I said, it's almost impossible to find, and uh, it's probably better off being buried and hard to find. It's not it's very not good, most, but uh, it, I do like Jennifer Jason Lee and everything practically. And yeah, this is another one of her train wrecks, yeah, and um, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> big time mm. oh god yeah you can tell in that last 20 minutes that this is from a writer of requiem for yeah. a dream uh-huh. this one's not as depressing though believe it or not uh it does kind of at least try to end on an optimistic note or as mm, optimistic yeah. as a movie sure. with fred uh not fred uh what the hell is his name? Uh, the uncle paulie what the uh, bert, bert, bert bert young, young. oh yeah, yeah. 
uh, you Bert know, Ward would have been interesting. Bert, <laughs> Bert Young in his boxer shorts and wife beater in the first ten minutes, and are like, "Oh, this is that movie." Okay, yeah. great. Ugh. From the director uh, of Body of Evidence, which we'll be watching in a couple of years. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what I, what I mean. That's a couple of years. I'm watching it tonight. Oh okay, <laughs> you can. I will. Uh, yeah, it's a brutal movie. Uh, not very, uh, again, doesn't really hold up culturally in terms of its depiction of gay life. Uh, gay Holy people. shit, Sam Rockwell's in this. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, so uh, mm. Mm. It's, a br- it's a brutal movie. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Anyway, okay. um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to talk briefly about Without You, I'm Nothing, uh, which mm-hmm. is the performance I film. Because I do like Sandra Bernhardt. I do you, like her. Well, that helps. Yeah, uh, I do like her. <laughs> because this is a very, I mean, I... Uh, I was a fan going into this movie. I you know, loved her on Letterman, you know, of course, King of Comedy. Um, every time she's on Letterman, she, I, I think she killed it. A lot of people found her obnoxious and, and unbearable, but I, I, and she has an acquired taste. She is. Um, but I recommend listening to the, the album of this movie first because the, the, the it's basically a se- sequence of characters. It's a one woman show and she's doing all these characters, but um, the album version is, uh, you know, a live show where it's, you can hear the audience laughing and, and, you know, and, and then the movie version is just her doing these performances, but she's like in a nightclub where nobody's laughing. And a lot of her characters are sort of based on like black women and, and she's kind of like in, in, not parodying them, but parodying a white person trying to be black and the black people in the audience are just kind of looking at her with this dead serious look like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, and it's, it's, it's an uncomfortable movie to watch if you don't know like what it's really going for. That's why I, I recommend listening to the album first before watching the movie. It's a, it's a weird, fascinating movie. I, I, I love it. I, I think it's great, but hmm. um, who directed it. Uh, oh man, I don't know. He, he's not a guy who's done a lot of stuff. Nicholas Rogue produced it, oh, okay. uh, which makes sense because she was in track 29, which he, right. which he directed a couple years back. Um, and it's a really fascinating way to make a performance film, um, a really ballsy, gutsy way to make uh, uh, this kind of movie instead of just doing a straight ahead, just filming her doing her show. Um, and you know, there's a, there's a there's a personal artistic statement that she's making in this movie that uh, I think is 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 pretty brave and pretty uh, genius. So I I love this movie, but you have to be a Sandra Bernhard fan. It's an acquired taste. It's mm-hmm. not for everybody. So you know. Yeah, when I saw okay. the title "Happy Together" on here, I was thinking, "Oh, cool, get to watch a one car why mo- movie." And then I looked it up and I'm like, "Oh no, that's later. This is the and, Helen Slater movie, right?" Yeah, and Patrick and I, Dempsey. Yeah, I guess I haven't. I got them all mixed up. <laughs> And I even thought we were going to watch uh, Days of Being Wild because every everywhere I looked, it said 1990 for that Wong Kar Wai movie. But I guess it's, again, one of those cases where it comes out the next year. Mm. Um, however, there is a movie here called Longtime Companion. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was one that, again, I kept seeing 1989 as a, a release. Yeah. So it probably played festivals or something like right. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it came out this year and... Rare cancer seen in 41 homosexuals. The cause of the outbreak is unknown, and there is yet no evidence of contagion. It's the greatest challenge they've ever had to face. We've been given your name as a contact for John Deacon. Your friend has pneumonia. He has a high fever. How high? 105. Then they don't even tell him what they've told me and David. 
I'm so sorry. It's just not fair. It's not fair. And they're facing it the only way they know how, with laughter. You look at yourself in the mirror and you say, I love my ears, I love my nose, I love myself. Well, I love my toes. <laughs> and I love my nose. Right. With courage. I'm an actor. And I have AIDS. They've changed their mind about the part for some reason. They're going to use somebody else. I'm sorry. But most of all, with each other. It's really good. It's it's very good. Um, very still talky. Hold, you watch it recently? Yeah, it yeah, holds yeah. Up? I, I'd say I'd say it does. Okay. I, 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 I do yeah. like filmed plays. It's something I've like. I notice I just enjoy watching characters interact and talk mm-hmm. and hang out in rooms, you know. Mm-hmm. And even if it's just limited spaces or in a hospital bed or wherever, and they're just having real, genuine human moments. And plus, this was one of the first movies to address AIDS. It was the first movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Philadelphia gets credited with being the first mainstream yes. movie. This was the first movie, too. I think this movie does a better job. Um, and I, it's, it's because it's, uh, the performances across the board, these are all unknowns, pretty much. Yeah. Like, uh, for the most part, they were all pretty much unknown actors at the time. It's the one with Bruce uh, Davison, right? Bruce Davidson. Yeah, I think he was, yeah, he was yeah. nominated. Yeah. Yeah. Who uh, I can totally see why. Because uh, yeah. I, I this the when we watched when I watched it uh, about a month ago, it was my first time seeing it. I hadn't seen it until now, and uh, I was like, "Wow, this is this is a really a, a beautiful movie." And his scene uh, in the hospital oh. is just heartbreaking yeah and not and showy you expect no, like the big breakdown or something but no, man like, because that's the nature of his character so he just holds everything in yeah and you know uh so yeah the, and this campbell is, scott's really good mm-hmm. yeah it's a really great ensemble yeah really and it really um, captures that time period because it takes place in the early 80s so mm-hmm. it kind of goes through i think like the three decade, yeah. or is it three years i'm not sure it's like it goes over a period of period of time yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it, it's just like this group of guys are, you know, and it's like every time they go advance a year, mm-hmm. one of them's gone. And, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great, really moving. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. Um, I've still never seen bird on a wire. Never. I haven't huh? either. Never have. Really? You've wait, you've never seen bird on a wire either. Um, I feel like my parents watched it and I, watched it in passing kind okay. of a thing like i think they were watching it on maybe hbo or something yeah. and i was just like eh. i'm not saying you should rush out no. at all at, at all i mean it doesn't is, steven tobolowski like wrestle an alligator or something kind, i don't know, you know, I don't know gets, why he's he thrown that. in well that that's the, the story that steven tobolowski tells on the steven tobolowski's birthday party i think is in, in that particular one yeah uh, we're talking about filming bird on a wire and how his character was supposed to die a certain way mm-hmm. uh and they ended up not having the time to do it so he ends up getting a different death scene in the movie um I mean, this is mel gibson and goldie hawn in a john badham film and that's when i say john badham film that's i mean that's you get mm-hmm. what you get yeah. with later you know john badham films uh this is right in that you know more of like stakeout mm-hmm. and you know that that period. i'm sure there's good action sequences it's, but yeah. the action sequences are fine and gibson and Hawn are you know are are charming charming enough together and it's fun watching those two it was a big uh, hit to interact um it, it yeah it was it, it seven very million, well, 70 million dollars yeah. um david carradine is the one of the bad guys oh, right. in the movie steven tobolowski uh bill duke i think is the other bad guy in, in the film yeah i mean it's 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 exactly what it sounds like it is just it's cross-country you know witness protection guy ex-wife 
they fight the whole movie. They're running from killers. Mm-hmm. It's ex- it's exactly. I mean, it's an eighties movie that, that happened to come out nineteen ninety, basically. Uh, and you know, it's it is what it is. Yeah, that's why I never made it a priority. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's not. A, it's not a priority at all. I don't know why I've seen Cadillac Man like four or five times, and I and it's not recently. This was like something that I think just showed up on cable, and it was just like. It's not it a good movie. It's yeah. not a good movie. It's very shrill. It's very loud, obnoxious movie. A lot of people yelling and screaming at each other. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think I just liked the pairing of Robin Williams and, and Tim Robbins together. Just right. You know, I think that's the highlight of the movie. Really, I mean, it obviously doesn't age well with just Robin Williams. Like, uh, yeah, it's just he's just kind of like a playboy dude, you know, sleeping around <laughs> with Annabelle Shiora. Oh all gosh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, it's not. It it's not good. I don't recommend it. But I, I no, just it's, remember, it's I, like one of those. I kind of go. I, why do I remember scenes from this movie so vividly for some reason? Yeah, it's bad. Okay. I, won't, I won't even say bad. I, I I wouldn't go so far to say it bad. It's just it's confused. Yeah, you know. I mean, I, I I'm a, as a Robin Williams fan. I like. I think Robin Williams is actually good in the movie. Yeah, no, I, I say like that. I like Tim Roberts is playing like really super. I mean, if you thought he was he's dumb in Bull Durham, he's like he's really you know scales it down for this one, uh, IQ wise. Yeah. Um, okay. And now we get to a good one, a very good one. Firebirds. What? <laughs> no. no. Okay. Strapless. <laughs> what is strapless? Oh. Oh, baby, fly. Back to the Future, Part Three. Mm-hmm. 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 The, conclusion, <laughs> the conclusion of one of the greatest trilogies of yeah, all time. It's it, this and is I, I kind of like liken this to same way I talk about Last Crusade, which is that so much fun when yeah. you when you um, watch all three movies in a row. Once you get to Back to the Future 3, uh, for me anyway, I get a little fatigued. The jokes start repeating themselves. I'm like, oh, we're repeating this joke again, we're repeating this joke again. And was, this is the echo, and this is another echo. Yeah. And I start getting like, I shouldn't have watched these three movies altogether because <laughs> I'm kind of tired of it now. Same way when I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark and Temple of Doom and Last Crusade all in one sitting. It's just not a great idea because when, and, but then when you watch it isolated, uh, I think it it's it's wonderfully it, it's it's such a good time. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it's a lot more fun that way to, to watch it on its own. And I gotta say, I was talk about nail biting. God, that's the the, the Zemeckis's direction uh, of the action taking place on the train, and just like you know them dangling and all that stuff really got to me when I was first seeing it. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god, this is so beautifully done. Uh, and I, I, I really love the romance, you know, between between Doc and uh, mm-hmm. Mary Steenburgen. I that really is like my that favorite too. stuff in this one because yeah. they, so they, they shift the focus to Doc, which I think is the smart thing to do mm-hmm. at this point. Because um, because Marty's kind of had his story, like he's already had to get back a couple times, right. basically. And, and it's about this, rescuing Doc. So, and this yeah. is, I mean, this you know, this is Doc getting a chance to have his moment in the the invention that he created. So mm-hmm. like that stuff 
always works beautifully for me. I'm with Colin, as, you know, as much as I love these movies and I love Zemeckis, you're, you're right that he, there is a lot of, I mean, one of the themes of the entire trilogy is, you know, if you don't learn your history, you're doomed to repeat it. And that's a kind of a running gag <laughs> yeah. for the entire thing because they just keep repeating the same chase sequences and introductions of mm-hmm. Biff and all the, all that kind of stuff. And, and the Griff in this one, um, not Griff, uh, Buck, what's his name? What's his name? Mad dog. Mad dog. Yeah. Mad dog. Tannen. Mm-hmm. Right. Griff is the, never mind. Um, <laughs> <Part> two. <laughs> they're all blending together. Uh, and the climax is a lot of fun. Yeah. You know? It and really is well done. It's just fun. to Zemeckis having some fun with the Western cliches and stuff like that. And, um, getting some old time, um, Western stars to be in the movie and stuff like that. And the interesting callback to part two, when he sees um, good, bad, the ugly, right on the TV in it's just uh, for a few dollars more. Yeah. It's a few dollars more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then he actually uses that. And also, you know, he plays the Western gunman and that Mm -hmm. too as well. Yeah. No, they're clearly, they're setting up a lot of stuff. For the, I, the yeah, I don't stuff mind in, the repeating the uh, or the callbacks, I guess. No. And I also like the, the, the stuff when he, he sees his, his uh, the, um, ancestors. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. With, played by himself and Leigh Thomas and whatnot. Seamus, yeah. That, that's, that stuff's fun, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a sweet it's movie. just, you it's just really good. want to hug the movie. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. yeah. I want to hug the entire yeah. trilogy. Thank you so much for making these movies. Please. Freaks! <laughs> <laughs> It's not just graffiti. The rebels took over the refinery last night. No turbidium is going out. And it gets worse. The rebels are... Total Recall. Yes. Yes. Great frick. (laughs) Flick? Yeah. (laughs) Great freaking flick. Okay. Total Recall. (laughs) Uh, Paul Verhoeven film here, and uh, well, the reason why I I, I I watched this one a lot, and but the, the the highlight for me within the past year was it Cinepocalypse actually it was Cinepocalypse yeah um holy cow why is his name escaping me Michael Ironside thank you Michael Ironside How dare was you? there I know I feel <laughs> horrible uh, he was there and did an incredibly memorable Q and A great Q and A yeah yeah uh, and talked about his involvement with this film and told great stories and it still holds up for me I still really get a kick out of this one like some some Arnold films don't hold up very well and we'll get to them as the years progress but. Um, yeah, I mean, Paul Verhoeven and Arnold, you can't go wrong with this combination. And plus it's a Philip K. Dick adaptation. And th- th- to me, that's, that's, you know, uh, cream of the crop in terms of great science fiction writers and authors. And, um, the, it's, it's, it's a really cool, weird, subversive movie that, uh, I think has great action and, uh, a really good storyline. And I certainly just, uh, over the years grow to love it and appreciate it more and more. There's very little I can say I don't like about Total Recall. It's I always like blast. The, I always love the stuff on Earth because the Earth is one giant chase sequence for like pretty much. Minutes, mm-hmm. You know, uh, it slows down a little bit when it gets to Mars, but mm-hmm. it's still fun to see that world kind of realized. And I don't know if the science really holds up as far as <laughs> that's concerned, but that's okay. Yeah, um, yeah it's just, it, it, it's an, it's an incredibly fun film and a movie that. Really, kind of gave Schwarzenegger. I mean, he was this is right. I mean, we're going to talk about another Schwarzenegger movie this year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but he was he was starting to make that transition where he wasn't just doing action movies. Okay, yeah. uh, but you know, Predator was a pretty solid hit, but this was like a big hit uh, for for Schwarzenegger at the time, and um, really kind of announced Verhoeven as American presence, mm-hmm. uh, if you will, and. Uh, yeah, it's just the it's, most it's just expensive so movie at the time. I believe that's correct. Of supplanting the abyss from the year earlier because the special yeah, effects were pretty right. advanced, and it won yes. a special Academy Award for the special effects. Mm, right, correct. Uh, and so they still hold up pretty well. Actually, yeah, I think they hold so. Very much so. Yeah, yeah, I like it too. I, I think it's a lot of fun. I think I, 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 I get a little like I, I get kind of wanted to end like within the last half hour i'm kind of like okay i kind of want to wrap this i kind of want to wrap this up but you worried about give these people air (laughs) if you're if you're a short if you're a fan of the short scenario that goes this is your movie oh Oh my god i am such a i am oh my god just because i was watching running man just happened to be last night there's a lot of there's a lot of that in running man i love it yeah love it and again what is reality? Was it a dream? I don't know. It's it's. I'm just saying it's not Inception. No, it's <laughs> not. That, like the ending of the movie, you know, there people are legitimately just like, I really don't know how. It, oh, come on, no. <laughs> come on. Uh, yeah. Um, Fun times. Yeah. Now a movie that was supposed to be a bigger hit than it was uh, came out um, in in June. Where that's the month we're in. We're talking in the month yeah. of June yeah. now. Uh, Dick Tracy. Uh, Warren Beatty's wow. sort of comeback movie after this is his first movie after Ishtar. Uh, he directed this one and um, cast a lot of his buddies in it: Al Pacino, Dustin Hoffman, uh, Mandy Patinkin, um, James Caan. I think is in it too, uh, Sorvino, and his briefly, Paul Sorvino yeah. and his girlfriend Madonna at the time. Yeah, um, yeah. and uh, and made what I think is a kind of a. I think it's a cool movie. I, I do. I. I um, production design production design is amazing is it's a the beautiful colors, it's it's yeah. a beautiful looking film it i is. i enjoy the gangster characters in it they're you know the goofy sort of mm-hmm. cartoonish characters um i, I pacino's having a blast in this it movie is a cartoon. i think yeah. i think he's i think he was nominated too he was and uh just inventing quotes and attributing them to presidents uh which i that that was a funny gag. Uh, Danny Elfman's score, I think, is great. Uh, it's mm-hmm. got a lot of Gershwin flourishes in it um, that I think is that are really nice. And I just I don't know I I I really enjoy this movie. It's not by no means is it perfect. I mean, it's got you know. I heard you guys groaning when I mentioned Madonna. She's definitely the weak link in this film. Absolutely. Um, but I think she's got great songs in it. I think she's, I, you know, the song won the Academy Award uh, sooner or later, written by Stephen Sondheim. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, right, yeah. And uh, so I, 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 and I like the album she made that kind of centers around it. The mm-hmm. I'm Breathless album um, led to a great tour, uh, which was covered in the Madonna movie we'll talk about next year. Yay! Um, so this is like, this is a period of Madonna that I love. Uh, Understandably the, the, the late so. 80s, early 90s Madonna I, I love. Um, Especially Body of Evidence. <laughs> up to Body of Evidence. <laughs> and then, it's, then it goes downhill. I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a, that's a crazy movie. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, I, I've, I've always been a defender of Dick Tracy. Um, and, but I can kind of see why it didn't like catch fire the way it was supposed to. It was supposed to be the summer's Batman. It was basically marketed that way. It was heavily marketed. It was yeah. heavily marketed. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't think you have to even apologize in any way for liking this movie. Yeah, I mean, no, it's, I it's, so. it's, it's my biggest, I mean, my biggest problem with the movie 
it's not even so much Madonna's acting, which is not great, um, but it is the songs. Uh, not specifically the, the songs themselves, because they are fine songs, but, I mean, this is like one of, like the most montage-heavy movie since Rocky IV. That's, yeah, that's, and that's, that's true. that stuff in the middle of it uh, is just like, you know, like, oh, this is Warren Beatty giving Madonna more time mm-hmm. here. Yep, yep, you know, yep, just yep. like, keep, the, mm-hmm. keep, keep that lingerie coming in at home, <laughs> Breathless. Uh, this is beautiful. I want to hang this on my wall. I got to hand it to you. Hey, Nate! Your people did it. They got Tracy out of the way. Keep him out of the way. Boys, we're back in business. Maybe I'll run for mayor myself. Mr. Day, it seemed the world was about to end. Dignity, as though it would last half a year. Yesterday, disaster waited around the bend. Well, my friend. Yeah, I, I that like stuff it. does slow the movie down, but yeah. at the same time, I love watching it because it's just yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's a yeah. feast <laughs> for right. thine eyes. Yes, yes it is. Um, but then the same weekend, another movie that was supposed to be a big hit, uh, but it really wasn't, and for entirely different reasons, <laughs> Gremlins <laughs> 2, The New Batch. Yay! Yay. Uh, Yay! For my money, the best sequel of the year and the funniest movie of this year. Oh God, yes! I it is hysterically funny. watched it last weekend and laughed all over again. Um, this is Joe Dante basically given license to do whatever he wants, uh, which is as we will learn. You'll learn from watching the movie that's a dangerous thing for a studio to do yes. for mm-hmm. an anarchist like Joe Dante. Yeah. Um, so he basically made a movie that you know just kind of parodies and and pokes fun at the original while you know being very self-referential and breaking the fourth wall uh cinematically and uh just trying out every trick he can with all of his friends um, that was my first experience of breaking the fourth wall thinking about it in the theater because i can't remember was it was it hulk hogan that shows up yes. in the theater version oh yes, yes. yeah yes. Right. okay okay you guys listen up People pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Do I have to come up there myself? Do you think the Grimsters can stand up to the Hulkster? Well, if I were you, I'd run the rest of Gremlins too, right now. Sorry, folks. It won't happen again. Because the whole audience was fooled. When that happened right. in the theater. Yeah. The film breaks. And yeah. then yeah. you really thought it happened. Yeah. And that was great. Yeah, it was. Uh, and then, um, and then on video, they changed it. It was like a VHS. Like it made it look like your VHS was crapping out. Yeah. Uh, but then it wasn't. Um, but then a la- the laser discs, they had the, the original the theatrical version. Yeah. So, okay. Um, no, this is one of my fa- absolute favorite movies of the year. It's my second favorite Joe Dante movie. As, 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 if, if you're a big Joe Dante fan, I mean, I don't know how you don't like this, but um, if you're not a big Joe Dante fan, you're not, you don't know his sense of humor and you watch this thing <laughs> expecting, you know, like another, ver- you know, Gremlins movie. Well, it is, but this is definitely like its its own universe, its own thing. It yeah, is like incredibly it, subversive. Yeah, it completely breaks a lot of rules. Um, and it's a lot and of, and they make fun of the rules yeah. with the gremlins right, at one point. Right, right. That's hilarious. Um, it's just, and really Phoebe f- Cates gets cut off and doesn't get to tell her story. Yes. This time. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. 
so it's funny. brilliant. It's well, a it's, brilliant comedy. I mean, it's it, it's. I mean, people always like to reference this movie as the movie that just basically takes a crap on sequels, and and that's. Yeah. I mean, because they were trying for years and years to get Dante to do a sequel to Gremlins because it was a huge hit in 1984, and you know, I mean, I think Dante probably had the same was like, well, what are we going to do again? Yeah, you know, kind of thing. And this movie <laughs> is all about that. It's just like, yeah. oh, okay, well, you know. Let's acknowledge that we don't really have an idea here, <laughs> and and we're gonna make fun of Trump. Who? Okay, yeah, that, exactly. Uh, John Glover doing a great uh, is a clamp. Yeah, yeah, Daniel the clamp, clamp, clamp building. The clamp yeah. building is, 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 is. I mean, he has a lot of fun with that. That's a, yeah. an original conceit, and it's funny doing that. Uh, but I always like that when people really like call this movie the most subversive. I always go back. A year li- earlier to Back to the Future Part Two, which sure. is also a riff on sequels and going back into the first movie and mm-hmm. s- changing things and you know and poking holes in certain things and whatnot. Uh, so I think those two movies back to back really mm-hmm. play well off of each other. I think the, yeah, the no, Zemeckis definitely. Dante two of my favorites from the eighties. Uh, but no, it is yeah. I mean, was, I, Roger Ebert again. I keep invoking him because um, I read him a lot, and he just like. Like they don't have anything here, and he's like, "Well, you kind of missed the point yeah. on this one." Rather was like, yeah. "Well, will they just do the same movie over again?" I'm like, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> he. Pro- I mean, he, but to be fair to Roger, he probably only saw the original one once, true, and mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't revere it like the same way we do. It's mm-hmm. you know, it a different generation, so yeah. Um, so I could see that he that he would right. come away with that. It appeals to my sense of humor in every way, and it's just really clever, really right. funny throughout, and. uh you know, to have Leonard Malton show up because he gave the original <laughs> Gremlins a bad review. Yeah, that's funny. That's uh-huh. really Lee, funny. You know, yep. I mean, and he gets to do his old science fiction riffs and stuff like that mm-hmm. as a body snatchers reference, obviously. Oh, that means some, whole, the whole lab is. Yeah, you, you know, get some crazy oh Gremlins in this lightning Gremlin. Yeah. Well, the best is the brain gremlin. Yeah, I mean, that's really you know good. That, that that that's just genius. Every yeah. time that every time that brain gremlin shows up, I'm just I'm laughing yeah. hysterically. Voiced by Tony Randall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. brilliant stuff. Yep. Still holds up. Yeah. And uh, briefly, I'll tell this story. One of my favorite movie-going experiences was when they showed Gremlins 2 and Matinee at the Chicago International Film Festival uh, mm-hmm. um, at the Music Box Theater. And uh, who sat behind me during Gremlins 2 but Joe Dante. Mm-hmm. And, and he laughed, right? He laughed all the way through it. It was like one of the most joyous experiences That's of my so life good was to hear. watching Gremlins 2 with Joe Dante sitting behind me, laughing at his own film and having a great time. Aww. Oh, my God. What a great time. Oh, okay. I hope he gets to make his Roger Corman movie because I think he's I think they're in pre-production on something. Okay. I think. I hope. This is certainly one of the more sequel-heavy summers in a... Good in, Lord. You know, yeah. And, and sequel-heavy year. Sequel-heavy year for certain. And if Gremlins 2 is the best or at least one of the best sequels uh a week earlier another 48 hours came oh, out yeah, that's right yeah um <sighs> and it, th- this is like heart sinkingly bad yeah mm-hmm. and uh and I, I i found myself like watching on bits of it on cable and whatnot and it's just like you know you bring these two guys back together who had such great chemistry in in the original movie made eddie murphy a star and this is like the Eddie Murphy, like not wanting any part of this movie. Mm-hmm. And you can just, tell, yeah. yeah. And it's the whole movie is. Just, I mean, the whole movie wasn't it? Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say the whole movie. They are just yelling at each other. There's mm-hmm. no. They, there's, they don't like each other the entire movie. And why Makes would no you want to spend time with these guys? Uh, and then it has like one of the most ridiculous twists 
ever. Oh, yeah. And the reveal of the villain. <laughs> it was just like, we still laugh about it to this day. It's just like, oh, it was his friend the whole time. And it's like, wait a minute, his friend from the whole movie? Which is fun to, it's actually, you go back and watch 48 Hours and you just go like, oh, he's on the phone with the drug dealers. Okay, I get it. That's, yeah. you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of fun to do. But Wasn't it PG-13? No. Oh, okay. Oh, no. It's, 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 okay. it's very, it's a very ugly movie, okay. too. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, as Walter Hill was never shy about violence, but I mean, he's just randomly killing everybody mm. in this movie. I mean, from the opening stuff, and he's just killing, you know, random, you know, beat cops and stuff. And, yeah. You know, and, and I think this movie has set the, the record the most shattered glass in any movie. <laughs> uh, it's just the entire uh, finale in this bar, just every, every, anyone who gets shot, glass. Everyone just, they go through glass, the glass is being shot, they run through glass, everything happens. Hmm. Glass, 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 glass. It's, it's just bad. Yeah. And Gremlin's worst, maybe Walter Hill's worst movie? Yeah. yeah. Well, one of them. No, the, he did that assignment movie. Oh. Oh, that oh, the boy. transgender talk about problematic assassin movie. Oh my god! Uh, so Gremlins Two is sandwiched between two disappointing sequels, that yeah. and RoboCop Two, Whew. which uh, I mean, coming off the first RoboCop, I had such high hopes for this, and directed by Irvin Kershner. <laughs> All people. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, of Paul course you, you want this to succeed, you know. Yeah. And I think the first. 10, 15, 20, maybe 20 minutes. There's some really interesting stuff. Like all the stuff with his wife, uh-huh. I think is really good. Like, I think it starts strong, uh, but then it just becomes unbearably yeah, dull. They want to reprogram him and stuff. Oh, and yeah. Ugly. Just, and very ugly. Yes. Uh, yeah. Having the little the, kid is the, yeah, that's, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah just an unpleasant film uh, that was, which is really sad that like what happened to this franchise and what happened to, you yeah, know. it fell down real quick. Yeah. Behave yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. I was watching this going, Oh yeah, man, I'm in pain. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Bill Cosby. Yeah. No, um, no. <laughs> Betsy's wedding. I didn't even touch that one again. No. I didn't. I don't need to. <clears throat> Alan Alda has a comedy. Betsy's wedding. Was that good? No. No. It's oh, not. it's not. No. Uh, what's no. the movie you guys liked that I didn't see? Uh, Cousins, right? Well, that was the. Cousins. Oh, yeah. That was the wedding movie. Nothing to see. Alan no. No. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. Um. And then we watched Days of Thunder the other night. Mm. Let's, let's go. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. I got like nothing like <laughs> hardcore to say about it. I just. Two it's, Tony Scott movies, right? In one yeah. Year? yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. And this um, is the better one. Are you really lucky? Are you all scared? You're scared. He doesn't believe you can drive anymore. I'll take your word for what a car can do. But I'm not taking anybody's word for what I can do because nobody knows. You get back in that car and you'll die. Well, it, is. it is what it is. Like, um, okay, so this is the weekend my dad and I went to the movies because we saw Days of Thunder and the next movie we're going to talk about, and we were in shock that we didn't like either of them. Well, this was supposed to be. They wanted this to be Top Gun all over. Yeah, again. yeah. They wanted this to be that big my of a hit. My dad loves Top Gun. Right. Uh, didn't <laughs> didn't quite get there, but um, by no means a bomb. No. But uh, it's basically just it's Tom Cruise in a race car and Robert Duvall being Robert Duvall and it's Top Gun in a race car. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some fun stuff in this movie. I, I, I actually don't dislike this movie that much. Um, I think it's, it's OK. It's, eh. it's, it's not. I, I, I'm going to say I, that again about another one that everybody I, seems I would to much, like. So <laughs> I would much rather watch Ford v. Ferrari again. Yeah. Of but course. Uh, for a race car movie, it's, it's OK. 
Yeah. Yeah. Kind of see Ford v Ferrari bored me. Really? That yeah, movie. That's, that's that movie surprising. bored me. Oh. This movie. I. I. I Defend this movie. Okay. I, it's, I don't. It's not high art. By no, it's not. It's, it's you know. But I I will take it over Top Gun. Yeah, oh, I will too. Actually, okay. Because mm-hmm. um, I think because I mean Robert Town <laughs> wrote this movie. That's weird. You know, and uh, and there's some really good. There is some actually really good dialogue in this movie. I think Duvall is really good. Oh, yeah, in this he's movie. the best. Thing I think for the, that, the sure. stuff with him always talking to the car and whatnot. I think him as the father figure to Cruz works really well. Um, yeah, I just, I mean, I, the racing stuff never really interests me in general, you know. No. I, I don't, I don't really, you know, you know, the, you know Night, Stroker Ace, whatever. Um, it, it just doesn't interest me that much. But I like the the stuff around it. I like the stuff around it, uh, including the uh, Michael Rooker's wife in the movie who calls him Tom <laughs> at one point. In the film, do you catch that? No. When when they go to visit him on like his home or whatever after the accident and stuff, he's going to confront him and everything. Yeah. Uh, the you know the, this is this is Nicole Kidman and then she goes, hey, "Hi, Tom." You know, so <laughs> just nah. back to it. But no, yeah. I I I don't understand. I I defend it as I think a pushback against like why people like think this is like one of the worst movies like ever been. I don't made think it's something. You know they, what? They, awful. they referred to it. I mean, they, they Days of Thunder comes up and immediately you see people just like, oh Jesus Christ, Jesus H Christ. So moving on to July, um, maybe my second favorite sequel of the year. Oh, I like Die Hard too. Yeah, what is going? What is yeah. this groaning I'm hearing? I over never here? liked it. Oh, oh I'm for sorry. God's sakes. Jesus Christ. Jesus H. Christ. Maybe it, maybe it was like my dad did some inception thing on me on it because he was like, <laughs> okay, first of all, he knew the plane and planes like that didn't come with ejector seats. And he was like, actually, like, pin, he was, you know, pinpointing all the things that were inaccurate that would never happen in this movie, which was really interesting. Okay. And I understand, okay, it's an action movie. Plausibility goes out the window. I understand that mm-hmm. completely, and I, I just, I, I prefer the claustrophobia. I prefer. Being oh, I definitely in one, prefer the first. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Definitely. Yeah, this yeah. Is I just in dispute. even. I don't know. William Sadler, just like I don't know. I just don't think he's that great of a villain in this. Um, I mean, I like. Uh, he does, you know, work out naked. That's exactly. psycho. Yeah, That's psychotic. Yeah, it is psychotic. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, there was something else that he pointed out about this that was just like ridiculously implausible. Uh, I guess that leaking fuel you couldn't light uh, leaking fuel. Probably there was there was there was a couple of things (laughs) that just like like he pointed out to me is like this was not good because of this and this and this, and I was just kind of like I just shrugged my shoulders and went I wasn't really I mean other than the icicle in the face moment I just didn't really get into this movie in any way I was Mm. really really surprised and to this day I just kind of go eh. I'd rather be watching the first one, and I know they're two different directors. I know they're two di- completely different movies, but um, I just I I don't get the sense of you know like just the visceral impact that I got from the first one in this at all. Um, I'm just in, indifferent to, to disagree. It. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Most no, people I, most people really like it, and I'm just well. I remember going into it. I'm just like with that kind of attitude. I'm just like, how could you? Top, I mean, not that they were going to top it, but how could you get yourself in this situation again? Like, what are the odds? You know, so I'm just like, okay. Die hard on the plane. Right, you know, exactly. But- um, and yet I found myself enjoying a lot of those movies mm-hmm. over the years. Oh, sure. No, I um, like, uh, yeah, your, uh, what's the executive, executive decision. decision. Yes, yeah. totally. Team executive decision all day. Of course. But, but just as a 
action exercise. And it's really, it's, I think it's a really well crafted movie. There, there's great action s- sequences, great setups in the movie. The, the, the ejector seat thing that you, you talked about is a great way to visualize that, uh, on screen. The, the climax of the movie is great. Um, it starts to get, it, it gets a little away from, uh, the, human aspect of the John McClane character because he does does do some crazy stuff but at the same time unlike the later movies in the in the, in the series there's still moments like when he you know he hits the guy in the eye with the icicle and he has to look away mm-hmm. from it because even he's grossed out yeah, by it. Yeah. Uh, him you know trying to justify to jump on the wing of the plane you know like what you know what are you doing like I don't like to lose you know I, mm-hmm. I like stuff stuff like that in the movie um yeah, it, it it's always worked for me. So, I think it's just it's just a matter of comparing it to the first one, really. In my case, it's really uh-huh. just like I, I miss the rapport he had with uh, Twinkie Twinkie Cop. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, Bring him back. Yeah. kind of for just like the a second, facts, man. Just the facts. Yeah, not not as memorable of a villain, and no, the vi- no. As, uh, but I think I mean, w- once a villain crashes a plane, all bets are off. I think sometimes, that's true. You yeah. know, no, that's, so, I mean, that's as, certainly as personality, a personality. No, you're yeah. not going to touch. Rickman, yeah, the, the, that's. No, off the I've table. never been a Rennie Harlan guy in general. I mean, I like Long Kiss Goodnight. But well, I don't speaking know. of which, uh, we could skip ahead a little bit because this director had two movies uh, within a week of each other. Uh, you know, re- released two weeks or a week mm-hmm. apart. Uh, he did uh, Die Hard Two. Uh, came out on July six, and then The Adventures of Ford Fairlane with Andrew Dice Clay came out j- a week later on July thirteenth. Wow. Yeah. That's got to be rare. For it's very rare uh, for a director to have that. Spielberg, yeah. Spielberg had it, did it. Um, Tintin about 10 and years Warhorse. ago. Yeah. Robin Lee. I fucked them. Oh! And Rennie Harlan, you know, generally a, a still a, a new, a fresh new, you know, a new director to have something yeah. like that. I'm curious about the sequence about how he pulled that off. Four Fairlane was pushed back but it was it was supposed to come out he did Fort Fairlane first I'm pretty sure I got my my timeline on this right and it Fort Fairlane scored enormously mm. actually hmm. and so they actually moved it into the summer uh they delayed it and moved it into the summer and that that didn't work out for them mm. I, I wanted to rewatch this one I just didn't get to it cuz it's got an interesting cast to say the least uh but I I don't remember th- being too high on it when I first saw it, I'm a fan. Okay, I I, I think Fort Fairlane's funny. Um, yeah, I mean you have to be down with the Andrew Dice Clay persona to ha- get any kind of enjoyment out of it because he's he's playing Fort Fairlane, but he is playing Andrew Dice Clay, and that mm-hmm. character that he yeah. that he basically created on stage is all over this movie. And yes, it is crude, it's misogynistic, but you know some of that is you know the point of because that's what that character is uh um, i mentioned three movies that kind of came out of nowhere and became huge successes this is the second one ghost <gasps> oh yeah of course ghost uh patrick swayze demi moore and Whoopi goldberg um again with that cast at that time no reason to think this movie would gross more than 50 million what do you want What's happening? It's like I think about you every minute. It's like I can still feel you. The problem with you is you still think you're real. It's all up here now. 
You want to move something, you got to move it with your mind. <laughs> Molly, why can't you hear me? Who is that? You can hear me? Can you hear me? Sam Wheat. Say my name. Say it. Leave me alone. Who I get a message from Sam. What? Sam Wheat? He asked me to call. Once you go to police, he said it was a setup. He was murdered. It's a, it was a big crowd-pleasing hit because you got three enormously talented, enormously appealing actors. Um, again, maybe not A-list, you know, above mm-hmm. the title at that time, but, well, I guess Swayze after Dirty Dancing. But... Um, but I mean, uh, you know, Whoopi Goldberg had a string of bombs, you know, or, or at least movies that weren't well received anyway. Yeah, between bombs, Color Purple but, and Ghosts is not a great right, Whoopi right, Goldberg right. period. <clears throat> uh, but then you had the screenplay that was a very, uh, you know, good mix of, you know, comedy and heartbreak, romance and supernaturalism. And it really worked. I mean, it was the way you balanced the tones and balanced, you know, the mix the genres a little bit. Uh, you can watch it now. You can see why the movie had such great appeal at that time. A hell of a year for the screenwriter. Yeah, and, <laughs> and um, and it's one best screenplay, I think. It did. Uh, yeah, I and, can see why, and it still holds up for me. I really like it. I, I do too. I don't one hundred percent love everything about it, but I still think it. A lot of it comes from the charm of this cast. They yeah. really sell it. And, and at my theater, we had it forever. This was one of those movies where it's like, yeah, when I, I think River of this Oaks movie, forever. I think of working at Brandhurst Cinema and having this movie well past, I mean, you know, all through all through the summer, all through the fall, and then it was nominated for Oscars, and we still had it. Yeah. I saw yeah. I, they had a sneak preview of the movie when they still did sneak previews, mm. and that's when I went and saw it, because I had not heard anything about the movie, and I'll just remember a full-page ad in, like, one of the papers we got, and it was a ghost. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just like, what the hell? Where does this come from? And then directed by Jerry Zucker. Yeah. That's so weird. You know, yeah. <laughs> which was, like, the weirdest thing to, to me. I was just like, wait, the director of Airplane? Mm-hmm. Like, is this a comedy? What is this? And, you know, and then I, when I saw the movie, I was just, I was taken aback about it because I'm just like, this is not what at all what I was expecting. Yeah, I don't think anybody um, was. It it you know it, it touches on on, on on themes and whatnot. I did not expect it to be as funny, yeah, as it was. I you know Whoopi Goldberg won the Oscar of, you know eventually because that's how much people love this movie. And that's when yeah, it becomes a comedy. Funny, I mean, yeah. she comes in yes. like what uh, forty five minutes hour into it or About something that, like that, yeah. and mm-hmm. that's when it becomes a comedy, right? Yeah, and yeah, and you're right. I mean, it is a tricky balance of the tone because it's it starts off as a very you know I mean it's got a mystery element to it. Mm-hmm. There's you know all that embezzlement kind of going on embezzlement <laughs> and uh, you know trapping that and and you know the, the, not that you can't figure out <laughs> what's yeah. going on um but and the, the i mean the chemistry between him and more i mean the the pottery scene is today to this day is still thought about mm-hmm. yeah um of course and that song i mean it was well, everywhere it's forever tied yes. to that movie ever now. Yeah. yeah yeah and then parodied one year later by mm-hmm. <laughs> another brother yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant no, I I still really like this movie, and I again I think everybody in it's really good, and it's an interesting screenplay. It's got a lot, a little bit of everything, and yet mm-hmm. it somehow magically you, you, you feel you, you feel for the characters. If you don't think about the rules of the afterlife and mm-hmm. how it plays out, yeah. if, you do, yeah. if you don't think about that too much, you can really enjoy this movie. If, you, if, you, if you're trying to poke holes into all the the logic of what Swayze can do and what he can't do, right. you can easily do that, and you'll and you know, but. To, 
don't. You know, just, no, just kind yeah. of good. if you go with it, you're 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 better off. I remember the whole audience being really shocked by the way Tony Goldwyn dies with like the plate of glass like slamming down on him <laughs> and cutting him. It's like, oh my god, that was heavy. Yeah, as I remember. I mean, I, I never, I didn't see my dad cry a lot, but he cried at the end of this oh. movie. Yeah, and I can, uh, I can understand watching that. people exit the theater every week, yeah. just with tears <laughs> in their eyes. Yep, sure. yep. Um, and I said the 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 actor who plays who is a comedian, I, I believe Rick Avila, I think was his name, who plays the one who actually kills Patrick Swayze in the movie. Mm. He's actually in another movie later this year where he actually basically is hired to. Pull off another hit <laughs> in the movie. Uh, we'll get to that when we get when we get to that one. Oh, wow. too. But I noticed he, that when he I died young from AIDS. Too. Yeah, he wow. died from AIDS. Mm. Yes, it was the perfect crime. Now all they need to do is get to the airport. Did we miss the expressway? Getting farther away every second by car. Oh, we're really making progress now. I saw a sign, Phyllis. Three of them out there shouting with glee. By cab. Airport. Look. Huh? Great. And why don't you take us straight to Sing Sing? There's a real cab Stop dancing! By foot. By bus. You go to the airport? Near the airport. That is an exact chance. You better get some help. You're becoming Ralph Cramden's evil twin. By midnight. Bill Murray. Right, can we just calm down a little, please? Gina Davis. Oh, well, we'll never make the flight. We'll have to sail a raft to Fiji like Thor Heyerdahl. Please, God! Randy Quaid. We need a cab! One loud freaking cab! Uh, quick change. God bless you. With, Absolutely. Uh, Bill Murray, Gina Davis, and Randy Quaid as three bank robbers who are trying to get out of town, and the, but they're in New York, and they can't get out of town because <laughs> they just keep one it's, running into one obstacle after another. And it's Jason after Hours. It's after hours, yeah, but but uh, you know, from the writer of it's based on the novel by the same guy who wrote Let It Ride, so it's you know everybody's kind of wacky in it, but um, yeah, but this is, this is a of much course. better movie than the Let It Ride was, but um, but God, it's I it, I love this movie. I I every time it I go back to hilarious. it, it's, it's it's just really funny. And I think didn't he Bill Murray like he co-directed, co-directed it? Yeah, co-directed yeah, Howard it Franklin. Too. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really funny consistently throughout. It's and also, it's just, it, I mean, the, the bank robbery alone is clever in itself. Mm-hmm, so, like, mm-hmm. the, the, the opening 15, 20 minutes of the movie, the bank robbery, is that gets off to a great start. Uh, and then the, the evolution of these characters. I mean, Bill Murray is this guy that now, he's, he's almost got like a fearless, two mm-hmm. years before fearless, he's got this invincible quality to him. And the way Gina Davis plays instant rage. Yeah. In this movie, every time she just goes off and just starts yeah. yelling at someone, it kills me. <laughs> the scene with Tony, Tony Shalhoub in the cab. Oh, my God. Is, oh, my God. I, I, I watch that scene on a loop. It just cracks me. Una hadu. Una hadu. The goddamn airport. What do you got? Shit in your ears? And Tony Shalhoub just Then he feels so Quaid terrible just, afterwards. It's like, yes. Oh, and oh, that, that whole sequence just made. I, I, I rewind that scene. What do you got? Shit in your ears? <laughs> oh, my God. So many character actors show up Phil Hartman, Bob Elliott, Tony mm-hmm. Shalhoub, as mentioned. Jason Robards plays Stanley the Tucci. cop, obviously, in the movie. Stanley yeah. Tucci, right? Oh, my God. Shows up in the movie. Uh, Philip Bosco as the bus driver. Great. Yeah. Do you have uh, exact change? Uh, Behind the white line. <laughs> yep. 
Another great uh, New York movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just, I noticed this, the, the theme of this year is gangsters. Um, I mean, there's, I there, there are 10 gangster, I counted at least 10 gangster movies and he actually made a list on Letterboxd. Yeah. yeah. Um, almost put this one on here because there's, but there's only really one scene involving gangsters. And it's, but it's got one of my favorite dialogue exchanges of the year. <laughs> this ain't my dick in your back. Well, that's a relief. <laughs> that's relief. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And then uh, a, a, a surprisingly uh, a movie that also holds up in the same way I think Tremors holds up, uh, Arachnophobia is a really, yeah. I think, a really I, terrific movie. I, um, I do like it, but I, I don't like watching spiders. They well, scare me. That's, yeah. that's, 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 that's a problem. That's, yeah. that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. But it's part of what makes it so good. I can't good. do the cockroaches, and I can't do tons of spiders. Like, I can do a few spiders at a time, but not, like, a ton of them all at once. It's just, no, no, yeah. no, no. Well, that, I mean, this movie knows that a lot of people feel that way, yeah. and I think it does a really good job of playing into that fear. It because, does. It does. Uh, it's very effective. And it's very, like, the pacing is nice and kind of slow for the first hour before the yeah. mayhem kicks in, and I think that's... Frank Marshall directed this, right? Yes, he did. And, you know, he'd been hanging out with Spielberg for the last 10 or 15 years mm-hmm. being his producer. So he learned a thing or two on how to build suspense and, you know, delay things. And I, I really enjoyed this movie. And, hmm. and Jeff Daniels, I think, is really good in it. Um, From the writer of the Cape Fear remake. Interesting. Didn't Wesley know Strick? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, you're good. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Hmm. I do too. I, I think this movie is so much fun. I mean, in a classic monster movie setting, all these characters, who's going to live, who's going to die. And it's just like, and to create something so menacing out of something so small. I mean, there is one big spider that was nicknamed Big Bob after Bob Zemeckis, actually. Um, the, I mean, it's like the little things, just like, you know, the, the spider crawls into the shoe or the spider, which every time I put on slippers, I think of, yeah. <laughs> I think no, of that scene, no. you know, yeah. just like, I think of that scene every time I put on a slipper, I always <laughs> shake my slipper before I put it on. Um, the, you know, John Goodman sitting on the toilet while the spider is going. John out. Goodman is so funny in this. Yes, damn he movie. is. Yeah, oh no, God. he definitely uh, is. <laughs> and has one of the, one of the, the, the highest jumps I ever had in a movie was seeing this in the theater, the scene where, the climax of the movie, he's looking through the tubes and he, he's mm-hmm. waiting for the spider to come out and he puts it down just a little bit and the spider goes, yeah. like that. And I just, oh, I did this in the theater. Yeah. Let's go with the rest of the podcast without saying spider. All right. Let's see if we can do that. Okay. Well, <laughs> there are no Spider-Man movies this year. Oh, yet, okay, so. good. we got to be careful about how we talk about Goodfellas then. Um, um, yes. Uh, <laughs> when danger is its own reward, move out together, only together. There are men who will go anywhere. You guys are crazy. Proud of it, baby. Dare anything. We're SEAL Team. We're here to get you out. They're Navy SEALs. They never rent quality flicks. They always pick the most intellectually devoid movie on the racks. Ooh, Navy SEALs. Do Navy SEALs. Navy SEALs. Navy SEALs. Um. This is this is the one you go to because this is terrible. Mm. Yeah, and, mm. But and but in a way that if you're watching it with a bunch of friends, can be a lot of fun. Sure, uh, it is definitely mystery science theater fodder. Uh, Charlie Sheen playing another cocky, arrogant douchebag. Actually, the small movie is just yep. du- the ultimate Pretty douchebaggery. Much. I mean, it's not uh, a good year for Charlie Sheen. No, <laughs> oh, no. no. Um, oh, there's no. a wacky golfing montage. Yes, to, there is. Uh, the boys are back in town. <laughs> oh um, my god, that's right. Oh my uh, god, no, this movie is awful. Um, but it's the movie you should go to from this year if you want to have you know that kind of if you want to 
go back. Do they make. do this on how this get made yet? Probably. Yeah, I, I would think, think so. so. I don't know if they. I don't know if they did or not, but they they, they, like this. Like you have to remember, like this was like I don't know if the public really understood what Navy SEALs were at the time. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the movie opens, this is like, you know, John F. Kennedy came up with this this idea and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it was like, you know, it was like the act of valor of its time. It was just yeah, like, yeah. look what these, look what our boys, you know, can do. And, you know, and, I mean, you got Charlie Sheen, you got Michael Bean, uh, you got an Aliens reunion because Bill Paxton's in the movie. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> poor um, Dennis Haysbert. Uh, people now know as the insurance guy, but Dennis Haysbert is the guy that's going to get married and just like, this guy's so dead. This guy <laughs> yeah, just, right. Yes, oh, yeah. He's uh-huh. so dead. dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's it's bad. Yeah. It's really bad. Uh, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's not bad? Even though Marlon Brando himself at one point said it was. Yeah. No, it's not Godfather Part 3. It is The Freshman. We won't merely freshman. When I was working at the theater, once in a while we would have exhibitor screenings, like before mm. the theater opened. They weren't press screenings; they were just exhibitor screenings, and we were allowed to go to them. And I went to this, um, not knowing really what it was, and like I, I just knew who was in it, and it was comedy. And I didn't quite get everything because I hadn't seen the Godfather movies yet. Oh, okay, uh, just hadn't gotten. I don't think I had yet. either. And so a lot of it kind of went over my like like the Brando stuff. I eventually <laughs> caught on to like what was yeah. going on, but I was it kind of went over my head, and I didn't appreciate it that much. Um, now I, I I watch the movie now, and I I absolutely love everything about this movie. I I, I love watching Brando in it. I love. Um, you know, just uh, what uh, I don't know. Yeah, I know he trashes it, but he he's clearly like having. It looks like he's having a ball, a ball doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, the plot is crazy. Andrew Bergman. This is kind of his his first, you know, directorial d- film. D- d- I think so. It might be. I, I don't know. I'd look that I up. But but he he would start to have, you know develop his voice. Uh, you know, for, uh, starting here as making these very quirky original comedies that. Um, you know, were that were wildly unpredictable and um, and full of surprises, and this is no exception. I mean, the, the where the plot of this movie is just insane when you think when you when you try to describe it to people. Oh, he did um, so fine from nineteen eighty one. Oh yeah, poor guy. Um, but uh, hmm. but no, this is one of my favorite movies of the year. Yep. Uh, this is one of my yeah, absolute favorite movies of the year. The more I watch and especially it, the more if you're a film it. school. Like I watched this yeah. again when you're at film school. That <laughs> film teacher. Yes. Oh my oh, god! Yeah. No, that's every yeah. film teacher ever. Oh um, so funny. And the fact that they're watching Godfather two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yep. and, you know, I mean, that, all the, all those oh. little things like that. I mean, this is this is one of those rare movies that could be transplanted back into like the 1930s and 40s and mm-hmm. like it has that spirit to it it's you know it's uh it's it's a, it's a, it's a pretty clean it's a pg movie so it's a pretty clean movie mm-hmm. uh this is exactly how you do farce you know mm-hmm. i mean this is mm-hmm. you know uh roderick is so good at this type of role he's yeah. i mean he he doesn't get enough credit uh, you know this cable guy and stuff like that playing the foil like this, mm-hmm. um, and getting caught up in all this, and it's also an incredibly sweet movie. Mm-hmm. The relationship that does develop, I and mean, that whole scene in his dorm room where he tells the fa- his father's <laughs> poem mm-hmm. to Marlon Brando is it a is a beautiful scene. Yeah. And Brando's really, I mean, Brando's having a blast playing, you know, parodying the Godfather character and everything. But he's real. I mean, the, 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 he's really good in these 
moments with Broderick Absolutely, and whatnot. Yeah. And yeah. you really sell that. Penelope Ann Miller's funny in the movie. Bruno Kirby's great in the movie. Uh, yes. Um yeah, I mean, it, and just everything—the the whole sequence with the kimono dragon—you know, trying to—you know—is—is—is is, is, is great stuff. B.D. Yeah. Wong, like, I was telling him he was a disobedient dragon. <laughs> there's so much. Yeah, there's ah. This means my heart swims in blood. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, yeah, I know this one's great. great I hope we, more sh- people need to see it. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. Like, there definitely needs to be like some a better DVD Blu-ray treatment of yeah, it. It's I mean, available. it's yeah. Yeah, it's 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 and the thing is because I mean, that was the thing that I remembered so much about this movie at the time. Jimmy mentioned it that Marlon Brando like publicly like tried to make the movie from to not come out. Yeah, that As, was like you know like, I remember that and also Siskel and Eber bringing that up in their review. Yes, mm-hmm. like what is he talking about? Because this is a wonderful movie, um, mm-hmm. and I, and it's still a movie that you know I, I find myself discovering people like not not really aware of it, um, and people yeah. should because it's it's a it's a wonderful movie. It mm-hmm. is. Um, oh boy! I don't. Oh, what's this? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yes. Yo, VIP. Let's kick it. Innocent was a big hit, wasn't it? It was. Yes, it was. It's my. I like these movies. I like these mystery courtroom drama. Um, and rewatching it, I completely forgot who the killer was, but I kind of had an idea, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's an interesting twist." I I did something interesting hmm. with this movie when I saw it uh, because the book Scott Turow's book it was uh, you know, it, that was, yeah, that was that at the kid. time that was one of those books that everyone was everybody reading, yeah okay? mm-hmm. my mom um, had a copy yeah right so and I read it on, on vacation at one point and but but, but what I did uh, because I knew the movie was coming out I didn't read the ending mm. I I read up to like the end of the court stuff and I'm just like you know something I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna mm. wait. Oh. And I've saved who <laughs> it was until seeing the movie, and I was, and and the movie, if you if you've read the book, actually does a little um, almost a twist on <laughs> who the villain, who the killer is going to be, because it looks like they're going to end the movie on a shot. If you remember, there's a scene where yes. someone is cleaning something, and they pull pull them back, and the John Williams score, which is a great John Williams score, by the way, um, is starts elevating. And you're just like, oh, they're gonna change the ending here, mm-hmm. and then it gets to a point, and the music reaches a crescendo, and then you hear someone go, "I did it." And yeah, then, and it's then explained. It's like, oh, oh, yeah. and then, then they cheat on that, and then it was like, oh, no, okay, they are gonna do the ending, right, of the book, and Raul Julia. He shows up in this, and he's really good in it. Raul, it's, yeah. a, it's a great cast. Brian Dennehy, yeah. Raul Julia, Bonnie Bedelia, um, Paul Winfield is is the judge. Uh, I think one of Harrison Ford's best performances. I think yeah. he's really good, really strong in this movie, because uh, the whole movie you have to go back and forth. Like, is is he a killer? Is he not? I mean, he has to play it kind of both ways. And he does. And he, he does it very well. I, yeah. I, I like Presumed Innocent quite a bit. Me too. 
Yeah, Alan J. Pakula. Good mm-hmm. stuff. Um, uh-huh. I did not rewatch. I I skipped a lot of sequels as, as far as like rewatching yeah. stuff for this. I skipped a lot of sequels. And yeah, Young I, Guns I, Two is one of them. I figured, Eric, <laughs> so. it's all yours I, if you I, want I, it. I know yeah. you like it, right? Well, it's, I I like westerns where in groups of people are together and then they yeah. get killed. <laughs> I'm, it's a weird subgenre of stuff that I like. I and, love Tombstone, but I don't know, like some of these movies. Yeah, so. no, I mean, no, I mean, it's not. I mean, it's you want to talk about historical inaccuracies. This, I mean, this movie is actually <laughs> trying to be one of those rare movies that tells you this, this myth about, you know, this other potential thing about Billy the Kid and whatnot and plays that up a bit and then messes with the Pat Garrett uh, legend and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's watchable. It's it's goofy, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of goofy, and I I like the, the original. I like more. Um, in that same group together, and who's gonna die? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Some genre that I like. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, there's not there's not a lot to say. Okay, about yeah. this movie. Um, and then Spike Lee's follow up to Do the Right Thing uh, came out this year. Yeah. Uh, Mo Better Blues with Denzel Washington and Spike yeah. Lee again, and a bunch of other people from Do the Right Thing. Yeah, uh, this was a pleasant rewatch because I hadn't seen it since I don't know. Maybe it's really good. It is really good. The music's great. Uh, the, all the performances are great. I really like the camaraderie between the band, especially mm-hmm. when they hang out. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the best stuff that's in the movie. In my yeah, yeah, that's yeah, all yeah. Good. Um, I think it drags a little towards the end when it starts getting into Spike Lee's yeah. uh, problems. I uh, kind of tune out a little bit. That's kind of where movie yeah, the gambling stuff is me. just kind of thrown in there. It's yeah. not really the strongest part of the film. I I do really like the breakup or the 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 sequence where he's like conflicted between the two women and they're mm-hmm. both oh, in the yeah. same space. That's a good scene. Really yeah. well edited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I love the the final montage at the end. I think is really terrific because yeah, you kind of yeah, yeah. kind of like, what is he really gonna go this direction with this? Oh yeah, he is. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, um, and yeah, then, and it all comes full circle in a really satisfying way. Yeah, yeah. I like this movie. Me too. So it's good. You don't know what you want. Make up your mind. Be a man and don't be wishy washy on me. And what do you want? I want a man who knows what he wants. Decisive. You don't know what you want. Make up your mind, be a man, and don't be wishy-washy on me. Hmm. I know what I want. My music, everything else is secondary. For me, this is sort of the beginning of Spike not being as laser-focused on one thing, and you just kind of scattershot and throwing things at the wind, and some things work, some things don't. I like the... Sometimes I, I like, like that. I like the movie when it feels improv. Mm-hmm. What you know when the, the scenes together them and the band uh, yeah. in the dress in the dressing room and whatnot. I think those scenes really crack. I think Wesley Snipes is really good. Yeah, in this mm-hmm. movie, I think he might be the the best thing in the movie. Actually, was this like his breakout kind of? Uh, well, he did Major League the year okay. before. I mean, yeah, so yeah. I mean, he was just kind of starting to get noticed, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but he's really good. The, the Spike Lee gambling stuff doesn't work for me at all. Uh, the, the the stuff the like the band being screwed by the managers, which he got into trouble for. Oh. If you remember with Mo Better Blues, because he has the Jewish right. managers, right. and he got hammered by like the Jewish or a league or organization, whatever the yeah. That, yeah. that was at the time, he got hammered for it, and he he had a good explanation for why he did it. But um, yeah, no, that was the, so that was a part of a controversy of the movie. Um, I don't. It's not. A, I mean, I think the music's great. I mean, music, oh, yeah. I mean, if you're a jazz fan at all, uh, the, the music's really great. Um, it just the, the when the movie has a story, it's weird. When the movie has a story, I think it starts to fail. 
when it seems a little more loose, like a jazz, you know, yeah. symphony and whatnot, uh, I think it works better. So I'm I really kind of, like I'm lo- loose and one. messy Spike Lee. That sounds weird. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, there's like, another uh, one we'll talk about next year. There's one that I think a, is yeah. Over the years, I, I, I pretty much like a lot of his stuff, but we'll get to more of it as we go mm-hmm. along. One of the big breakout indie films uh, from this year uh, was yeah. Whit Stillman's Metropolitan, which I caught up with uh, this uh, about a month ago. I was disappointed as as I was watching. I was like, "Oh man, this is a Christmas movie. We got to <laughs> do this on our show. It means I got to watch this again." Um, a lot of people love this movie. I, I'm not a huge fan of it. I just, I don't know why I, it's like, I feel like if I love Noah Baumbach, especially his early films, I should like something like this. I just remember like I wrote in my notes, like this is like if all the trust fund baby jagoffs from mm-hmm. dead poet society who didn't kill themselves <laughs> reconvened in New York and became the jagoffs that they were trying not to become in that film, but they became them. Uh, yeah, and it's just like this is this is I I don't know I'm I don't care about these characters to be honest I don't either really and um, I was just like in, totally indifferent to yeah. this and okay. I know people I, love with Stillman I do. and he doesn't make a lot of movies yeah. the Wayne Baumbach has but have you ever like convinced yourself that you've liked something before <laughs> probably like I I'm thought sure I li- I thought I liked this movie and I wa- I did I watched it again just like a couple not not even a couple weeks ago uh-huh. and I I'm just like these people are jackoffs yeah. <laughs> and I don't like like what is the point of point of this um yeah I, I just like like yeah. I don't care I know okay I really I'm don't glad care not alone about this. any of these people <laughs> I I like Barcelona more. I like mm. Last I Days think of I Disco more. more. Oh, I definitely like that. I more. haven't seen Barcelona in a while. I like Last Days of Disco. I really more. like. He did Love and Friendship, didn't he? Uh, I think. Yeah. With Kate Beckinsale and Chloe yes. Sevigny. Yes. Um, I no, really like that one. I was surprised. No, these are Jagoffs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, Colin, you, you summed okay. it up perfectly. Okay. Good. All right. <laughs> Great work. Um, a movie that did not hold up for me that I liked when it came out. Uh, is Flatliners. Well, we're in agreement again. Okay. Yeah, right. I just watched it again. I was kind of like, eh. I'm again. I'm not the biggest Joel Schumacher guy in the world, and it's you know it's a good cast, I guess. But you know, I certainly like. Obviously, we'll get to a movie later on called Jacob's Ladder. Um, and I like this the, the concept, and I like what they're going for. It's just that, like you know, the execution of everything, including just like, oh, your your greatest fears are. Now you know you're being confronted with them after you've died, and like you, you know, it's I don't know, it's not scary, it's not creepy, it's just there. It really doesn't do a whole lot for me, and I can't believe they made a remake of this. Did you see the remake? No, I don't want to. You'll, you'll have a new appreciation of this one if you ever watch that one. Um, <laughs> no, I this is like I was so excited to see this movie when it came. So I'm just like, concept. what a great idea yeah. for a movie. And I think the, the the early stuff in the movie I think works really well. Again, a Chicago set movie too, by the way. One of the weirdest Chicago, like the yeah. way Chicago is shot. This is like yeah. Schumacher. Like this, I think this might be the first time with Schumacher. Like is going crazy with lighting designs yeah. and all kind. I of, love the look of this movie. I think the look. A, I, it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I really that that stuff still works for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I like the cast: Julia Roberts, Kiefer Sutherland, Kevin Bacon. Oliver mm-hmm. Platt, and oh yeah, it's a great Baldwin. cast. Yeah, great mm-hmm. cast. Yeah, and uh, I just, I, w- I just like, I remember like my soul sinking a little bit when it goes that route. Like yeah. it just turns into a horror 
mm-hmm. movie. Um, yeah, it's kind of and, and it's, it's I mean, lame some, horror too. Some, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's 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 it doesn't really work as a horror movie. It, it's supposed to be this moral, you know, wrangling kind of thing mm-hmm. and whatnot. And you know, some of it is okay. Um, again, I like I like the way it looks and the way it's shot and the atmosphere of it. That always worked for me. It just I just like you, you had so many different areas you could have gone through with mm-hmm. this story. Um, and then, like, by the time you get, like, to the fifth resuscitation, it's just like, okay. Yeah. It's, like, it's repetitive. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the remake, holy shit. <laughs> that, okay. movie's, that movie's holy shit bad. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I have a huge recommendation, and it's the next sequel. I love The Exorcist 3. I believe in death. I believe in disease. I believe in... Injustice and inhumanity and torture and anger and hate. I believe in murder. I believe in pain. I believe in cruelty and infidelity. I believe in slime and stink. And in every crawling, putrid thing, every possible ugliness and corruption, you son of a bitch! Fever dream movies really get to me. Like, I don't know. It's, it's They don't have to make sense. And I don't know if everything in this movie makes sense. You consider I, this a fever dream movie? A little bit. Like, just weird things happen throughout this movie. I mean, I guess it's more of a procedural than an exorcist movie. Yeah. And it seems like the exorcism that occurs towards the end is shoehorned in there. It and I, I totally was. And I don't think it was planned. It was, it was not. just like, yeah. So I think it's a mess, but a really compelling, weird, twisted, well acted mess that just somehow really creeps me out. Um, probably a lot of it has to do with Brad Dorif and just him being Brad Dorif. And also. In my estimation, the single greatest jump scare, the single greatest Get like to that in a second. I yeah. always freak out at that moment, even though I know it's coming. I know I'm like waiting for it, and it's there. And apparently, Scream Factory just recently released a director's cut of this, and I have not yeah. seen that. And I'm very curious. This is just one of those movies that I think somehow has crept into my subconscious and wants to live there, and I. I, I really love George C. Scott in this. I really love Brad Dourif. I I think it's just it's it's something else. It's it's, it's a more of a serial killer procedural movie yeah. for most of its running time, but it just ultimately gets to me in the end. George C. Scott he gets so hardcore ish yeah at, in, during this movie <laughs> at times that uh, God bless it, him. it's really it it almost takes you out of the movie a bit because he's so over the top. Particularly for that character, that you mm-hmm. know, that yeah, we, no, yeah, is, you're right. Playing a variation end, yeah. of that character from the original movie, um, who is not <laughs> didn't have outbursts like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I watched the movie again, because uh, I, I remember when I first saw it, I really didn't like it. I mm. the first time back in 1990 or whenever it came out on video, I, I really didn't like it. Uh, watching again, I, I think as the the procedural stuff, I think is kind of interesting, um, and then it takes on some horror elements. Again, like you said, shoehorned in. The actual scene at the end of the movie was a studio mandate. Um, Doesn't surprise me. They originally wanted to call this Legion. Legion, right. Yeah, Um, based on the book. 
And and you know, like Peter Blatt, like, and and I, and I just watched this just not long after seeing uh, this new documentary with William Friedkin just talking about the original Exorcist and hearing William Friedkin in his own voice talk about all the stuff that went into the original Exorcist is a lot more interesting than watching William Peter Blatty in screenplay form try to Mm. exfoliate, if you will, uh, what those themes are. And when the movie gets into the talky stuff about faith and, you know, all the, the, all these concepts, it just, it felt like someone, you know, doing yeah. this to me, and I did. I'm just like, I'm kind of interested in what you're saying here, but it's not. It's not. I'm not getting it. I'm not. Regi- yeah. It's not registering with me. That jump scare, on the other hand, which I had not seen since. You know, I've seen before, but watching again and knowing it was coming, I didn't know exactly. It, it, it's a. I know. It's a beautifully executed sequence. It is. It's a um, well shot movie all around. It, no, it's, it's a very well shot movie, and it's not. A, and it's not a boring film no um i just you know i don't know i just i it, it didn't I, I i came away from the movie just kind of going like mm. like yeah i wanted to respond to it more than i did i certainly do yeah i'll defend it <laughs> no i am not i'm alive i go on i breathe look at me look at me and tell me what you see a movie i'll defend uh, which I'm surprised. Taking care of business? No. Oh, that's another I, I, one of my yucks. We will have yeah. to bring that up. Forget it. Yeah. Oh, okay, it's garbage. Um, my Blue Heaven was a movie that we watched about oh. a month ago. Former gangster Vincent Vinnie Antonelli. I'm a new man. Is being placed under federal protection. Not the old me. Hidden in suburbia. This is the new me. Assigned his own personal FBI agent. Now, this is a real nice house. It's one of the nicest we've ever moved anyone like you into. Hey, Linda, what do you think? I always promised you a nice house somewhere in America. Let's not get carried away, okay, Vinny? Uh, it's going to be a lot easier if you two start calling each other Terry and Todd. It's a nice house, Terry, okay? No, you're Terry and he's Todd. When will for will call. Thanks for everything. I really appreciate it. And even is nice. This is my job. I get paid. You don't tip FBI, man. Sure you do. I need you to mind. The man is a government asset. He has to testify at two major mob trials in New York in the immediate future. Being in the witness protection program may save Vinny's life. Boom. I just want you to keep your nose clean. Capisce? You trying to say capiche? Yeah. Well, don't do it because it hurts my ears when you do I was, it. I was like hesitant to watch it because I was like, oh, what if it, it's. I mean, I, I didn't have like fond memories of it. I thought, I just thought it was just okay. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed this movie. I, I do. I, you I can watch oh, it after I like Goodfellas. It. I, I, yeah, no, it should, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you should definitely watch it after Goodfellas because it's Steve Martin as a mobster and he's in witness protection and well, Harold Ramis is the agent helping him, you know. Rick Moranis. What did I say? Harold Ramis. Oh, sorry. Um, and uh, Joan Cusack again. Joan Cusack. Um, and I, I, I think this is a funny movie. I, and I was delighted. I was like, thank God. I, I, I'm glad. I'm glad I watched this again because it's actually really funny. Um, really, some inspired scenes in it. Um, so all the mobsters eating at Olive Garden. I think is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just uh, no. And, and and Steve Martin does some really wonderful comic timing uh in that movie especially the last like shootout at the end it's like that he just kind of 
that just happens and comes and goes. And <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, no, I, I I enjoyed this movie. Who is your more over the top Italian of the year, him or <laughs> Kevin Klein? And I love you to death. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kevin Klein actually, maybe I don't know. No, that's a good question. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. That's true. I didn't even yeah. put that together. To me, this is like because um, now we're getting into all the he- all the mob movies are starting to come out. Now. Oh yeah. Um, so like we've had a few. I've had three comedic ones: Dick Tracy, The Freshman, and now. Um, uh, my blue heaven but now we're going to start getting into the serious mob movies uh big time from here on out oh, but yeah. uh oh, yeah. but no this one this one held up surprisingly well for me it's okay i like it i think it's i, I like it i'm with colin on yeah. this i think it's a yeah. funny movie uh you know you want two hot dogs real many too um and and then you should watch it after goodfellas because the, the character that he plays is based on henry hill Oh, is it really? Yes. Like suppose? Oh, yes. Like, okay. Yeah, go back hmm. and you know, look at uh, look up Henry Hill, and I believe Nora Ephron. In, she wrote the screenplay. Yes, yeah. she knew Henry Hill or had some connection to him. So Ooh. this is yeah, this is based on Henry Hill. Funny he didn't mention that in the Goodfellas commentary track. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Schwarzenegger oh. was originally supposed to play. The I might. Martin. I might be a little. I might hmm. be a little wires crossed there, but there's there's a connection. Okay. There. Yeah. No, there and, definitely yeah. is a connection. But I definitely know that the the character is based on Henry Hill. <laughs> yeah. Which makes it even funnier if you it think does. about it, because this came out before Goodfellas. Yeah. Same studio too. Right. Like they really wanted That's that story, yeah. man. Apparently. <laughs> uh, what What do you have, what, taking care of business? What do you guys what? I know. I know. What, no, what no, say about? I just think it's comes when the World Series. Right. Okay. That's that's all I got to say about. Okay. It. Yeah. yeah. No, it's bad. No, it's terrible. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. like that's Jim the only is- thing about that movie that interests me yeah. is that the Cubs are in the World Series, and that's the entire basis of the it's movie. A bad year for Belushi. Well, well is there a great year for Belushi? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Eighty six. Eighty six. Salvador and about last night. But oh, right. That's, yeah. Yes. Yes. That's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. So when I when Wild at Heart came out, oh, yeah. I was so excited to see it because I was a big fan of Blue Velvet, but I wasn't a fan of Eraserhead, so I I had mixed feelings Are you still about. Still not a fan of Eraserhead? Still not. I, oh, it's, it's, it's just not my thing. Okay. I mean, it's fine. I appreciate it's it. It's I'm not trashing it. It's just not my thing. Yeah, that's okay. I, but every five or six years, I give it another chance. So I I, I will watch it again. But you I was know so excited. That's be the last movie before you die. That's gonna be it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh no, Eraserhead. I still don't like it. <laughs> um, and I was so excited for this, and I just it didn't do anything for me. Like when I saw it, I was kind of like, uh, this feels like weird for weird's sake. A lot of it, but there's like all these great moments, sort of sandwiched in between scenes that I'm not crazy about. I'm so glad I went back and watched it again because for the first time in like 25 years, I'm sure. Um, because now I think it's great. I, I absolutely love it. Um, I, I the the it, it it's it's um, it's so much fun. The Cage is phenomenal in it. Well, you know, him and Laura Dern are great in it. Uh, Cheryl Ladd was nominated for this movie, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. I want to say she was. Diane Ladd. Diane Ladd. Yes. Sorry, Diane Ladd. Going back to Lisa. Sorry. <laughs> Yay! Uh, sorry, <laughs> got my lads mixed up. Yeah. Um, and I no, I, this is like one of the biggest surprises for me was going back and rewatching 1990 movies. Is going back to this one and and really having a a, a genuine appreciation for it and realized I maybe I don't know I just I was in a different headspace when I first saw it just didn't click with me but now I absolutely love it and if there's one movie that earns the word scorching to describe it it's this one it's hotter than Georgia it's, asphalt yeah. <laughs>
I didn't have much parental guidance. Baby, you better run me back to the hotel. You got me hotter in Georgia asphalt. I don't know why I don't love it. I should. <laughs> you know, I just want ASMR I, on us. Yeah, what yeah, was that? I don't know. I love. You don't have to love it. I don't, I don't love Eraserhead. I'm supposed to love that. That's true. But yeah. I'm a, I love everything David Lynch has done pretty much. Oh. There's, I mean, there's um, Dune, meh, but <laughs> I don't know why I feel like this is too, too episodic a mm. little bit. Um, like the Crispin Glover thing. What's the deal with <laughs> I'm trying to make my lunch. <laughs> I like it's it is a lot of weird for weird sake for me and it's and like I know some I know people who are like this is my favorite David Lynch movie and you know the Willem Dafoe stuff just feels like oh yeah you you wanted to try to capture the Dennis Hopper mm. kind yeah, of intensity man, okay. a little bit there and creepy factor and and very similar to Raising Arizona poor Nicolas Cage gets talked into a you know a, another bank heist kind of mm-hmm. uh and I, I mean, I, there are moments I like. I like the club scene, um, you know. And I think Laura Dern's great. I think Nicolas Cage is great. I just, for some reason, this one just felt a little too disjointed for me. Um, I think that's how I felt when I first saw it. I think. Yeah. That, I think we had opposite experiences. I remember. I remember liking it, and then somehow rewatches. This is I'm having the opposite of effect mm. on me with this one. It's not holding up as strongly as most of David Lynch's work for me. Surprising. To say, um, um, yes, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe no. this is the film I need to watch every five years and go back to him because I'm still on Colin 1990 okay. version of this, and okay. yeah, uh, I I just hate everybody in this movie. Mm. I've never I, I I've I I can't I've never grown to like anyone in this movie or care about any anyone in this movie. Um, it just it's uh, David Lynch, particularly more than even some of his other movies. Uh, really focuses on the unpleasantness of of things. I mean, yeah. close ups of vomit and stuff, and uh, cockroaches in my yeah, underwear. just like I mean, I, I it's just it's not pleasant in any. It's just not. I, I I take no pleasure watching this movie, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, everyone tells me that this movie is something. I'm just yeah. like. I, I don't feel I don't feel anything watching this movie except unpleasantness. And there are people who feel that way about you know Lost Highway, and I love that one. So there's there's just just I understand. Yeah. I don't feel unpleasant is, watching them during that movie. I just don't care for it. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So there's just like I'm not okay. a Lynch guy. So people who are listening, I'm not. A, I mean, I like I think Blue Velvet's great. Elephant Man, sure. Twin you Peaks. Know. So yeah, mostly. Yeah. yeah. First season and. About half of the remake or the, the third, new, season. third season. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, yeah. uh, Sam Raimi's my guy. Yep. I love everything he's done pretty much. And uh, this was a, a real genuine surprise when it came out. Certainly a precursor for the work he would later go on to do with Spider Man. And clearly he's a comic book fan. Was this originally a comic book? I No. Okay. For no. some reason I thought it was. But you got uh, Liam Neeson and uh, Francis McDormand in this. Uh, and it's really just a cool little comic booky movie, action, uh, good sense of humor going on with this. And he basically just gets to be whoever he wants to be by making these uh, little masks. And, uh, you know, basically gets to be the bad guys and, and exact his revenge and... 
you know, that's pretty much how it goes for the whole film, but it's just really inventive. And, you know, you got to trademark Sam Raimi camera work at certain points, certainly when he's at the uh, circus. You got the little crazy zooms and all that stuff. Take the fucking elephant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that whole thing is great. Everything, I don't know, it's just one of those movies, I, whenever I go back to it, I just enjoy it. It's a quick run you know, 90 minutes maybe, and yeah. it's just a blast from beginning to end for me. I love it. I always have. Who? No foolish heroics, if you please. Is. Dark Man. They destroyed everything he had. All that he loved. Everything that he was. Now, crime has a new enemy, and justice has a brand new face. I was afraid that you wouldn't want me anymore. Of course I still want you. The good news is that I know who's behind our little troubles of late. Finish it. He has the power to look like any man. There's two of both sorts of witches! But he is unlike any man. I gotta tell you something about me. He's a cockroach. You think you're killing? And he pops up someplace else. I'm oh, I'm totally with you. Yeah. I, I love Dark Man. I mean, it's it's it, like you said, it's the precursor to you know the stuff that he would end up doing later with Spider Man, and I think it's you know as good. Um, as, almost as good as Spider-Man 2, frankly. I think it, yeah, it's, it's close, an, R, yeah. an R-rated comic book movie. Um, enjoyable right up to the very end. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, I, I just... I love... I, if this movie's on, I will watch it. I just... I, I think this movie is just trem- so much fun. Yeah. And it's, it's creative, and everyone's having a, a lot of fun doing it. From the opening scene to the last frame with the Bruce Campbell Oh, cameo, that's hilarious, yeah. If so you're a Raimi fan, you're like, yeah. yes! Uh, it's just and yeah, he got sequels, but they're mm. direct to video Universal sequels, and those you tend you should just avoid. Yeah, yeah. I forgot how much of the because I watched this uh, on New Year's Day this year, and I uh, hadn't seen it in a long time, and I forgot how much of the Evil Dead Two style carried over into oh, yeah. this movie because I this is what I another one I was excited about because I loved Evil Dead Two so much. Um, and this was this was a lot of fun. I mean, I I just remember this summer, like you know, the summer before it was all about Batman and you know comic book heroes, and like this summer I was like, well, I like Dick Tracy and Darkman more than I like Batman, and everyone's giving me weird looks. Um, <laughs> I still feel that way, but uh, no, I like I like the operatic, over the top nature of this movie. I think it's pretty interesting that uh, that Raimi, you know, was put in charge of this big you know studio film mm-hmm. and he was able to cast Liam Neeson in the lead role nobody knew who he was at the time yeah really. um so yeah it, it's it's a it's a it, yeah it's a fun really fun movie oh, oh but then what's not fun I don't want to talk about men at work no That's we don't terrible. Have to talk about men at work <laughs> it's so bad it's uh, so bad the I, the contender against loose cannons for the worst comedy of the year yeah uh, yeah I think so yeah I think you're right. Uh, but then so. we have something very special. Take it away. <laughs> Jim, can we pause for just one second? Yes.
it feels silly to go on and on about this one because no, I think don't feel silly. I think most listeners know by now how much this film means to me. It's very simple. It's echoing a little bit how Colin feels about Joe versus the volcano because this movie, I would say, saved my life in some capacity because I mean, you know, we talked about something like Permanent Record where I was like, yeah, you know, movies about depression and suicide and things that are really heavy, you know, especially with mental health really just affect me and get to me on a personal level. And this one uh, came at a time when uh, I was just an awkward 12 year old in, in junior high school feeling all kinds of things, including depression. And I never heard somebody speak my feelings the way this character in pump up the volume <laughs> did played by Christian Slater. And he plays a radio DJ, uh, a pirate radio DJ, and he basically uh, creates his own radio show in his own basement and gets to vent, gets to express his passion. And um, yeah, again, Nick and Roy recommended this movie. Uh, I asked my mom to take me to it, and I was not prepared for the emotional response I had to it um my mom was just really upset that christian slater was beating off or pretending to in the movie (laughs) which was really funny like why did he have to include that in the movie that's so obnoxious (laughs) uh but i i love the music this movie really opened up my ears to a lot of music Mm -hmm. in a major way uh i love the dialogue it's very uh, eric bogosian clearly an influence on this movie was talk radio sure (laughs) and um you know, Samantha Mathis is kind of my dream girl in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I love everything about this movie in ways that few movies ever did before it. Um, it just said everything that I was thinking and feeling about being a teenager and what he says towards the end about quitting won't make you strong. Living will. Uh, it brings a tear to my eye every time I see it. He says, find your voice and use it. I still like have gone on record and, various podcasts and about like he was the original podcaster. Like, you know, like (laughs) we all found our voices and and we use them to this day. And I think this movie, you know, even if it wasn't this big hit, I think with our age group, with our demographic, and certainly with a lot of my friends in high school, when I told them to see this movie, it all had an effect. It felt like a rebel without a cause for its time. Uh, So thank you, Nick and Roy (laughs) for reviewing this because it changed my life and it, and it has a special place in my heart and always will. Yeah. It's, this was, I mean, this came out, I was about to be a senior in high school. I mean, this came out at the end of August, which might've been a problem I, or uh, because I think if they had waited a month, you know, waited till mid September sure. while students were in school, uh, yeah, might've gotten more, to, yeah. you know, word of mouth might've spread a little bit more around the, you know, around the schools. But, um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. I, um, no, I, 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 I love going back and watching this movie, but it, I think it helps if you were there when it came out. Yes. Um, I've heard from a lot of people that this movie doesn't hold up um, for various reasons. And I, uh, you know, I'm I'm not in that camp, but I can kind of see like how somebody might watch this and think it's a little dated, which it is. But what I think is interesting about the date that it's in 
is that it has a foot in each in in both decades because it, and it mm-hmm. comes out right in the middle of 1990 is perfect because it's got a it's like it's got it's still got a foot in the 80s but it's looking ahead to the 90s it's kind of like predicting the culture like irony culture yeah, yeah, is starting yeah. to seep in a little bit while people still have their you know mullets. and he's commenting on that throughout the movie <laughs> yeah 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 and and it's like the perfect capper of uh, you know, the, 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 even though it's technically a nineties movie, it's kind of the perfect capper for the end of the eighties era mm-hmm. of teen movies yeah. and what it's trying to say the same way Heather's was. Um, and I just, uh, yeah, the soundtrack is great. It spoke to me as a teenager, definitely. Um, and, uh, I, 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 uh, so I forgot what else I was, was going to say about it. Um, but I, I, and I also enjoy the rhythm of it. Just like the way he he's always cutting to the listeners and yes. who are absorbing it and criticizing it, but also like getting something out of it and laughing. You at feel it. like a listener, yeah, That's right. What's so yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant about it, yeah, yeah. And um, and I love the sound. Yeah, uh, uh, going back to the soundtrack, I was I remember getting the soundtrack for it and being disappointed that the Leonard Cohen version. Yes, of there are a the few songs, songs that are in the movie that aren't on the soundtrack that I wish they were. Like, yeah, hey, Dad, I'm I'm in jail. Yeah. Hello, Dad, I'm in jail. I love, <laughs> love that, that song. I know. I want to hear that whole thing. Um, yeah, this, no, this is one of my favorite movies of the year too. It's not in my top ten. It's in my top fifteen, I think. But, it better uh, be. But uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it very much. Um, it's been a while since I've seen the movie. I didn't get a chance to revisit it uh, for for the show because I was busy watching Lombardo movies. Um, but what I was struck me from the last time I saw, it, which was some years after I left high school, obviously. Um, how the film seemed to be commenting on stuff in my life that hadn't happened yet. And, and what I mean by that is that even though this movie, I liked the movie when I, when I first saw it, um, and I can't say that it inspired me in any particular way at the time, but maybe it was, and I just didn't know it. That's how I feel um, a little bit too. And going back and finding that, cause it's like I mentioned earlier, this freshman sophomore year that i was having uh was not a good period as far as fitting in socially and mm-hmm. whatnot even though i had friends there were people in class or above me that were not made my life great same um but so i had to work on not reinventing myself but putting out there a version of myself that they they would appreciate you know, and that's when I started to create movies in high school, and I started to do things that were creative that people that could make people laugh, yeah. as opposed to laugh at me. I gave them something else to laugh at, yeah. and then they could go, "Oh, you're the guy that made me laugh here," so I'm, well, I'm not going to, you know, make fun of you. Um, so, like thinking about that, like watching it again and seeing how he inspired certain people, and uh, yeah, so it was, it, it was it was weird watching it again, and just like, wow, he. Was ahead of I, he was ahead of me yeah. on this, yeah. and I didn't I didn't directly give it its due at the time because I just I didn't put those those two things together in my head. But it was something that must have stuck in there like an inception kind of thing. It I just think kind of it stuck did totally somewhere in my head for a lot of people, yeah. without realizing it at the time. Yeah, yeah totally. and it just I, I found myself, and and that made my last couple of years in high school mm-hmm. better. Yeah, you know, and, and, was and an I was still the same guy. I was still the same guy, but I, I found I found an outlet to uh, give people yeah to, to look at. There's an interesting response from parents because uh, 
when Nick and Roy re- reviewed it on the show, that they dedicated like a half hour to a caller who objected morally to the film. And it was a parent who thought it was going to be dangerous. Mm. Like it was going to cause riots or certainly just the depiction of, you know, cause at one point a character does commit suicide yeah. and Christian Slater does say in the film, you know, maybe it's, it's better than doing that is better than being in high school. But that's not what the message of the movie is, but right. the parents yeah. were taking away certain things. And I remember Nick and Roy, I didn't, I don't remember the whole conversation. I just remember they actually took the time to talk to a caller about why they objected to this movie and why they saw it differently than the caller did. So it was just really interesting for yeah. them to do that in the midst of all this. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like a huge hit at the time, but it, it stuck with me and my friends mm-hmm. in a major way. So I don't really find it exactly cheerful to be living in a totally like exhausted decade where there's nothing to look forward to and no one to look up to. He's got a pirate radio station. Nobody knows who he is. I, I could be that anonymous nerd sitting across from you and you turn around and he just looks away. He never looks back at you again. This is a song for the 90s. Welcome to Dorena Central. May I take your order, please? Yeah, I want... That was deep. <laughs> I like the idea that a voice can just go somewhere uninvited. Like a dirty thought in a nice, clean mind. I know you. Not your name, but your game. Come to me, or I'll come to you. So you are him. Yes, who? It's me again with a little attitude for all you out here in White Bird Land. It's 10 o'clock. Do you care where your parents are? This radio person is the whole problem. I'll touch on really quick. Uh, really underrated movie uh, from Nicholas Rogue uh, based on uh, Roald Dahl's book, The Witches. Really good movie. Really good movie mm-hmm. with uh, wonderful puppetry effects from Jim Henson's workshop. Um, and Angelica Houston as the head witch. She's, so much fun. She's great. Aren't they remaking this? Maybe Robert Zemeckis. Oh, coming out this year. Oh, oh really? Weird. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yes. wild. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I I'm I love this one. I, I think it's I think it's really terrific. And then uh, yeah, one of too. one of our you know one of the great auteurs of cinema, Akira Kurosawa, his final film, uh, Dreams came out uh spielberg I should, see, I should see this you I should see it yeah I have, it's been a, it's kurosawa is another blind spot for me i've seen it's, the big ones but yeah there's quite a few this like isn't this considered one. a big one but uh spielberg helped get it made um he's, so he's it's got his name on it um and uh scorsese's in it oh, as, okay. as vincent van gogh um yeah it's i know it's as weird as it sounds but uh this is a, a really um surreal uh uh movie that is um it's basically a collection of sequences and sequence uh, dream sequences okay um it, so you know it's not like a plot driven movie at all um and it's uh I, I i think it's hypnotic i think, I think it's an absolutely beautiful movie it's it's slow it's languid you gotta you know be ready for that but um some of the imagery in this movie like i it just stuck with me um, so this was, I think, Kurosawa went out on a high note. This is a great film. I okay, think. yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it at some point. 
the witches, I'll just comment briefly. The witches I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think once it get, especially once it gets into the transformation stuff and whatnot, mm-hmm. and it gets into that. Because uh, I think the work with the the mice and whatnot, yeah, just, that's it's really good. Really, yeah. really nicely done. Um, the, the stuff beforehand, I, I think the setup is a little broad and not well acted, I guess. But yeah, I think it it, it, it finds it finds its groove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we move on to September then. One of uh, one movie that kind of shot up to my into my top ten. Um, from this month or from this year, uh, was postcards from the edge. Really like that one. Mm. I, really I, I absolutely love it. I mean, I've, I've always liked it a lot, but, um, I, I really just, this is what happens when you give a great cast, a great script mm-hmm. and you and a great director. And, you know, and just, it comes from the heart and you can tell this is very autobiographical. Oh yeah. Carrie it's based Fisher. on Carrie Fisher's. I mean, she wrote the screenplay and yeah. it's based on her book and her experiences with her mom. And, um, it's uh, Meryl Streep and uh, Shirley MacLaine playing basically uh, Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher, but uh, fictionalized versions of them. Uh, Gene Hackman's in it too, so he's you know he's got at least one good movie from this year, <laughs> uh, playing a director whose uh, movie is falling apart because you know, you know, the Carrie Fisher um, surrogate character is falling apart too. Um, uh, this is just one of those movies where you just watch great actors chewing on great dialogue and the, you know, the sparks are there. The chemistry is there. He totally believes this, this relationship. Um, and, uh, it's, it's, it's a great Hollywood movie. Great mother daughter movie. Great again. Mother daughter yeah. movie again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this, this is one of my favorites of the year. Yeah. It's, it's one of those I go back to once in a while and really enjoy just going back with the, and, and, and re-experiencing these characters and their, their interactions together and, I, I really love any I love Shirley MacLaine in this movie. She's a hoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. I, I don't I don't want to say I love it, but mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's 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 solid. Uh, and the, obviously the two of them are really are really good together. Um, yeah, the the popular. I mean, Dreyfus has some good. Scenes oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. Um, and that's a story that I remember Carrie Fisher telling about how the doctor pumped her stomach, sent her flowers, and stuff like that <laughs> and whatnot. Um, yeah, Carrie Fisher. I, mean, I was I was really. Struck me hard when Carrie Fisher died. Of oh, course, um, yeah. And that was when I, I re- revisited this movie then, and I yeah, just I did it again did mm-hmm. uh, for the podcast. I, the first time I saw it, I I thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, now I think it's it's solid. I mm-hmm. mean, it's a, it's a it's a solid film. Um, and I'm I'll just move down, uh, but to another movie about movies uh, and filmmaking in Hollywood um, of a darker variety if you can imagine something darker than you know carrie fisher's life story um but uh clint eastwood made a movie in which he basically played john houston Houston. during the filming of the african queen and the movie is white hunter black heart uh written by i want to say uh it was based on a book written by somebody who was with john houston during that time um, basically, Jeff, Jeff Fahey pretty much plays that character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, John Houston, during the making of the African Queen, was obsessed with uh, wanting to hunt and kill and uh, shoot an elephant. Um, much more so, he was much more interested in that than making the movie. And the movie is about that sort of quest. Um, and it's really, it's a movie that is difficult to watch because. Uh, I mean, it's, it's good to watch because the performances are so good and, you know, it's, it's, it's a really interesting film from, from Eastwood. Um, but it's, he's playing a character that is very unlikable and very, you know, hard to sympathize with very misogynistic, of course, too. Indeed. Um, 
And so you're not exactly rooting for him to get this elephant. At least I wasn't. No, 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 You know, just basically just doing all the wrong things. But I think it's the final moment in the movie that I think makes the journey worth it mm-hmm. because of what happens to him and what he the the emotional. I mean, the journey that he goes on up to the very end, which he didn't, he doesn't have to say anything. You can read it on Eastwood's face. You can, you can, you, it's perfect. It's, and it, it ends on a beautiful note. And I think that's where the movie was like, okay, now I, now I really love this movie is that because of that final moment. Yeah. It's it elevated by that for sure. Yeah. yeah. But I, uh, Clint Eastwood, when he gets self-reflexive, like, or self-reflected, I guess with this and like unforgiven, that's, mm-hmm. that's top tier quality. Yeah. You know, Eastwood for me. And it's also just, a little bit of a meditation on masculinity and just kind of, oh God, you know, please. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, that's just hovering over the oh, movie yeah. and like just hitting you in the face. Oh with yeah. It's masculinity. It's, it's toxic and, in that. Region. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's interesting to watch now. And it's certainly, I mean, it's, Definitely one of the better Clint Eastwood films, in my opinion. I th- I absolutely agree. I think it's, yeah. I think it's maybe the most underrated film on his entire filmography. I think it is one of his best performances by yeah. far. I mm-hmm. think he is tremendous in this movie. Uh, Jeff Fahey's good too, and this is a period mm-hmm. Jeff Fahey was starting to, was like getting like these bigger <laughs> roles and whatnot. And there, Jeff Fahey was almost a star for. Oh, a we're moment. gonna get to Lawnmower Man yeah, eventually. We Yay. will get to Lawnmower Man eventually. <laughs> um, but no, and it's just, and again, just I mean, movies about the making of movies. Even though it's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of stuff about the screenplay of the African Queen, and it's it's kind of masked in the movie. I mean, he's not playing John Huston; he's playing John Miller or something, yeah. whatever, something yeah. like that. Um, so it's a little bit masked, but you know, the whole movie they're talking about the African Queen, they're talking about changing yeah. the ending and all these kind of things and whatnot. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, I've always there's the scene where he there's like a a racist woman that he confronts in the movie. Over dinner. Oh yeah, I've always loved that. So he tells mm-hmm. the story about uh, you know confronting a, a, a racist uh, from his past. That's I've always loved that scene in the movie, uh, and the, yeah, that final shot of the movie is perfect. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. A time of innocence. Oh, a state of grace. Terry Noonan never thought he'd come back to the old neighborhood. To the best friend he ever had. To the first girl he ever loved. To a shadowy world of violence, intimidation, and fear. Where brother threatens brother. Where love is darkened by betrayal. And then we get another gangster movie. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Not the one that we're going to get to next, but, uh, no. but uh, <laughs> uh, Phil Gelano's uh, State of Grace with uh, Gary Oldman and um, Sean Penn and uh, Ed Harris. And mm-hmm. yeah, uh, John C. Riley. And yeah. yeah, again, more more toxic masculinity for you. <laughs> everybody's Indeed. just everybody's just like, you know. This uh, movie's kind of scorching intensity. too. Yeah, <laughs> it's intense. Everybody's intense Hell's in it. Yeah. Uh, it's a little. It's it's too long, but I but I think the performances are really good. I think it's I think it's worth watching. Um, yeah, it is long. I didn't realize how long it was. Very but long. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good uh, Oldman. Oh, he's mm-hmm. so good in this. He's very good in it. He's very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's, good it's, yeah. It is. It's very it. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. the final shootout again. Too much slow motion. But eh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's still really good. And a really good score, um, Morricone. 
I, I, yeah. I student grace is probably even more memorable for me because in high school that this period of the pump up value period that I referred to, uh, we did this version of Macbeth uh, that was somewhat based on the gangster versions of Macbeth that were being done around the men of respect uh, mm-hmm. and stuff. And in our version of it, we have an opening shoot. Macbeth has the battle at the beginning, but we have an opening shootout at the movie, and we used footage from State of Grace. <laughs> Specifically, Ed Harris getting shot in the head. And this is a Catholic high school, by the way, that we did this in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just like we opened with this bloodline, 45-minute <laughs> version of Macbeth that we did uh, that's still – very close to my I was, heart. I'm, but, yeah. For some reason, I thought there was a U2 connection to this. I feel like maybe... There was a U2, U2 song in it at one point. Oh, okay. That's it's it. It's like playing in the bar in the background. Oh, okay. So Which song? That's it. I, I remember... I, I've Red Hill Mining Town, I want to say, from okay. Joshua Tree. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, one, of, one, of, one of the filler, one of the non-hits from Joshua Tree is playing in the background. I think okay. it's that one. Um, but then we get to the centerpiece of the year. Okay, um, yes, what can you say yes. about this movie? <laughs> not everybody... <laughs> Um, Repossessed. The, yeah. Uh, the masterpiece of 1990. Um, just, you know, a, a, a high mark in Martin Scorsese's career. Uh, Goodfellas. I mean, yeah, you're right. What what else is there to, to say about it? Um, it's perfect. It I, is, every time I watch him, like, how is this movie this perfect? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. By every conceivable measure, a perfect film. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Hey, Mom, what do you think? You look like a gangster. I know I'd By the time I grew up, there was 30 billion a year in cargo moving through Idlewild Airport. Believe me, we tried to steal every bit of it. What do you do? I'm in construction. He's not Jewish. Mazel tov. <laughs> For most of the guys, killings got to be accepted. Hey, Henry. Here's an arm. Very funny, guys. Here's a leg. Here's a wing. <laughs> what do you like, the leg or the wing? For us to live any other way was nuts. <laughs> and we were treated like movie stars with muscle. We had it all just for the asking. It's going to be a good summer. <laughs> it was a glorious time. On the streets where the violent have power, a new generation carries on an old tradition. Every song choice, every camera, every edit, every performance, uh, the script, the way it just crackles and moves along, um, the pacing of it uh, is just the story. It is endlessly rewatchable. You can watch this movie over and over again and never get tired of it. Uh, there's yeah. not a whole lot of Most movies. People, a lot of people about. I know do, and yeah, I understand yeah. why. Yeah, um, yeah. Just uh, this is this is the. You know, I don't. Know what else? Yeah, what else yeah. is there to say? Eric? Has to I, be, yeah, <laughs> I, there, I mean, I don't know how many first time viewing experiences you remember, like every moment of in your life. I will say this: a few. My first time viewing, watching this, I didn't love it as much as I love it now. Okay, this was a, this is a time of year I want to point this out as record this as a memory. This is a time of year when I had this little tradition. Um, <laughs> I told my parents I was going to work on Monday nights 
but I would actually take the van and go to a movie that wasn't playing at our theater, which was a lot. Uh, so Goodfellas, I saw, you know, on a school night uh-huh. and I was kind of tired and it's a long movie. And mm-hmm. I was just, there's so much to take in because it moved so fast. Oh yeah. And, and yeah, I, yeah. I couldn't keep up with it. And so like by the end I was like, I got to see that again. I don't, I, it was, it's great, but I got to see it again. I'm tired. <laughs> I, uh, didn't see it till it came on a video. Mm-hmm. So, and I was, that was, mm-hmm. I had my first job at the, that was like three months into my first job at video, old video plus emporium. And we got good in the night before we put it on the shelves. And so I, Got to take home a copy, and that morning, like before, or that night, uh, that night, I watched it. Got up the next morning, watched it again before going to work that morning. I just, I just remember, just I, I was in rapture mm-hmm. watching that movie. I, I did not expect to, you know. I mean, I've seen The Godfather, I, you know, seen some other mob movies and things like that. I was not prepared for what I was seeing. Just, I mean, how funny it was, how mm-hmm. shocking it was. Uh, how vulgar was? I mean, just everything about that movie. Uh, and then you know you get up to that ninth sequence in 1980, and you're just like, Ooh, oh, wee. what a what <laughs> what a rush! Mm-hmm. I um, felt like I was on coke. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> that's the whole point of that sequence. Yeah, and just everything about that. I mean, no one is coming to this podcast to hear more hot takes on Goodfellas. <laughs> so I just, I yeah, all I, all I need is to just talk about the experience of watching that movie for the first time and yeah if it's not, if it's it's a remote dropper if yeah. i don't care where it's mm-hmm. where it is and really it, it redefined that genre forever mm-hmm. forever i mean godfather was in this this epic treatment of a piece of american life that not everyone gets a you know a magnifying glass to goodfellas really you know if godfather was the Jagoff version of the Metropolitan, <laughs> kind of like the glamorized version of yeah. that life in a way, in a way. I, I mean, the violence and whatnot, bit. but it is it's got a sheen to it. Mm-hmm. This is you know this and like you know, go seven years later, like Donnie Brasco is like even like the more like the underrated, really underbelly of like yeah. these guys are kind of pathetic. They're yeah. knocking off you know uh, parking meters and stuff like that. You know, but this movie really kind of showed you what that life was and what it was to be the 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 highs and the lows and the ultimate irony of the thing is that he gets the american dream at the end and he doesn't want it Mm -hmm. he gets the picket the white picket fence and the house and the suburbs and he gets the american dream (laughs) and he doesn't want it yep you know egg noodles and ketchup and what's really weird about the most recent rewatch is that at one point de niro in a bar says there's only one irishman here yeah that's right i remember that's right yes that's right yeah whoa hello <laughs> yeah, you assault them a little bit. Yeah, just yeah. a little bit. Just People a little bit. <laughs> oh man, it's, it's endlessly. I, everybody quotable. knows this movie. Everybody loves yeah. it. And if you don't, something's wrong with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Another Monday night movie that I saw that I also needed to see again to appreciate was another mob movie, Miller's Crossing. This is one that I've had to watch like three. Well, a lot like Coen Brothers movies. Strangely enough, I've had to watch it three or four times to really love and now i do yeah i i am kind of the same way on it i mean i loved i I, i've always loved certain aspects of it but i I always felt kind of distant or you know detached from it now when i watch it i i'm i'm i feel much more involved in it certainly more than when i saw it at first in the theater yeah um the danny boy sequence oh albert finney yeah so good Mm mm-hmm 
Yeah, this is like one of my like two or three favorite Coen Brothers mm. movies. Uh, it, it, it's it's a mob movie, mob story in its own right, but uh, it's also a movie like a lot of Coen Brothers movies. You know, deconstructing it mm-hmm. a little bit, yeah, and uh, you know, giving a subverting a your expectations, right? It totally yeah. and giving you this heavy violence. It's also very funny. Uh, it's it, it's a John twi- Polito. Yeah, completely the hi-hat. Oh, gosh. Uh, it's it creates its, its own a, language. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's you beautiful. Know, uh, um, you know, don't get in a twist. Um, you know, what's, what's the rumpus? The rumpus? <laughs> um, yeah, so, so many things. Steve Buscemi, you know, he has a brief moment in the movie. Uh, yeah, just uh, everything about this movie crackles. And it and it's, you know, it was it's so unfair that this movie came out like a week or a couple days after Goodfellas. Yeah, that's Actually, wild. that is just bad timing like fox mm-hmm. what are you doing yeah um and you know Turturro. oof that i mean that, that back to back is, with this and barton fink man Jeez. yeah i you mean know? yeah i mean yeah this is every everything about this movie i love uh yeah. the, the the violence of it the humor the it's a twisty movie without you realizing it's a twisty movie you don't realize mm-hmm. the ch- the chess game that's really going on in this thing, uh, and no matter how many times you watch it, you're always sort of finding new things that Tom is doing in, in the movie. And, mm-hmm. uh, you're playing the game that he's doing. Yeah, I I love and 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 also it's you know people sort of talk about how like Shawshank Redemption is this great kind of guy romance movie without actually being a you know a yeah. romance movie. Mm-hmm. This movie between. Gabriel Byrne and Albert, Albert Finney, Finney. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. The final shot kind of cements that in your head that this is a guy that loves this mm-hmm. this man, mm-hmm. and he would do he would do anything for him. Uh, and I think that's so beautifully realized in the final moments with Carter Burwell's very memorable Beautiful score, score. Mm-hmm. in the movie. Uh, yeah, I I love Miller's Crossing. I love movies yeah. with hats. So yes, plenty of plenty of them here. Look at your heart. I'm praying to you. Look at your heart. Don't tell her it's me. Uh, <laughs> this is the Steve what Gutenberg. Is it, what? Steve Gutenberg, and you don't know. Oh, this movie? the yes. yes, It was called. It was originally called, called the, the Boyfriend, Boyfriend School. School. Yes, yes. Uh, so I'll just read you my notes because oh, I did watch it. Okay. Uh, wacky animated cancer montage. Uh, find the theme song and put it in. Um, that's my note to you. Find, okay. Find the theme song to "Don't Tell Her It's Me." That song. She finds out who Is that the opening theme? Uh, that's the, the opening theme. It's a wacky animated cancer sequence. Uh, um, <laughs> does it have like a scene where like he like he doesn't have hair and has to put his wig on? And I stuff, think so. Or? Yeah, uh, xenophobia towards Japanese food at one point. Uh, Kyle MacLachlan plays a guy named Trout in this movie. Uh, yeah. Um, oh yeah. But so this is yeah Steve oh, Gutenberg and, okay. and um, who else? Who the hell else is in this movie? Shelley Steve Gutenberg, Shelley Long. That's yeah. it. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, and Jamie Gertz. Jamie Gertz, yeah, right. Yeah. So you know it's you know the mark of quality right there. Uh, the, the key. <laughs> you really don't like Jamie Gertz. Do I you? don't like. Jamie <laughs> Gertz. 
the um and then the key grip gets fourth billing in the closing credits uh which i've never seen before anyway those are my notes on don't tell her it's me uh it's a really terrible movie the only I, thing i remember about cancer this, comedy yeah the cancer comedy oh, oh god damn it um the only thing i remember about this movie is like steve gutenberg starts the movie like he ends the day after <laughs> wait oh god yeah, because he's what bald or is right he's, yeah okay yeah yeah, but but it's like really he like it's like really bad. Like he he looks like he's dying at the beginning of the movie. That's yeah. I remember that well, much about it. And then he's because the people the, the, if I remember right, the premise of the movie is that he he's trying to impress Jamie Gertz, something like that. Okay, mm-hmm. and so he has to invent this almost like Fabio type persona, mm-hmm. and he's got like the leather jacket and the mic, the, yeah. motorcycle, the motorcycle and whatnot. Yeah. But he's really but he's got cancer. So yeah. that's the secret he's hiding. He has cancer. That's, that's the farce. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. I looked oh, it up on Amazon Jesus Prime, Christ. and it says, you will also like Listen to Me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Jamie Gertz. There you go. Guys say that they lift cars to relieve the ache in their balls. <laughs> so, oh, that's I, just me. I did want to bring up, just it's because we looked like we, we passed over it. Did any of you guys go back and revisit Hardware? Oh, no. Oh, yeah, I love Hardware, actually. Do you? Okay. Yeah, well, I do. I just forgot no. about it. I, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you said that, because I don't. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not too crazy about the cult behind this director. The way it seems, I think after just watching Color Out of Space within the week, I was Which I like, also don't like. I didn't like it that, either. That's why. I, that's and why I wanted to bring it up. It feels like the Mandy of this year, where I'm like, why does everybody love this so much? Yeah. I don't get it. It's just weird. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember skipping Color Out of Space. Richard Stanley. Is yeah, the, yeah. Richard Stanley's the director we're to. talking about, but I remember really loving Hardware, and I think it was just. Because it was so gross and so creepy and just the, the Originally killer robot. Originally X for violence before yeah. they, they changed NC-17. It actually sat on the shelf for a while because of that and rights issues or something. I don't know. There's like the weird voyeuristic thing going on with the neighbor. Yeah, it's just I watched it again because I saw it back back in the day because there was this cult behind it. And I'm just like... It didn't. I mean, like the, the setup is kind of interesting, but then he, he likes to linger on his setups and he does the same yeah. thing with color out of space too. It's like he lingers, 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 mm-hmm. and when he should be getting to the crux, and like, and then he, you know, something happens, and then he lingers, 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 and then something. I'm just like, okay, well, there's no momentum here. And by the time you finally get to some of the gross stuff, and it's just, it's, it's a variation on old, you know, science fiction, uh, you know, killer robot movies, basically. Uh, and yeah, it's got yeah. a couple gross scenes in it, but like, so what? And that's my entire thing. That and even color out of space. I was just like, so what? Hmm. You know, I just found it effective when I saw it. Okay, it's been a long time since I've seen it, so maybe it doesn't hold up. But yeah, it doesn't. Hmm. For at least for me, it doesn't. I saw. I watched a very clean, a really scrubbed version of it because on VHS, it's. I mean, it's as gritty as it looks on VHS. But I saw oh, God, a more yeah. scrubbed version of it, and I just it didn't work for me. How is Pacific Heights? I meant to go back and rewatch it, and I didn't. Not very good. Okay. I think this was like the first of my rewatches. Okay. Uh, mm. Just because it was there. It might have been one of my first rewatches. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's not good. Okay. I mean, let's no. let's get that out of the way. It's, it's not, not good. Um, the, the screen, it's a really stupid plot. I mean, the, the, the what Michael Keaton is doing in the movie um, basically like a trust fund baby. He could have been a metropolitan and he, <laughs> but he's like, you know, castigated out of the, out of the family. And now he's a petty con artist. And like his whole plan is just, it's so 
It's just so elaborate. It's just like it's like there's got dude. There's got to be easier ways for you to make money. I mean, even, even, there's got to be easier ways for you to make a lot of money, frankly. Uh, but I, I give the Keaton props in the movie because the, the, the if you watch the movie as Michael Keaton plotting to make Matthew Modine overact as much as possible, <laughs> not hard. Oh, to it's do. very That's effective. That. It's yeah, very effective yeah. in that respect because halfway through this movie, Matthew Modine reaches an apex of Modine-ish. <laughs> and and it's just it's like oh this is so this is even dumber than I remember, um, and it, and it doesn't get any better from there. No, as, as we referred to him on the Directors Club with when it was Brad and Al, worst of all, Matthew Modine. Every time you know, we also yeah. referred to him as worst of all Matthew Modine when we did the Jonathan of, Demi. Speaking yeah, of Director's episodes. Club, I don't know why Patrick watched it the other day, but he did. And one of the quotes from the movie he put on here is that these people are parasites. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I think yeah, that's okay. a line of dialogue in the movie. Okay. So. I think it is. I think you're right. If I remember, I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Um, Not a good movie. Another another gangster movie. Um, what? One that I saw for the first time last week, which hmm. is uh, King of New York with Christopher Walken. Another one of those that everybody loves. I liked it. I like it. Too. Really? I do. It's okay. Really? Yeah. It's okay. I like it. I don't love it. I'm, it's not one of those I'm like as passionate about, especially when you have such other great gangster movies this year. He served his time. What can we expect from the reformed Frank White? I want to be mayor. He paid his debt. Go someplace where he can stay out of trouble. But some things don't change. From here on, nothing goes down unless I'm involved. No blackjack, no dope deals, no nothing. You're waiting years for this. I know what you're up to, White. Forget it. I'm going to make you and your friends disappear long before that. Are you arresting me? Frank's Park Avenue attorney can get him out in ten minutes. Ten minutes later! I feel no remorse. I got a quarter million dollar contract on anyone involved in this case. I, I mean, the cast is good. Yeah, know? I think Walken's great in it. Yeah, no, he's very good in it. He's in the movie for like 25 minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I just, that, that was what struck me watching because I, I did rewatch it and I didn't like it back then. But I mean, Abel Ferrara directed the movie and mm-hmm. it was praised back in the day. Didn't didn't do anything for me then, and it didn't do anything for me now. And but the thing that struck me watching it is like I'm like Christopher Walker is barely in this movie. <laughs> it's like there's so much with like hmm. Fishburne's character and the cops. There is yeah. there's yeah, so yeah. much with the cops mm-hmm. and whatnot. Uh, and I, it's just like this movie does absolutely zero mm. for me. Okay. Mm. Well, all right. Well, I'm not going to passionately yeah. defend yeah, it not, or anything. Okay. I yeah. just I enjoy it while I'm watching it. <clears throat> okay. But uh, should we move on to October then? Yes, let's sure. see. All right. Um, so the first thing I have for October, October 5th uh, weekend, um, uh, Barry Levinson's fi- you know, third in his Baltimore trilogy, Avalon, oh, right. um, which is a movie that I went back and rewatched. And uh, I, I, I still kind of like this movie. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's very, you know, it's full of nostalgia for, you know, that particular time period, Baltimore, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, this is like I said, the third in his Baltimore trilogy. The first was Diner, then Tin Man, and now Avalon. So this is one of those movies that direct a director wants to make after he has a string of hits and says, "Okay, I want to make my personal project that I've had in my drawer for all this time, and now I've, yeah, I've, yeah. I've made billions of dollars. Let me make this film." And of course, you know, it's it's not a big hit, but it's wasn't really designed to be. But um, I no, I think there's some good stuff in this movie. There's some stuff that's a little too precious, as uh, as is the 
the case of a lot of Barry Levinson movies. Oh, yeah. Um, certainly here. But um, and it's it's definitely a movie that is personal to him and that won't connect with a, a lot of people. But uh, it's one of my favorite Randy Newman scores. Um, I think there's some the, really beautiful stuff in this. Yeah, movie. I remember that for sure. Yeah. Um, Apparently there's four Baltimore films. Oh, OK. There's the fourth one called Liberty Heights. Oh, Liberty God. Heights. Oh, God. That, ugh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, he went back to the well, didn't he? I forgot. Yeah. Um, but this was meant to be he, at the time he was referring yeah, to this as, as a trilogy. The trilogy. So anyway, uh, it's it's an OK movie. Yeah, it's good. It's fine. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um. But then now, okay, now this is the first official NC-17 movie. Correct. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Philip Kaufman's Henry and June um, movie about Henry Miller and um, his... Uh, Anais Nin. And- yeah. Um, and Richard E. Grant trying to do an American accent and not doing a good job. As much as I love Richard E. Grant, yeah. he did not do a good, a convincing American accent. Mm-hmm. And Fred, Fred Ward wearing one of the worst bald caps I've ever seen an actor wear. <laughs> oh, it's just, I mean, there's a lot of bad accents and bad bald caps and lots, lots, lots of mansplaining in this movie. It's a movie that really doesn't hold up at all if it was no. ever good. No. Um, it's boring. Yeah, no, it's, it is. It is. Uh, even even if you're like you know easily titillated by the NC seventeen rating, ugh, yeah, it's not worth it. Okay, first of all, it's a chore. It's a chore. It's a yeah, chore. I one hundred percent agree with both of you guys. Um, uh, one, the NC seventeen. If I've, I've watched this movie again, yeah. it's remarkable how tame the movie is. Oh yeah, when yeah. You, mm-hmm. you consider what was an NC seventeen movie in nineteen ninety. Right, this movie is remarkably tame mm-hmm. for what yeah. it is, and just the fact that it's got some you know, naked lesbian stuff in the movie. That's really that's about it. Yeah. Okay. Um. It's it's a very rapey movie. Mm, yeah. Very pretty pretty, pretty rapey because the movie <laughs> Kevin Spacey's in it. Kevin Spacey is in it. Oh, that's right. Kevin yes. Spacey is in yep. it. Speaking of rapey stuff. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, Kevin Spacey's in it. Really don't like movies that try to tell me how sexy they are. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, everyone's got their own thing, but there are movies that are just kind of naturally. I mean, Sex Lies and Videotape is a sexy movie and doesn't yeah. isn't doesn't broadcasting to you exactly. how sexy it is. This movie is trying to, you know, get into the forbidden passions and the desires and whatnot. Mm. I mean, the, this movie is not like far Wild Orchid or some shit. Well, you know? we just, couldn't talk about Wild Orchid. It's a 1990 movie. Um, but this movie is right. I, it's, it's just adjacent to Zalman King. It really is. It feels that, that yeah. level of like, ooh, ooh, like you know. Cinemax After Dark. Red right. But, but, but again, I've seen Cinemax After Dark stuff that's sexier than this movie. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. You know, I don't need people to be telling me about. You know, and, and of course, you know, anytime Henry Miller Tropic Cancer comes up, I think of Seinfeld. That's the yeah. book that George Costanza didn't. Return I think of the, After you know, Hours. <laughs> return to the Library, and uh, Jerry, Mister Bookman, shows up, and yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's a good book that I don't think would hold up today. It's yeah, he's a creep. Henry mm-hmm. Miller is a creep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, moving on then. Um, there's a movie that, uh, I was very surprised by still how entertaining it was. And I hadn't seen this since it came out on video, uh, which was, uh, speaking of Matthew Modine, Memphis Bell. Yeah. Good movie. Really? Good. I like, I like, yeah. I like it too. I do too. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, holds up. Yeah, it, it's a kind of earnest war movie that they don't really make that much sure. of mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives a, it gives a really good sense of what it was like to be in those planes. Yes. So you, you know, speaking of claustrophobia and mm-hmm. just oh, for know, sure, I felt it. Oh man, <laughs> it was just like I get like what this is. You know, much of the same way Christopher Nolan did with Dunkirk. You get a real good sense good of the weight yeah. and the and the geography of being in them and 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 just the 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 time passing and um yeah this is a really good movie it is so that's the crew of the memphis bell huh they're just ordinary men colonel they fly 24 missions without a scratch that doesn't sound very ordinary to me vomiter checking in assume positions for takeoff it was a time when boys became soldiers sir that's the third rank down there 30 seconds to bomb run Strangers became brothers. I know that I shall meet my fate somewhere among the clouds above. Look out, look out! They got the rookies. Smile? What is there to smile about, sir? You guys have finished 24 missions. One more and you get to go home. That sure make me smile. And I like the the inclusion of the John Lithgow character who is oh, yeah. very, you know, kind of like leaning on the propaganda, but and it, it's, it's the character that's there you're kind of meant to sneer at a little bit but then there's moments where you're just like no he's kind of got a little bit of a point but I mean these mm-hmm. people should be celebrated for what they are uh, and it's a, it's a really good cast I mean Modine Tate Donovan Eric Stoltz Billy Zane uh, Harry Connick Jr. gets to sing in the movie that's right <laughs> um, yeah. yeah a Lithgow Davis Strathairn is, is is in it um, yeah no I, this is this is a, just a you you summed it up perfectly. The, the kind of you know earnest war movie that they mm-hmm. don't make uh, much of anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I don't need to talk about Mister Destiny. That's okay. Nope, it's better. It's basically like it's a wonderful life with Jim Belushi. Yeah, but yeah. it's better than taking care of business. It's better than taking care of business because you have Michael Caine as a bartender mm-hmm. and. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I it's I guess it's got mo it's a weird every time we say we don't need to talk about this, we end up talking about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're trying to get the degrees of how bad they are. It's just mm-hmm. like we want people to understand that I don't I don't hate this movie. I don't I mean I'm not recommending it, but I mean compared yeah. to taking care of business, it's you know, it I don't looks know. like it's, it's just like the, the guys is like, Yeah, I'm oh, I'm so miserable in my life and I married. If he just hit Hamilton. that baseball, Jim, if he had just hit that I baseball know, right? life would have gone mm-hmm. yeah. No thanks. One movie that um, our friend Sergio Mims always encouraged us or encouraged us to try and watch, and I finally watched is uh, watch this damn movie, and it's on Criteria now. To sleep with anger. With, yes, uh, I'm going to watch it this year with Just Danny Glover. It's mm-hmm. a very good movie. I've recently had the opportunity to be in a very special motion picture called To Sleep with Anger. It's the first major film written and directed by noted filmmaker Charles Burnett. To Sleep with Anger. It's a film about old friends. Ah! Oh, oh, man, I seen you what, what? It must be 30 years or more. I'm telling you, Harry is nothing but evil. <laughs> Boy, that's bad luck to touch a fellow with a broom. Oh. Boy, must be turning over. Take me to the wall. Take me to are you a friend, Harry? Take me to the water. All right, I said it. Harry sets foot in this house one more time, but I'm taking Sonny and leaving. Another uh, movie that I would say is a two and a half star movie that 
I think I think may have liked it more when it, I first saw it back 30 years ago and I watched it the other night as uh, white palace. Okay. I think it's okay. It's okay. Um, I, no, I don't know. I just there's it's a some good way scene. to wake up, though. There's some, <laughs> <laughs> there's some scenes like really work, and I just some scenes just really don't. Um, Sarandon so, a- playing the manic pixie dream woman. Yeah, <laughs> not the girl, but the woman. Older woman, forty three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's twenty seven, and that's the big conflict in the movie. And now that I'm forty seven, I look at that and go, so. Um, but <laughs> I just like, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, but no. it's uh no, I th- no it's okay Sarandon's good in it Spader's good in it I you know it's, it's uh, Jason Alexander playing another douchey best best friend in this movie um yeah we've got to mention him in Pretty Woman yeah he's yeah uh, oh right yeah that that I guess that was his thing this or he almost gets a little rapey in that movie yeah he does oh. uh yeah from Seinfeld yeah anyway. I just I I just thought this movie was just okay uh, but, uh two uh, two things uh one the the first scene the first sex scene with her yeah. that that's a sexy scene that's a, yes, that is a very sexy, sexy scene. scene that's a sexy yes. scene uh two i try to avoid susan sarandon movies now <laughs> okay just, i understand yeah um oh okay yeah but we want to i mean if we want to talk sexy the hot spot oh yeah <laughs> we have not talked about the that's hot true spot, we have not. you know what yeah. and i'm I, not on board for the two Dennis Hopper movies. I didn't came say out you have to be on board for it. I'm talking sexy, Jim. I, I mean, <laughs> what are we? What are we doing here? I'm not. I'm like not talking about long. quality. I'm talking about sexy here. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about movies I, that you know. I know. Eric is moving uncomfortably close to Jim right now. <sighs> it's really creepy. Eric, Eric, sit down. Come on, Jim. I love Jennifer Connelly as much as I know. I know. I love Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, there's reasons to see it. I understand. Yes, there are. There are a couple reasons to see this movie. There are a couple scenes. Don't get creepy on me. I'm talking about there's a couple of nice scenes in this movie <laughs> that you know turn certain people into men. Do you want me I'm to just, leave? Mm-hmm. No, no, I, okay. Colin, you sit right there. <laughs> I think Dennis Hopper's a creep. <laughs> a hot spot. Uh, given like, well, we'll talk about this. Well, this the is, other okay. issue that this I have is, with also this other Virginia movie. Matson is incredibly sexy. This I movie. Know, you want to talk about? She's from Chicago. You want to talk about her? She's candy. There's some sexy. This is a movie that is scorching too, much more than Southern Wild at Heart. I would say. Ooh, wow, that's a bold statement. Well, yeah, because it's sexy. Yeah, I think Lord Durden is pretty dog sexy dog. and wild at heart. This movie's like a slow-boiled, scorchy. And uh-huh. I don't really like this movie very much. <laughs> um, I but, don't either. I never have. No, I but just... I've seen it many times. <laughs> Oy vey. I've seen it many times. and I, cause like, I, I mean, all kidding aside, I've tried to get on board with the whole of this movie as opposed <laughs> to certain parts. Um, and it's, it's, it's deep. Southern fried kind of noir, and everyone's sweating yeah. the entire movie, mm-hmm. and like a Palmetto. Or there's something. a lot, yeah. It's it's better than Palmetto. It's a yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of plot in this movie, and it's a lot of really despicable characters, and a couple of very sexy women at the center of it. It's uh, yeah, yeah. But the scenes, Jim. All right, all right. <laughs> You so know, lawyers could be sexy too. Well, actually, no, I shouldn't say that. No. In this case, <laughs> not no. with this particular we lawyer. Walk that back go? Oh, God. Where going here? Well, Eric, you said you were, you know, you oh, have man. a hard time watching Susan Sarandon yeah. movies right now because you know political uh, things. I'm sure. Um, how do you think I held up during this movie? Yeah, this is a really hard movie to watch. Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Reversal of Fortune with. Um, 
Ron Silver as Alan Dershowitz, who is Trump's one of Trump's cheerleaders right now. Um, but yep. the also the Academy Award winning performance from Jeremy Irons as Klaus von Bülow, uh, who's accused of murdering his wife, played by Glenn Close, who spends most of the movie in a coma and narrating from a coma. <laughs> Everybody's so good in this movie. It's, it is a really good movie. It is. It's. It I mean, it's, it's. It is hard to watch with the Dershowitz thing, but of course, of course, but, I understand uh, that completely. Yeah, but as a legal like thriller or legal practice, you know, movie about that and how to practice law and mm-hmm. and and you know, you know, learning a few things about how you know lawyers take cases and how they try to you know yeah. um, make make cases. Um, this is a really good movie about that. Yeah, the uh, scenes where he's talking to his students have a very Aaron Sorkin quality to him. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's, I think a lot of this movie has that yeah. quality. Yeah, and I'm I'm on board for that 100. percent I really love this movie, actually. Why help guilty people get off? Are you sure he's guilty? 100 percent sure. He had a lawyer. He had a trial. He was convicted. Are you sure he had a fair trial? Come on. It's the basis of the whole legal system. Everyone gets a defense so the system is there for the one innocent person who is falsely accused okay look say it's you okay you decide you decide to get a divorce you're going to divorce your husband a week later you're accused of molesting your son oh no, no don't give me that look stuff like this happens all the time Suddenly, you're alone. You hate it. It's, it's a nightmare. Everyone assumes that you are guilty. Even the mailman is beginning to look at you a little, a little funny. You only got one person who believes in you. There's only one person you can trust. Your lawyer. Yeah. Okay. So, someone's got to defend Klaus. But why you? Why us? You're my student. You, you, you have a choice. You, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. That is your choice. The reason I take cases, and here I'm unlike most other lawyers who are not professors and therefore have to make a living, I take cases because I get pissed off. And I am pissed off here. The family hired a private prosecutor. Unacceptable. They conducted a private search. Now, we let them get away with that. Rich people won't go to the cops anymore. You know what they're going to do? They're going to get their own lawyers to collect evidence. And then they are going to choose which evidence they feel like passing on to the DA. And the next victim isn't going to be rich like Von Bulow. But it's going to be some poor schnook in Detroit who can't afford or can't find a decent lawyer. I think it's a little more complicated than your simple moral superiority. Reasons cited, I was scared to watch again because I really like this movie a lot, and I have developed, as I'm sure many people have, a real dislike of Alan Dershowitz. Mm-hmm. Not just mm-hmm. for the, not even just for the Trump stuff. I mean the OJ stuff, and yeah, and the more and the more that I listen to the real Alan Dershowitz talk, you realize how full of shit he is, yeah. and that I don't, you know, people like to refer to him as a constitutional scholar. I call him a loopologist. Okay, and that's what I was afraid of watching this movie because this movie does present him as I wouldn't say a, he's not a hero, but he is the guy that is getting off Klaus von Bülow, and however you feel about that, um, Jeremy Hines is 
tremendous in this movie. Uh, phenomenal. Glenn Close is really good in this movie. And Silver is great yeah. as Alan Dershowitz. Mm-hmm. And watching the movie again, I was actually pleasantly surprised that the movie is not far removed from that opinion. It is not far removed from the opinion that Dershowitz took the case because of the challenge it presented more than the moral standing Mm -hmm. of it. Uh, And I think there are moments in the movie where he finds himself looking for those loopholes. I'm like, okay, this movie does kind of get what Dershowitz did. And more, more to the point, who he really is. Right. Uh, that he is a guy that took on challenges uh, to, to poke holes in a system that is a lot of the times unfair to many people, as represented by a case that he takes on in in the movie that uh, he's oh, right. working on the side, the mm-hmm. case of the brothers and whatnot, yeah. uh, which is a legitimate case. Uh, in case, case of Klaus von Bülow, well, you know, it's an interesting legal thing, but when you see how he gets him off, mm-hmm. it, it very much ties into where he is today. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. So yeah, great year for Ron Silver. Um, but I think, but that that's what I was most surprised about this movie, and pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. I was happy about that. Yeah, I like Barbara Schroeder's films. Going through them, I think. Yeah, I like Murder by Numbers, an underrated film. Yes. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, one movie that I was really disappointed that I couldn't find. Yeah, and I you and me both. And I really uh, wanted to watch it again. Was Tune In Tomorrow? Yeah. the radio old old time radio comedy with uh, Keanu Reeves and Peter Falk and Barbara Hershey. Yes. Where is it? I don't know. I, <laughs> unless I want again, I'd have to is buy. A, I have to buy anything? a DVD for hmm. thirty bucks if I want to watch it. Um, no, we tried to get it at Facets, and they didn't. They kept saying it was out. So I think they have it, but somebody's hanging on to it, not returning it. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so uh, I wanted to just at least acknowledge it because I remember thinking it was a really funny, really clever movie. Yeah, but I haven't a lot seen of good it. Buzz at the time, but I, I haven't seen it in thirty years. Nobody's seen it in thirty years. Yeah, just, this, <laughs> right. MGM did release it on DVD, but that was it. And then, okay. but it's really it's hard to find. So anyway, okay. so moving on to November. Oh um, boy, are we starting off with a bang? Yeah. Um, so we talked about Ghost earlier, written by Bruce Joel Rubin. Uh, this movie was also written by Bruce Joel Rubin and has a lot of uh, spiritual uh, elements about the afterlife, and it's uh, Jacob's Ladder. Every day, Jacob Singer goes to work. What's wrong? Uh, it's one of those days. And every day, he wonders what is happening to him. Maybe it's the pressure, Jake. They're like demons, just. What were they, Jake? Well, look at your hand. You have a very strange line. See, according to this, you're already dead. <laughs> Something's wrong, Jake. They're coming after me. I don't know who they are or what they are, but they're going to get me, and I'm scared, Jake. I've seen them, too. Maybe the demons are real. It's running 106 feet with... This is barbaric. I can get rid of the demons. Who are you? I can block the ladder. Who are you? Where are you taking me? Where am I? Where do you want to go? Home. This is your home. You're dead. I'm not dead. What are you then? I'm alive. This is the best, Adrian. Oh, for sure. 100%. Um, But he just got... 
getting stuck in, you know, like domestic thrillers and erotic thrillers and things like that. This is a really beautiful meditation on death and um, having one foot in the afterlife and one foot in the present and not really sure as a viewer, you're not really sure where you are. Uh, but neither does the main character, so it's all good. <laughs> You're just as confused as he is yeah. um, a lot of the time. If I'm dying, I want Danny Aiello by my side. Oh, my God. Aiello is so yeah. good in this movie. Yeah. Um, and it's it, this is uh no this is definitely one of the year's best films as far as I'm concerned and it's um at the the at the final shot the final moment is so moving um the, I mean the final few minutes uh this uh, Macaulay Culkin is in this yes, we we'll talk about him in a few minutes mm-hmm. um and but I think he made he made this one before yeah he seems way about, younger but, yeah um so but there's some really beautiful scenes with him uh yeah. and Tim Robbins Elizabeth Pena is great. In the movie is the so girlfriend yeah. who's trying to figure out what's going on with Tim Robbins, who's a Vietnam vet, who's, uh, you know, uh, kind of him and other Vietnam veterans, you know, uh, feeling the effects of Agent Orange and or whatever chemical they never really mentioned. Yeah, that's I've oh, done do some research it, on that. And it's a yeah, it's a weird. Uh, yeah. The things they were doing to the soldiers. And it's yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. And this <laughs> is kind of like I mean, this is. You know, we're coming at the end, uh, you know, the 90s, I mean, the, uh, the beginning of the decade, but at the end, uh, we just gotten through a decade where we had a ton of Vietnam movies. Um, none of them really touched on, you know, the chemical effects uh, yeah. that, you know, and, and the long term effects of the chemicals that these uh, soldiers, you know, inhaled or, you know, came it was in basically with. like a combination between meth and hallucinogen in yeah. some cases. Um, I don't know what they were thinking in yeah. doing that, but so it's got a lot of so there's you know some political importance to this movie, but For more sure. importantly, there's I mean it, it, it's it's it's, it's a, it's a genius film. It's a really ingenious way that Ruben in, incorporates that into a story that is also very human, um, and I just it's I, I I love this movie. Me too, and it's incredibly creepy. It's a disturbing film. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. although it ultimately sides and giving you this sort of beautiful hope, if you will. Uh, I mean, this movie, I mean, this movie is unsettling in, in, and which are the, my favorite types of horror movies. Um, I don't revisit them as much because they are unsettling. Yeah. And, uh, and yet the ending of this movie, uh, really walloped me. Uh, in in a way that preceded a lot of movies that ended that way mm-hmm. uh, many years later. Kind of um, thematically similar to the ending of Ghost where you just have to let go, that sort of thing. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. ultimately, yeah, I mean, yeah. Bruce Joel Rubin, and he also, later on, he wrote My Life and directed with Michael oh, Keaton, right. which, you know, so this guy clearly has a type. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> wrong with it. No, not at all, because I, I like all of those movies. And, yeah, it's just, it's, Yeah. Yeah, the scene where he has the fever and they're pouring ice on him. The bathtub scene is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. No, this is a great film, and it continues Mm -hmm. to be the Mm -hmm. more I see it. You didn't. None of you saw the remake, I assume. No, no, I don't want to. No, don't ever do that. Don't ever do that, my friends. There's only one Jacob's Ladder. You can skip Graffiti Bridge too, uh, which is Prince's movie. Um, It's very self indulgent vanity project, but you know, not surprising. Prince to have that, um, but at this point in his career, he kind of earned the right to do it. Um, as far as you know, musically speaking, this is he's still at a peak, as far as I'm concerned, with his musically in this era. He just made a really bad movie to go with it. Um, it's you know, um, it's 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 incredibly, uh, 
you know, nobody else but Prince could have made this movie. It's semi sequel to Purple Rain. Um, he's playing the kid again, but it's takes place in this total other universe that is obviously filmed on a you know Warner Brothers lot. Um, it's basically just a, a string of music video sequences strung together by a really ridiculous plot. Um, it was a bomb. Easily easy to see why, but uh, yeah, but but great soundtrack. So anyway, moving on. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Prince. <laughs> Thank you, Prince. Um, yeah, but, might as well just talk about the, the, the movie that beat Goodfellas. Uh, the movie- oh, look at listen to that tone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I actually like Dances with Wolves quite a bit. Okay, good. I really do. Okay, good. And yeah. watching it again, I'm like, I, st- I still like this movie. I watched it again. It's funny. My mom and I saw this in the theater, and uh, I certainly enjoyed it when I first saw it. And then we watched it again. I was like, I still really like this movie. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's not good. perfect. It's a little long. I it's, it's it's a good Kevin Costner performance, and he directed it well. And certainly I know that Kevin Reynolds had a part. In, in the action sequences, the, action the buffalo sequences. scenes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is beautifully done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find myself really moved by this story, and uh, yeah, I, I I I know people have issues like, oh, you know, the white man comes in and saves the day or whatever, and it's that's, one of those. that sort of dismissal of it. But somewhat, I, yeah. I understand why you have that perspective, but I think the relationship that he builds with, especially Graham Greene, is really beautiful. Yeah, and it's not made with the you know kind of cynicism that yeah. you might expect from a movie that has that aspect to it. But mm-hmm. it, because uh, you know at the time there weren't a lot of movies on this subject. I mean, right. it was something. It was a movie that brought the Native American story to life. Um, you know, maybe I, you know, maybe it wasn't fully embraced by the community, but it was something that at least shown a spotlight on that community mm-hmm. uh for you know uh however you know ways to make that happen that this is a movie that actually made that happen um and uh i i you know it's definitely you could tell costner had his heart in it i mean he put everything on the line for this movie i mean it was this was the first and by no means the last time uh, a, a project of his would be referred to as kevin's gate Right. While it was in production, <laughs> true, um, because you know he's making a three-hour western, you know, starring himself, get a weird title. Um, what is he thinking? You know, and he just coming off of Revenge, is which was a bomb. Um, so every everybody had every reason to believe that this would be a bomb too. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, proved everyone wrong, and and uh, you know, I don't know, if, you know, <laughs> what he would. Given what he would direct next, uh, you know, this aye, is, aye, aye. yeah, we'll cover that Ooh. many years from now. But, <laughs> um, but no, I think this movie holds up relatively well. Um, I don't, I, 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 I didn't watch it for this, but I watched it a couple years ago, um, and I watched the extended cut, the four-hour version. Oh wow! There's no reason to watch the four-hour version. You can I, stick I with the three-hour so. version; is fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all I'll say about that. Um, but I, no, I think I think it's a really good movie. John Barry's score, I think, is really. Oh, it is too. very, very good. Yeah, Mary McDonald's really good in it too. Mm-hmm. I, I like it. I really do. I just, you know, I don't need to see Kevin Costner's butt. It's all good. Yeah, you saw it's a, a lot little, this a, period. It's a little vanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Um, well, that's a funny scene. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's a funny scene. Yeah, I I actually have a lot to say about this this movie. I'll, I'll try to, to to curb it so we don't go too long here. Um, but uh, you know, I, first I'll say that this is I remember in when I was in high school and 
I think it was, I don't know if it was history class or morality. I don't remember what class it was, but um, we were giving, we were going to be given extra credit if we went to see this movie. Now Mm. there are people listening right now just like, of course you get extra credit. You see that piece of shit, you know? (laughs) Okay. So you got your, so people got their laughs and that's fine. Um, But that, but I, I knew this was a movie that, I didn't couldn't drive yet, obviously, so I had to be taken to the movies to see it. And I knew this was a movie that my dad was going to love, um, or be interested in at the very least. Mm-hmm. So we went and saw like a matinee on a weekday of this movie, and I was completely engrossed in in this in this story. Um, and I, I mean, it was it was very well received at the time. And this to me is like the poster child of the Oscar backlash syndrome that we see happen way too often in that a movie comes out and is either liked or really liked even. Uh, But if it's not the movie that everyone thinks is even better, then all of a sudden this movie has to be shit on. And yes, dance with wolves is not good fellas. The first to admit that, but to dismiss this movie because Scorsese didn't win for that year and Goodfellas didn't win and the first time director got it again and he lost to an actor turned director again, okay, is no reason to come down on this movie because that's pre- that's a big reason why yeah. people come down on this movie. It's a punchline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. It definitely um, is. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> before it was even a punchline, I remember this joke from Saturday Night Live that was on Weekend Update when Dennis Miller was doing it. Um, the Oscar nominations came out, and he's like, and here are the Oscar nominations. It's Goodfellas, Godfather 3, uh, Awakenings. Awake, Awakenings, Ghost, and get this, Dances with Wolves. Like, can you believe a movie like Dances with Wolves is in a film a category with a film like Ghost? That was the joke. It was just a joke. It was not a – he was not commenting on the quality. It was a joke yeah, yeah, yeah. about that. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I just remember that joke. Anyway. Um, no, and certainly Nick brings yeah, it up and a lot. Yeah, and, <laughs> just Dances with Wolves being good fellows. And now it's, yeah, now I understand it, that anger a little bit but i also think dances with is a good movie yeah that's, and that's what i say of, like you people but people can't keep those two things in their head mm-hmm. you know it's just dance with wolves will forever be the movie that goodfellas lost to as you pointed out uh and i and it's, i think it's it's incredibly unfair yeah um yes there are people you know dan guyer was famous at least locally for being the guy that always pointed out the white savior type thing he, he referred to it as the new racism Okay, and yes, there are a lot of movies that are told from a white perspective around this time. Cry Freedom, for example, yeah. movies where the, the focus should be on this other person. And this is a movie that I think is, like Colin mentioned, is a movie that the subject matter was not being dealt with in a humanist mm-hmm. way. Any, anytime we saw American Indians on screen, they were always villainized. They were always played in brown face yeah. okay um and here's a movie that you had actual native americans actors given an opportunity some played as benevolent some played as villainous okay because that existed okay of course. um and i think it's somewhat unfair to label kevin costner as the white savior because he gets more saved by yeah. them than no that's he a good does. point he definitely yes, he gives does. them guns at one point and mm-hmm. that helps but they are the ones that I mean. It's yeah. not like Kevin Costner comes in and kills all the 
the Pawnees yeah. Yeah. and mm-hmm. saves the the Sioux tribe. That's not how it works. Um, it's 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 a it's a it's a a, a beautifully epic movie uh the pacing has always worked in the three-hour version i've seen the four-hour version i think it's an interesting i think there's interesting scenes in there but yeah the three-hour version is perfectly fine um i love i love that kind of epic storytelling and and i focus on the word storytelling everything that happens with the the animals every time the animals i i i I, gosh the wolf the the wolf the horse Yeah, I just, I mean, uh, I'm just like, oh, like, oh, no. and and he paints that uh, idea that both the white man can be even more savage than what the what we've built up in our minds as yeah those tribes were in basically in movies and whatnot. Um, yeah, I fuck, think I think fuck it's Charles a, Rocket. Yes. <laughs> um, it's it's a very it's a very sensitive portrayal and i when and 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 i always like it when or i ironically like it when it's white critics who are the ones who are telling people what's racist when you hear when you read what native americans have said about this movie with the exception of them saying that some of the language is a little iffy and how some of the language is revealed uh but they treat that as kind of a almost like a joke a bit just like mm-hmm. how they, they're kind of speaking like women is what oh, Russell right, means yeah. said about it. Uh, but otherwise this has been a movie that's roundly praised by the native American community and to have certain white critics get snippy mm-hmm. about it, I think is like, please yeah, yeah. check your privilege. <laughs> Um, so I love I love Dance with Wolves. Yeah, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm, sure. I'm no, sorry. No, don't be. No, happy. don't be sorry at all. No, no. no I'm not sorry. Um, I'm not sorry for liking Child's Play too. I like Child's Play. I'm too. not either. Yeah. No fist bump. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. I mean, the, once they get to the factory too, that's, that's oh, it's also, great. Yeah, and it's like the movie's like 75 minutes long. It's <laughs> yeah, tight 75 minutes. It's 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 fun. It's it's ridiculous. Um, you have the, Garrett first, Graham in it, and yeah, yeah, Garrett Graham. He's a joy. Um, yeah, those first two Child's Play movies, I think, are actually quite good. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Kevin! Ah! Home alone. Police in the northern suburbs are on the lookout for a pair of burglars who are calling themselves the Wet Bandits. We know that you're in there. It's Santa Claus and it's Elf. Get off my property. This is my house. I have to defend it. Came out of nowhere and made a gazillion dollars. Uh, Home Alone. Um, John Hughes comedy uh, that he wrote, Chris Columbus directed, starring a, you know, starring Macaulay Culkin, who wasn't a household name at the time, but certainly would be after this film. Um, was the highest grossing comedy of all time for a period, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, this really, this really took off and just, uh, played forever. And it just, you know, very, very simple concepts. I won't get into Code Pair Noel. I won't, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but go listen to that episode of Christmas Movies, actually, if you want to so hear good. more about it. But we're not going to talk about it. We're going to move on. Um, but uh, this was, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't need to describe the plot to this movie. I think we all know it. I I didn't rewatch it for the podcast because we're going to be watching. We're going to be covering it later this year when because it, it's celebrating its 30th anniversary. And so this is a big Christmas movie that we'll do at we'll talk about at Christmas time on our show. It's a really beautiful score. Um, not crazy about all the antics in the third act. But that's just me. But no, nope. nope. <laughs> the third act that basically made the movie. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> but, mm. yeah. You got mm. nothing to say about it? Shrug, shrug, huh? I mean, 
when I first saw it as, as a kid, I just felt clearly I just my my empathic ways were just like off the charts at that time, even. Uh, for people to break into your house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I just felt so bad for this kid, man. Just like, hmm, okay. I, I I don't go so far as to, you know, I, I think some people, including Nick, were like, this movie's just about child abuse and look at what they're doing to him in the beginning and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I just like, God, why is everybody so poor, horribly mean to him? And, you know, I'm, I didn't find him that obnoxious. And the I guess like the whole family reacting to him just really got under my skin and really bothered me. Um, but then you get the slapstick three stooges thing and the whole audience was laughing like crazy. This was, this was like the, before there's something about Mary, like the whole audience was just like erupting when these, you know, mm. burglars are getting, you know, pink cans to the face and all this stuff and they're tripping and falling. It was just like, and that, you know, sometimes laughter is infectious. And I, as, as when I was young, that, that worked for me. The, 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 the final third worked for me. Now I'm just very much in the middle on it. There are things I like, there are things I don't like. And I just kind of go, eh, it's all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the first time I saw this movie, it was almost, it was almost by accident. Um, cause we went to go see Predator 2, which yeah. we're going to get to at the moment. Um, and Predator 2 was sold out. At the Woodfield Mall. And so mm. Home Alone was starting next, so we went and saw Home Alone. And I thought it was hilarious at the time. Uh, I just recently rewatched it with uh, my nieces who are in town for Christmas. Oh. And uh, we always have a movie night. Uh, last movie we showed them was Time Bandits. Nice. Good um, choice. Was, I'm just like, show them something a little bit off the <laughs> realm. And they really, they really seem to enjoy Time Bandits. Um, and I was going to show them a Christmas story, and I realized... That I don't have a Christmas story in my collection. I <laughs> wow! I I was shocked as anyone. Um, mm-hmm. But I had Home Alone there, and my uh, sister said I really like Home Alone, so we put on Home Alone, and it was the first time I had seen it in some time. And the thing that got me this time, that struck me about the movie this time, um, was the sort of arc of the Car- Kevin character. Mm-hmm. Back in 1990, when I hear Macaulay Culkin spouting off to his parents and saying, you know, you know, calling his mom a dummy and stuff, it's kind of funny because you don't normally hear kids talk that way to their parents in movies. That's true. Okay, yeah. especially the, you know, he was coming off Uncle Buck, so he was this sassy little kid and whatnot. It was really funny in 1999. This time watching it, I was like, real. I I didn't like that as much. Yeah. Um and, and I agree with you about the way that they. Well, yeah, I was just I didn't I didn't like him being such a little asshole. Yeah, you know, it but was I also funny. didn't like the family's reactions to him. Well, being yeah, an I, I, the family's like, why do they hate this kid so much? Look what you did, you little jerk! Right? Yeah, I was like, um, where's the dad? Like telling the uncle to don't call his kid a jerk. Yeah, that, I'm like, John Hurd, what are you doing? Um, but then watching the movie and seeing the kid kind of learn, you know, so like by mm-hmm. the end when mom shows up through that door. That moment really is earned, I yeah. think. Well, he starts off as like, "Oh, I just want to be alone," and then he right. learns that and he realizes, you know, it's yeah. 127 hours before 127 <laughs> hours. I, no, it's not really, but <laughs> um, but I but I think those those emotional payoffs at the end are earned. I, yeah, the old man he gets me like he gets George Costanza. Um, yeah, the, you know, the, just that, that scene. I think I love yeah. that scene in the church. Yeah, me too. I between like that the two scene. of them, um, I don't agree with the idea that like old little kids, you know, teach the old man a lesson and stuff. Like, no, I think that that that's a really beautifully written scene in in the church. And when 
I'm, I'm getting like emotional now thinking about it. It's just I, again partly because I'm hearing the John Williams score in my head since Colin started Gosh, talking about it. It's so memorable. Yeah, and all the stuff you know with with the with the robbers. I I like it. I I I still think it works. So. Yeah, it's just funny that Joe Pesci earlier this year in Goodfellas would just use expletives like you wouldn't believe, and in this he's just like fricochet, 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 yes, which is also <laughs> makes me laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's so, funny. So what November's man, November's got a lot of sequels, most of which yeah. I I skipped. Um, but I'll I'll talk briefly about Rescuers Down Under because I'm an okay. animation guy. Um, this was the follow up to Little Mermaid from the Disney Studios, and it's kind of an underwhelming follow up given what that movie was. Um, but it's interesting to note, I mean, this is really technically the first Pixar movie, um, huh. because it's, it's a lot of uh, computer, uh, animation in it. It's, it's all, I mean, it looks all hand drawn and everything, but there are a lot of sequences in it that are utilized the computer in the way that Pixar would use it, you know, eventually. Um, so it's kind of, it's technically referred to as like the first real Pixar movie, especially the opening sequence. I think is stunning. Um, I, hmm. I, I remember seeing this in the theater and just the, the opening sequence with the, the, the giant eagle, uh, I thought was magnificent. Rest of the movie, eh, it's okay. Um, you know, it's a sequel to a movie that is, eh, not that great. Um, anyway, so, but, uh, it, but it's a real, I mean, it's a quickie. It's 75 minutes. Um, certainly probably the best of the animated movies that came out this year. This is not a good year for animation. No. Um, there was a Jetsons movie that came out over the summer. Oh, oh that was bad. Yeah. Well, I, you know what? I'll, I'll give it this. There's one cool animated sequence in the Jetsons movie um, that I think is probably the the animators saying, can we just do something that's cool that's not Jetsons, but something that's more psychedelic and more like crazy mix, you know, mix of, of animation styles. And it's just a musical, it's a throwaway musical number that I think is pretty great in an otherwise mediocre, you know, forgettable film. I really want to throw away all the musical numbers in Jetsons the movie. Well, I, 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 the I stand soundtrack. by one. Oh, I know it's Tiffany. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. And she also did the voice for Red the daughter. Judy. Yeah. Uh, at their, they already cast the original Judy Jetson mm-hmm. to do that voice. And then the casting director of that movie quit based on that decision. Huh. I still couldn't believe that. I mean, not the, sidetrack too much in the Jetsons no, movie. I know. Um, but I watched it again specifically because Roger Ebert called it one of the worst movies of the year. I'm just like, that can't <laughs> be. He's right. No, it's t- it's, it's not it's good. Really, it's yeah. not good, but I will stand by the one sequence okay. uh, that, that I think is really good. Okay. But no, it's uh, the, so anyway, I just that's all I got for that. I, I don't have I anything can't. else to say about any of the other sequels from I this I don't year, have so. anything to say <laughs> about Rocky Five. I don't like it. I okay. never have. Me neither. It's probably why, why, can you, why is Rocky Five so? I don't disliked? know. I is it because he does he doesn't actually the fight? That, I mean, he's got the street fight at the end of the movie, which I think is I, I like. Tommy that. the machine gun, that guy. Yeah, uh, and I don't know. I just I remember being just so indifferent to it. I don't remember specifically. Well, indifference. I didn't rewatch. Indifference it. is different than people like. I mean, because people really. Well, take you know they really take issue with this movie. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't feel. I don't feel hate. Like, oh my god. Yeah, this I don't is think garbage, I mean, it's, but... it's not. I mean, the the thing that always interested me, the, the, what something Stallone said later on after he'd done after well even after Rocky Balboa, where he said that the thing that he tried to do with all the Rocky movies when he was writing them was write them specifically about the period. So it wasn't just a movie about Rocky, but it was about Rocky's sort of 
reaction or hmm. envelopment of the period, how Rocky Four was this mid eighties and there was as excess and the Russians obviously and whatnot. And then, you know, Rocky five. So I think it was a period of like entering the nineties and losing all his wealth yeah. and whatnot. Um, I've always found that very interesting about the Rocky movies, even though they, you know, they go like this and whatnot. Pretty much. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's awful. Yeah. That, I don't, I don't understand like the, the vitriol that comes with the movie like yeah. this sometimes. It's, I mean, of all the Rocky movies, yeah, it's the weakest. That's what I feel. All. Yeah. Um, I'd have to watch it again to confirm, but I'm pretty sure I'd still feel that way, yeah. given all the other ones. And Three Men and Little Ladies, okay. It's got moments. Huh. Mm. You know. <laughs> yeah. <Okay>. Colin's <laughs> showing up with a... Uh, 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 okay. um, but last, uh, I mentioned Navy Seals as being one of the best, you know, one of the bad movies from this year you should watch with a bunch of friends and because it's... Just uh, so awful. Here we go. Another one, I think, is Robot Jocks. Uh, Stuart Gordon's disaster. Um, it's pretty much what it was. And uh, I don't think he would disagree with that. Mm. Um, but it's uh, his sci-fi, low-budget sci-fi movie. The whole, the whole movie has a <laughs> feel of we wanted 30 extras for this scene, but we had to settle for six. So <laughs> we just did it with that. Uh, that The whole movie has that feel to it. Um, and so many... If you're a mystery science theater fan, you know what I mean by this. So many best brains productions moments in this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like with one of the worst hangover performances ever. Uh, this is Gary Grimes. Gary Graham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary Graham. Gary Graham, yeah. yeah. Uh, the movie, like Dick Tracy had like seven or eight primary colors. This mm. movie has two. Yeah. Red, red and white. Yep. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 hilarious. I remember the reds. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like Stuart Gordon, and I did an episode on him, but I'd never checked this one out. It's hard to find. Yeah. That's um, probably why. Yeah. But uh, but kind of worth seeking out if 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 bad movies are your thing. Sure. So yeah. Uh, I think I'd rather watch it than Pacific Rim. Okay. Just saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you're looking for, uh, I don't know. Nah, nah. Um, How about a Stephen King adaptation that's pretty darn good? I think so. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Misery, directed by Rob Reiner, who's still in this string of successes. Uh, yeah. One of the great runs a director could ever have. Working um, with good writers. Working with good writers. Yes, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the key to his, his success mm-hmm. at this period. Uh, William Goldman wrote the screenplay. James Caan, a, a bit of a comeback role for him. Um, yeah. He hadn't mm-hmm. starred in anything. I mean, he was in Dick Tracy earlier in the summer, but he was buried under prosthetics. Here, he's a star of the movie, uh, and yeah. he hadn't been that in a long, long time. With Alienation a couple years mm. earlier. Yeah, well, I guess that's true. Yeah, so Not again, that, that's that wasn't a big shit. hit. No, yeah. right, right, right. But this was, uh, and then it really made a star of Kathy Bates, who won the Academy Award. Absolutely and deservedly um, so. As uh, Annie Wilkes. Um, no, this is still, this, this movie holds up. It's a lot of fun. It is. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> Carrie was pissed at me when we watched this. <laughs> um, because she fell in love with Richard Farnsworth's character. Oh. And she's like, you didn't warn me what happens to him. I'm like, I, That's I don't want to give it away. Yeah, like, I, 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 don't, I don't divulge spoilers for movies. I just don't, don't do it. But she was plenty pissed at me. Yeah. You should have just said, there's that spice. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh. yeah um, did either of you read the book? No. Um, I think I did. Yeah. My memory isn't too clear on it. I remember... 
Don't they actually chop off the legs? He, she has an axe. I mean, yeah, that's sort of a that's big right. I think I there's actually that. an axe on the cover, I think, actually. But there's, yeah, she, she chops off his foot. Right. Uh, instead of the hobbling scene. Um, and, oh. but the, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty solid adaptation. The, 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 the sheriff character is more utilized in the movie, the Richard Farnsworth character in the, in the book. You have Carrie read the book and see what happens to Richard Farnsworth <laughs> in the book. Oh. She gets, he gets run over by a lawnmower. Oh, jeez. Yeah. A riding lawnmower and, wow. and he runs him over. He loves lawnmowers. Yeah, but but that character is like only kind of shows up for that moment. If okay. I remember that part, um, yeah, I think but you're the, right. It's, yeah, I mean how she how, the, how it all plays out at the end is one change in the book in the movie in the book uh, in the book he actually has the actual manuscript hidden under the bed after he oh, torches right. it. Yeah, right. Yes. In the movie, it's kind of more interesting that he just burns it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, that's actually a good. I mean, as, as a writer, <laughs> I was happy yep. that he had a man copy of it uh, <laughs> right? under the bed in the movie. I was just kind of like, oh, I don't know mm-hmm. if I would have done that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it's. That's I mean, it's so I mean, good. We, we I like give, movies where people are trapped. I yeah. really do. And, we and give, how they get I mean, out of it. I've made the assumption that you know we mentioned the good writers stuff, but Reiner does direct the hell out of the movie. I think yeah, he, mm-hmm. he does a really good job. Oh yeah, uh, when he's when he's like wandering around the house and you're you know she's coming back, that yeah. whole sequence is really suspenseful. No, he mm-hmm. he does a really good job with it. Yeah. So we move on to December. We're now we're in the the home stretch, and um, we start off with uh, Tim Burton's Edward Scissorhands. Joyce, I just saw this strange guy driving with Peg. Did you get a good look at it? Hi, scissors. Hello, Zach. handshake you got there, Ed. <laughs> Kim, this is Edward. Who's gonna live with us? <laughs> Well, this must be quite a change for you, right, Ed? Those things are cool. Can I bring him to show and tell on Monday? He's a highly imaginative character. It seems clear that his awareness of what we call reality is radically underdeveloped. Eddie! You take my very breath away. Do you have a girlfriend? (laughs) Is there some special lady in your life? Doctor, skewered kid. Just a scratch. The power of Satan is in him. I can feel it. All along, I felt in my gut there was something wrong with him. From Tim Burton comes the most incredible tale of a most unusual character. Uh, his third film, um, and one of his best. Uh, yeah, I think Fourth so. Film. I think so. Huh? Fourth film. Pee Wee, Beetlejuice. Oh, Batman. Right. No. How can I? Duh. Um, <laughs> maybe because I keep trying to. I know to you're not as crazy about that movie, uh, but let's not. <laughs> but really, this is his creation. Let's put it that way. Yes. I mean, this yeah. is definitely uh, a Tim Burton creation. More so than Batman is, I think. Oh, um, Very personal. So, yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's finally getting to work with uh, Vincent Price, who's in a few, is in the flashback scenes. And this is, you know, Johnny Depp confirming that he's not going to be pigeonholed as this cutie boy pinup uh, from 21 Jump Street. Um, there's a reason why he worked with John Waters. He wants to work with the quirky directors and play quirky characters and be a better actor. And this was, you know, this solidified that. Um, buried under prosthetics, but no less like soul, you know, yeah. a, a very soulful performance. Um, and, uh, you know, Diane Weist, uh, is the, you know, you know, the mom who takes him in and into the suburban landscape with this very pastel colors. And, <laughs> um, and yeah, this is, this is, you know, uh, I, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's one of his best films. 
Um, I'm, I'm not quite as into it in the third act, you know, when it gets all, you know, violent and everything, but, uh, but I, but I, I, I still really respond strongly to a lot of the visual aspects of this movie and the ideas behind it. Um, completely agreed. Yeah. So it's a lovely film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it is, it is lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean yeah. the, the design of it. Um, yeah. It's just lovely. Yeah, it is. Um, Abel Elfman's score. Let's oh yeah, props another great score. score. Yeah. Oh man, I forgot to add this to my list. What the Grifters? But oh. I really, really, really like it too. It's it's really good. Yeah. Um, uh, I just again, I like movies about con artists, and you know, this is this is this is a creepy one too. If you it's got not too subtle Oedipal <laughs> themes going yes. on in it, yeah, yeah, yeah with John Cusack so. and uh, um, Angelica Houston and. Uh, Annette Benning. Annette Benning. This kind of made a star of Annette Benning. Sure. Understandably yes. so. Who's also yeah. in Postcards from the Edge. Yeah. Remember, uh, yeah, yeah. she's uh, in that. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it was the second uh, Jim Thompson adaptation of the year. We yeah. didn't talk about After Dark, My Sweet. Yeah, he's, he's a brutal writer. I, I read, I've read a couple of his pulp novels, and I'm yeah. like, ooh. He is his, his movies are not happy. No. I mean, no. <laughs> not is, at and, all. And both, I mean, the grifters, I mean, I think both stories are kind of incredibly depressing you know yeah. but i mean grifters has one of the all-time shock endings mm-hmm. um imaginable and, and gruesomely so um but yeah i mean angelica and Beth benning were both nominated uh john cusack i think one of his best performances agreed yeah um like him and this and ice harvest i think are my top john cusack yeah roles i really love the opening there's a like nice Triple split screen yes. yep. opening that is really fantastic. I'm a sucker for split screens. Thank mm-hmm. you, Brian De Palma. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> I revisited Mermaids. Uh, on yeah, New, Mermaids New Year's is good. Mermaids, Mermaids yeah. is okay. Yeah, I really like it. One of the better Richard Benjamin movies. Yeah, the young Christina Ricci, adorable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank Oz was supposed to direct it, but huh. uh, but uh, Richard Benjamin ended up directing it. Arguably Richard Benjamin's second best movie? Money Pit? My, my favorite year. Well, Money Pit. You know. My favorite year in Money Pit. Yeah. Know, first okay, so third. Oh, yeah. yeah third. So my favorite year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lord. Um, <laughs> one of Bertolucci's weakest movies, The Sheltering Sky with... Uh, you guys watch this movie? No, I didn't. Uh, it's it's kind of... It's pretty insufferable. It's beautifully shot, of course, because it's Bertolucci. Um but it's it's just Malkovich and Deborah Winger playing this insufferable character traveling through Africa, and they're just you know wandering the world. You know they have the money to do that. Um, I kept waiting for this great tracking shot that Buck Henry talks about in the player. Remember the opening oh, shot yes, of the player? Yeah. So I think he's the one who's there's somebody or one maybe it wasn't Buck Henry, but somebody that what about that great opening shot? What about that shot in Sheltering Sky? It was yeah. like really great. And I was like, where's this shot that everybody's talking about? Right. <laughs> I don't think it was ever. You're right. It might be like a Mandela effect. Everyone huh. just thought that there was a yeah. big tracking shot in it. But at one point in the movie, and and this kind of sums up the movie, Mal- Malkovich's character screams, God, what a bore. And that's basically what this he just like thank you. You just summed up the whole movie. I don't think I like Bertolucci I, to be honest. Mm, I, I, like, just, I like some of his stuff. I like, just think of the. I, I think it's from the werewolf episode of Mystery Science Theater three thousand. And one point, nothing's happening. I think Crow or just goes the, the sheltering sky move faster than this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's an undercover detective. I assume you have. Some teaching experience. They wouldn't have sent me otherwise. Assigned to find a mother and son. Did Danny ever say what Crisp's wife looked like? Before a killer does. First, 
I would like to just get to know you. A male kindergarten teacher. That's unusual. He's been trained to shoot. What made you become a kindergarten teacher? He's been trained to fight. But there are some things. You mean you eat other people's lunches? Stop it! He's never been trained to handle. They're walking all over me. Listen, Kimball, you gotta handle this like any other police situation. You're going to be my deputy trainees. You're not gonna have your mommy's run behind you anymore and wipe your little douches. You are mine now. I'm not a policeman, I'm a princess. Arnold Schwarzenegger. You hit the kid, I hit you. <laughs> wow. In an Ivan Reitman film. Are you married, Mr. Campbell? No, I'm not. I'm surprised oh. because it has a goofy premise, you know. Yeah. At the time. Yes. At the time. I mean, because this is the start of, you know, these kind was it the start? I think I, I feel like I said this last year about another movie. But um but this is, you know, in that time when we, you know, let's let's take the action hero and put him in a funny situation, mm-hmm. like sa- surround him with kindergartners and, you know, wackiness ensues. Um, but uh, this is like this is actually a movie that holds up surprisingly well. And as somebody who has worked in the elementary school setting, <laughs> I can actually t- I can tell you the kids are really well cast in this movie and actually behave like real kids, which is kind of nice. Um, doesn't feel like they're all acting for the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, so it feels like they got a lot of genuine improvisation from these kids. I think it, f- it feels like from watching it. Um, yeah. Penelope Ann Miller in this again, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like it. It's fine. It's, it gets, it's not a classic in my mind, but uh, there are moments that are really funny. Mm-hmm. There are classic yeah, moments. Yes. I mean, I mean to, not a tumor is part of, of the course. lexicon. Yeah, that's, it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's better than fine. I'm with Colin on this. I think this is this is a very funny movie, uh, mm. and and a movie with with a lot of heart too. Mm. There's I mean, surprisingly, the, the, the so, relationship yeah. that he develops and whatnot. Schwarzenegger is really good in this movie. He, mm-hmm. he I watched this uh, a couple months ago, and 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 seeing him uh, doing his uh, Schwarzenegger stuff and uh, the, the developing that the rapport that he has with the. Uh, with the, with the kindergartners and the lessons that he's teaching them along the way, using his own expertise and sure. that, you know, stuff like that, I think is a lot of fun. Um, and uh, yeah, like the scene with Linda Hunt where he he beats the hell out of the abusive father. And like, what was it like to hit that? Oh, that was bitch? good. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, totally. I was like, I was like, yeah, They're like <laughs> damn right. And he's like, and this is the same villain, great. the same bad guy from Three O'clock High. Yes, Richard, Richard Tyson. Richard mm-hmm. Tyson. Richard Tyson. Yeah, yeah. Um, creepy, creepy dude. Yeah. No, no I it's, like, it's good. I like it. it gets, I, I mean, the ending gets a little. I mean, there's, there's surprisingly violence. violence. Yeah, it's bookended with some some kind of some surprising violence, but the, the middle stuff is really sweet. And the ending, I, I the ending, I, I, I just smile mm-hmm. at the end when he returns to the kindergarten and he says, "I'm back." Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Aren't there sequels to this too? Oh, there was a kindergarten cop two with Dolph Lundgren. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it came out just within like the last year, I think. Yeah, I think wow. so. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't see it. Wow. So we mentioned best picture nominees earlier, and one of them was Awakenings, uh, yeah. with uh, directed by Penny Marshall, mm-hmm. who's not nominated for director, I believe. She was no, shut of course out. not. She's, <laughs> a woman. She's a woman. Colin, why would you do that? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, I forgot who took three, her place. I only got but, three Oscar nominations. Uh, De Niro. Picture and screenplay. I think that's right. Okay. Um, yeah. Pretty good movie. Um, I mean, I mean, I, th- I think this movie actually holds up 
relatively well. I think it holds up very well. And I think a lot of that has to do with my interest in the work of Oliver Sacks, mm-hmm. who Robin Williams is essentially playing in this movie. And it's, oh, yeah, it's heartbreaking at times to watch mm-hmm. what, you know, what these patients go through. And certainly, you know, it's, you know, he wrote a whole book called Awakenings, and a lot of the information in there is not, you know, transcribed into the into the film. But uh, what he did was groundbreaking at the time with uh, with El Dopa, and uh, clearly it doesn't have you know lasting effects for the long haul. And we see that on display here, and it's really heartbreaking to experience that. And but I think the relationship between De Niro and Williams here is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it it does fall prey to some schmaltz and some you know score raising to make you cry in certain instances. But it it's always worked on me. Uh, you know, stuff about health in the brain and things like that. I think are just you know kind of it gets to me. Yeah, right away. So yeah, I like this movie very much. Yeah. too. And I rem- I remember this is one of the only times I can remember this happening where I almost broke down crying during the trailer. Mm, of this movie, I can see that. Um, the trailer. If you go back and look at the trailer, it, it's funny enough. It uses a, a Randy Newman song uh, from the of all movies, Overboard. Mm. Okay, the, the, wow. close, the closing song of Overboard is a song called Something Special that Randy Newman did, and it, it just plays the the notes. From, it doesn't play the, his words, mm-hmm. um, but it plays when they wake up. It plays this da na na na. It's okay, and I just and. This, if you remember the scene in the movie, in the shot in the trailer, where De Niro is up. I mean, in the movie. Waking up for the first time? Well, you see him, I think he's like in his the bathroom or the bedroom the yeah. first time, and he discovers him. But there's a shot in the movie where everyone wakes up, and there's the shot of De Niro sitting on his bed with his big smile. Yeah, that's they pull really into great him, moment. They pull into Robin Williams. And I just remember that. And then this in this trailer, there's a scene where the mother comes to this, this movie uh, broke my heart yeah when i saw it and and it's not the last movie to be based on the work of oliver Sacks. and by the time we got to the second or third movie there's another one i should know there's another one <laughs> <laughs> um at first sight with oh Val really Kilmer that's right oh no oh yeah and if you remember that that movie has a similar arc to awakenings that yeah he's cures his blindness for a little while and mm-hmm. then it comes back and yep. i'm just like you know oliver Sacks is kind of a dick it, it's a it's a really good medical movie, you know. Yeah. The, the discovery of how you know they, they're able to you know throw in the ball and stuff like that. Right. I think that that's and then trying really to figure great. out the dosage. And right. Like yeah. That. Yeah. Um, it works for me. Yeah. Th- Colin, when you were at Columbia, did you have ever take a class by Scott Marks? I don't remember. Okay. Uh, Possibly. Scott, Scott Marks is like kind of like classic film school dick. <laughs> uh, he, you know, he's very freshman yeah, yeah. okay yeah, yeah. and he hated schmaltz he hated spielberg and whatnot i remember him just out of for goof they're showing us a clip from awakenings where de niro's trying to comb his hair and he's you know he's got like this and then he cut it with jerry lewis like doing stuff and i was like oh my god dick oh, you are god. You know, slap him in the face yeah right. like you're so look at de niro's channeling jerry lewis Okay. You know, he's like, you All dick. Right. You know. <laughs> so, uh, but no, Awakenings. I, I still really like this movie. Me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, oh. a movie that is very, um, you know, divisive to say the least for many reasons. Uh, Bonfire of the Vanities. Brian, I don't know anybody who likes it. Brian De Palma's um, very the problematic adaptation of Tom Wolfe's novel. Um, problematic mostly in terms of uh, casting and oh, miscasting, yeah. really. Um, anybody who's read the novel, 
is going to, you know, not recognize the movie or you know, not recognize what this movie is doing with it. Nothing um, like the novel. No, um, I've I one review I remember reading. I don't remember who it was. It said, you know, the, the, if you're going to really do Bonfire of the Vanities, the book, you cast William Hurt, Maria Conchita Alonso, Peter O'Toole. And uh, Dustin Hoffman in the wow. Mor- in the Morgan Freeman role. Jesus. So yeah, wow. Peter O'Toole in the in the um, Bruce Willis role, Maturia Kachita Alonso in the in the Melanie Griffith role, and William Hurt in the Tom Hanks role. Now think about that. Now you're I already see that movie. Yeah, and you, you get Mike Nichols to direct it. And then then wow. you got then you have Bonfire of the Vanities, the book. What this is is something totally different. I mean, it was like completely like just kind of like well, we'll, we'll, we'll the production was off the rails. There's an entire book about that. Oh, great book, Devil's Candy. I'm going to be reading it soon. It's a it's a great book, and yeah. um, yeah, I mean, there's no escaping that even without the book. Forget the book for a second. There's no escaping how miscast Tom Hanks is in this movie because he is playing a Wall Street douchebag that you're not supposed to like. And it's clear that you're not supposed to like him. But why then you shouldn't cast Tom Hanks in that role at all? Um, even great, great opening shot with the oh, with, absolutely. With Bruce, Bruce Willis yeah. eating salmon by the, with his hands. Oh no, there's I, I in spite of the disaster effect of the, that this movie has, um, I still find it a watchable disaster because because yeah. of yeah, because things of about it that De Palma's camera work and um, just some of the weird odd choices that uh, him and the, I forgot the cinematographer of it, but uh, the, they, that they make with the camera and just there's kind of a train wreck appeal to it that makes it mm. kind of, yeah. uh, you know, watching actors who are, you know, they're miscast, but there's something appealing about watching them anyway, trying mm-hmm. to try to work, try to get through this. Yeah, Melanie Griffith's um, bad, but Kim Cattrall. Wow. Ugh, yeah. Awful. Yeah. Um, so no, it, it's 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 a it's a hugely problematic movie, but not. I don't think it's unwatchable because I I, I think there's stuff in it that is actually like the Morgan Freeman courtroom speech. No, that it's goes not on good. for nine hours. Oh no, that's not good. And and I think that oh. was that wasn't even in the book. And I mean, yeah, yeah as satire, it, it you watch it today, it's completely toothless. Yeah. Um. And you know, putting. Uh, Geraldo Rivera in one scene doesn't help matters either. Um, and, and, you know, you watch it today and, it, and it's like definitely a movie and a book of its time. And it's like this. We got far bigger problems now in America. Yeah. <laughs> like this, uh-huh. I wish we could go back to this as, as, as this being the problem. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's a it's it's a difficult movie to, you know, come to terms with. But it's like, well, this is the movie they made out of that book. Yeah, you watch the movie and you get kind of a sense of what the book was and what it was yeah. the book was supposed mm-hmm. to be when filmed. Mm-hmm. Um, the, especially the like the political stuff that goes on once the you know the tr- the trial stuff and scapegoats and you know all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just like you get the sense just like I'm, there's a there's an alternate there's a parallel movie going on somewhere mm-hmm. over down, just down the road. Yeah. Uh, and is, is probably much better. Oh yeah. But yeah, but I agree yeah. with you on the, the watchable disaster kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I do agree with you on that. Yeah. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I know you're into banks and wall street, but everyone knows you're the final word. You're like the Supreme court. All I want to do is protect you from these guys and your lawyers can't do that. I said, we make them dead. You give me the order. I'll take care of it. I command this family, right or wrong, 
Now, Michael, now that you're so respectable, I think you're more dangerous than you ever were. Our true enemy has not yet shown his face. Mm-hmm. Well, we're talking about The Godfather Part 3. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And um, so our, our last mob movie. <laughs> of, and, you know, it's like, man, could Coppola release this at any other year when we didn't have already 10, you know, 10 mob movies. And then, no it's, like, then it's like, oh, here's the, the sequel to the mother of all mob movies, The Godfather. Yeah. And, you know, we're getting it like 15 years after the, the last one. Um, but you can kind of tell, like, there's not. He doesn't really have his heart in this one. No, um, it's no. like he, he he feels like he has to make it at least you know around the three hour mark, but it's like I get pretty bored with a lot of the. Vatican yeah, I stuff think Andy Garcia is good. Yeah, um, there, there, I guess there are things about it that I don't dislike, but uh, when there's it's some over, scenes that are really great in it. Yeah, that no, helicopter attack scene is badass. Incredible. Yeah, it's, it's, oh it's, that part. Yeah, it's fantastic. Sure. Though it does feel like just like well, we got Al Pacino and he was in Scarface. That's what that. Scene feels like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is great, yeah. yeah. But I also feel like at this point, after seeing Dick Tracy a couple times over the summer, I kept waiting for Pacino to like attribute, say, say something, and then attribute it to a dead president. You know, just he comes close. <laughs> he does. He comes close really a couple does. times in the movie. Um, yeah, the casting of Sofia Coppola is not good, and I, you yeah. know, and, and it's I, not fair to be. I, I, I like. I think we can. You I'm know, probably just the being point forgiving can, towards her because she's a good director. Well, that's the thing. It's like she had the last laugh. So there's no yeah. point in beating her up for doing this movie. She did, and Coppola didn't want her in this. She, she, he wanted Winona Ryder, but he couldn't get Makes her. Makes sense. Well, because um, she was, she, she dropped out because she was going through exhaustion. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So yeah. she dropped out of the project and. Like, well, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sophia, you want to yeah. take on mm-hmm. this role? And clearly was not, I mean. She's not an actress. No, she's not, not at all. Actress. But she, but she, you know, what, what's the point of, you know, there's no point in beating her up over it. Cause she's a great director now, but it's, it's also weird. At one point there's an Elvis Costello song playing in a Godfather movie. And I'm like, <laughs> did Sophia direct this scene? Uh, this is weird. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's there's there's great scenes in it visually. Of course, it's 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 awesome. Of course, um, but it just feels like uh, you know, like I said, it's unnecessary. He didn't even yeah. make it. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> I I I'm, the first time I saw this movie, I really liked it, hmm. and I I remember watching it because I had just had surgery on an ingrown toenail and got to stay home from school, Ouch. and Godfather Part Three came out on video that week, so I had it and I watched it with my toe up and uh and i'm like i I really like this movie um i literally just watched this movie again last night i was i was holding off on this and dance it's a good way to end end, end yeah um i was holding off with the two like longest movies and watching it again first of all going back to what i said about the two jakes that it struck me watching it this time what a weird parallel those two movies Mm. have about uh the regret of loss and characters that had died in the past and whatnot um there, there is great. I think there is great stuff in this movie, and it is punctuated by what Colin just said—the lack of heart that Coppola. It, almost, it feels like Coppola was made to do this movie. Mm-hmm. Like it, it didn't have. It, what, I think he's just said that. Actually. Yeah, he's been on record. Yeah. To say it it that. has the feeling like when Robert Evans said when Robert when he originally did The Godfather and cut it down to an hour and a half, and Robert Evans said, "No, put everything back. I want to smell the spaghetti." <laughs> And he did, and they created you know a masterpiece. And with this one, I think like 
I was really interested in them connecting the mob to the Vatican. I think. Oh that, yeah, and that's I wish there was more. I wish that that was the central focus. Right. right. Um, I do like the Andy Garcia stuff. In yeah, the movie. he's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that that helicopter tech sequence is is, is pretty great. Um, but and, and I don't mean this to just knock Sofia Coppola, but. It is a large part of what's wrong with this movie. The the scene, the, the, I don't know who came up with the idea to do the let's have the Andy Garcia and the first cousin, okay, get together. Uh, who decided that that was going to be a thing and that that was going to be like you know the thing that a little weird. Michael that you know, Michael Corleone says like, hey, if you want to be Godfather, you can't screw your cousin. <laughs> you know, <it's> just like, <laughs> like that's like the moment where Andy Garcia grows up. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, really? Yeah. That's that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sofia Coppola has one of it, it, it's it's a terrible piece of writing, and it's the, the delivery of it even makes it even worse when uh, Michael Corleone actually confronts her on it about sleep, you know, being with her cousin. He goes, she goes. You can't, you know, you can't be in love with your cousin. Your first, he, and it's like, she's like, why not? Like, he's your first cousin. Well, then I will love him first. And I'm, I'm just like, oh, I actually shut the movie off for a moment. I'm like, oh my good god, oh, oh my god, mercy. Coppola, gross, who wrote that? Francis gross. or Mario? Which one of you wrote that line? Um, no, no, no. And, and but 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 the thing that, well, the last thing I'll say about it is that the reason why I don't mind beating her up on this because <laughs> the emotional payoff of the movie loses something because of her because yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at I can see movie, I can see that when argument. she yeah. is dispatched um you don't you you feel like Pacino sells it better than yeah. the, the moment deserves but you don't care that that character what happens to that character at the end of the movie I That's think it, it's a large hole in this movie and Winona Ryder would have sold a more Oh, she, yeah, she would have been winsome, much kind better. of, yeah. you know, and it would have been a tragedy, a bigger tragedy at the end of the movie. Um, but I still, I'm still, I will still recommend the movie. I don't think it is a, again, the vitriol. This is a movie of unforced, <laughs> or forced vitriol, I think, sometimes. Rocky Five and Godfather Three and Days of Thunder. And it's like people just press down on a year that I don't think is very good. As a whole, even though I've said a lot of positive it's, things, yeah, we didn't really say that at the top. Uh, it's not a very good year, not really. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a worse '90s year to come, but uh, but yeah, mm. um, not a fan of '92. But uh, uh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, but um, what is it like the even years or I don't know. No, no, it's <laughs> nothing, like, it's nothing like that at all. It's no. just no. '91 and '93 are great. I think yeah. in, my, in my memory anyway, but yeah. we'll see. And we're gonna get to 1991 in one year. Yeah. So we did it. it. We are out of here. We're done. Well, no, we got to reveal our top ten list. That's true. Or top twenty. Top 20. twenty. Okay, I got twenty. Um, um, well, one of them I have to. One of them I have on here is a movie that um, it's not on our box office mojo list, but it's it's considered a nineteen ninety movie. It's Criterion put it out. It's an Israeli movie called Close Up. Oh, that's the one I watched last night, and it's also on my list. Oh, good. I okay. absolutely love this movie. It's great. It's yeah. sort of like, uh, yeah. It's, I don't I, even know. No, I know. Yeah. It's, 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 you, it's okay. It's, uh, don't worry about okay. it. It's okay. Because um, I would never would have, this never would have been on my radar either if it wasn't in the uh, 1001 Movies You Must See Before You Die book. Um, so uh, we got it and watched it, and it's it's really, a, a, it's almost like, I could, I could, 
I wonder if Steven Soderbergh cites this movie as an influence because it's very experimental in that it's a pseudo-documentary, semi-narrative, semi-documentary. You're not sure which one you're watching. It jumps back and forth in time. Yeah, um, the people that were involved in the true story are reenacting yeah. what happened to them. Yeah, so it's, it's like that kind of experimental like narrative Docudrama movie. fiction. <laughs> it's hard to describe right. it. But, it's, but that, that's what I kept thinking of. Is like This is the kind of movie Soderbergh would make. And this is the original, in my opinion, the original and better version of the imposter which is a documentary that i think is really fascinating uh this one really worked on me even more yeah. on an emotional level especially by the end yeah Whew. so i'm glad i just want to mention that. Okay. yes close-up okay. is great all right who wants to go first i'll go first with um number 20 being adam agoyan's speaking parts 19 dances with wolves 18 the grifters 17 awakenings 16 the cook the thief his wife and her lover 15, Edward Scissorhands. 14, Longtime Companion. 13, Dark Man. 12, Lisa. 11, Back to the Future Part 3. Number 10, Blue Steel. Number 9, The Exorcist 3. Number 8, Close Up. Number 7, Miami Blues. Number 6, Jacob's Ladder. Number 5, Miller's Crossing. Number 4, Monsieur Aya. And number 3, Joe versus the Volcano. Number 2, Pump up the volume, and number one is Goodfellas. And man, number one and two, you can just pretty much switch those around mm-hmm. in my mind because they're both number one. Mm-hmm. My number 20, Dick Tracy. Yes. <laughs> I don't, yeah. no, don't apologize. I wanted it in there. I no, really wanted good. it in it's there. Good. It'd be in my top 25. Uh, 19 months here, here. I, yeah, well, I don't know how to say pick, it. Pick, pick a pronunciation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> number 18, White Hunter, Black Heart. Uh, number 17, Miller's Crossing. Number 16, Longtime Companion. Number 15, To Sleep with Anger. Number 14, mm. Edward Scissorhands. Number 13, Die Hard 2. 12, Without You, I'm Nothing. Uh, number 11, Pump Up the Volume. Number 10, The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. Number 9, Postcards from the Edge. Number 8, Akira Kurosawa's Dreams. Number 7, The Freshman. Number six, close up. Number five, wild at heart. Number four, Gremlins two. Number three, Jacob's ladder. Number two, Goodfellas. Number one, Joe versus the volcano. Yeah, Gremlins two should be on my list. And why it doesn't? Sorry, <laughs> I right. forgot to pick. That's all right. I'll probably redo this list again because I've yeah, done that before. I've, I've literally been redoing my list as we've been <laughs> yeah. talking. It was like, uh, yeah, yeah, um, it happens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number twenty, men don't leave. Number nineteen, misery. Number 18, Edward Scissorhands. Number 17, White Hunter, Black Heart. Number 16, Reversal of Fortune. Number 15, Tremors. Uh, Number 14, Quick Change. Uh, 13, Total Recall. Uh, 12, The Freshman. Uh, 11, The Grifters. 10, Jacob's Ladder. 9, Awakenings. 8, Gremlins 2, The New Batch. 7, Joe vs. the Volcano. 6, Dark Man. 5, Die Hard 2. Four, The Hunt for Red October. Three, Dances with Wolves. Two, Miller's Crossing. And number one, Goodfellas. Wow. All right. See, there were good movies in 1990. There, there were. were. There yeah. were definitely good. Yeah, of course. I always love doing this, and thank you guys for joining me on this journey. It's always a joy. I love always. doing this, too. I'm starting to live for it now. It's like one of my favorite things. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to do in the year. It's I like, know, right? You know, the Chicago Critics Film Festival and this podcast and a couple yeah, other things that I really go. look forward to doing. And when right. award season's always- over, I'm like, yes! <laughs> I'm really right. looking forward to 91. Me too. Yeah. 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 It's just to rewatch. Because I'm going to... The, the, the last thing I'll say is that making the best of list was harder 
because I was watching a lot of stuff that I was only like kind of middling, mm-hmm. like and stuff I really mm-hmm. wanted to rewatch. I didn't. I'm like I've seen these movies hundreds of times, and I'm just like maybe I should have rewatched a couple of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doesn't help. It doesn't hurt. Yeah. All right. Find everybody where? Okay, let's oh. start with uh, Colin. Where can people find you on the social medias? Uh, read me at rogerebert.com, a short films in focus piece that comes out every month. Um, I'm on Twitter as Colin underscore Suter, although that, I rarely use that account, but I, I think I'll jump back into it at some point. Um, or it's at Santa Film Pod for the Christmas Movies Actually podcast, uh, which will have a new episode soon. I don't know what we're going to cover, but I know you're going to be on soon for The Silent Partner. Can't wait. That'll be later oh, in, later in March. Yeah. Late March, early April for that episode. Before that, we'll have something else. I don't know what yet, but anyway. Cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, for me, uh, the bulk of stuff that you want to sort of consolidate everything is still at efilmcritic.com, and uh, I have started writing again at efilmcritic.com. Oh, nice. uh, festival stuff at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, long as well as at the Now Play Network, uh, stuff at efilmcritic, the uh, Movie Madness podcast is linked there, all 170 episodes of it. Keep it coming. Um, Keep it yeah. Coming. Um, also, uh, at, uh, I'm still doing Nick DiGilio's show on WG and radio uh, all the podcasts uh, are linked there as well um, i write a box office column for rotten tomatoes every week and uh oh i'm on television and business first am talking box office there as well and all the youtube links are linked at the phone critic as well hooray and you can find me at VoicesVisions.net as well as the now playing network.net directorsclubpodcast.com and uh oh yeah letterbox that's something we oh, should always bring up yep, for me too, too. Yep. yeah um now playing jim at letterbox check me out there eric the movie man at letterbox uh just colin Suter. i don't know that's yeah. just my name oh cd Suter. oh i'm sorry i do have there a screen name c-e-s-o-u-t-e-r also Find chicago critics film festival is coming up may 1st through may 7th at the music box theater Get your tickets soon, or get your passes soon, maybe. March 9th, passes will be on sale, along with the first uh, seven titles we will be announcing. And then sometime, uh, probably in early April, we'll be announcing the full lineup and schedule, and individual tickets will be on sale there. Probably, like, second week of April, I'm thinking. It's a great way to spend my birthday. I'm glad that you guys have it in May. (laughs) We'll be playing Die Hard 2. Yep. No! Thirtieth anniversary, big guy. Oh God! <laughs> thank you, everybody, and thank you, Colin and Eric. Bye. 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 So Be careful about how we talk about Goodfellas then. Um, Yes. Jesus H. Christ.